A world in ruins and brothers betrayed. The vengeful spirit has finally left the orbit of Istvan III. Countless brother Astartes lay cold in the ground, betrayed by their own gene fathers. Whatever has possessed the minds of these four sons of the Emperor, we may never know. However, reports abound of a ship under fire jumping into the warp away from the fleet may yet be a herald of light in these darkest of times. Stay tuned, brothers. Radio Free Istvan will continue to broadcast updates on the movements of the Trader Warmaster. And remember, the Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Free Istvan listeners? And welcome to episode 42 of Radio Free Istvan, a Horse Heresy 30K podcast. Uh, my name's Michael, and I have my co host Ryan here. You know what to do, Ryan. What's going on, everybody? So, yeah, fucked you up. I was going to say, say what's going on, everybody. What's going on, Ryan? No. I was waiting on it. I yeah. was waiting on it. Fucked you up. Threw, threw me a curveball. So, episode 42, guys, and uh, still rocking and rolling strong. We got a pretty pretty good episode for you. What the fuck? <laughs> Michael's like, ooh, squirrel. Oh, okay, it's no, it's the... It's the yard guys, dude. I just saw some straight dude like walking in my backyard, just straight up. I was like, "What the fuck?" Okay, we're good. We're good. Anyway, black helicopters. Black helicopters. They're here. They're here to get me. They're trying to send me to a FEMA camp. They're trying to stop the rule breakdown of Inferno. <laughs> so anyway, it's Guys Workshop. They're here. It's they the C and D department. <laughs> We have the document. They triangulated the stream. They know. <laughs> anyway. Interdimensional Games Workshop. <laughs> no. Anyway, go ahead. So we got a pretty good show for you guys. Uh, first off, of course, we're going to go over our intro. We're going to you know, do a little bit of bantering if we haven't already started that. Then we got some hobby progress for you. Some pretty cool hobby progress, if I do say so myself. Uh, then we're going to cover some emails. We've got a couple emails that we're going to read over, some fun stuff. And then we're going to uh, go over y'all's voicemails, as per usual. And then uh, Ryan's going to go down, go through the breakdown of the Space Wolves and Thousand Suns rules in Inferno. Yep. So get ready for that. And boy. also some general, some general game knowledge, because a, just uh, this isn't like some facts I have, but just going off what people are saying on Facebook, a lot of people have no idea how the psychic phase works. So we're going to go over the psychic phase because it seems to me like a lot of people in 30 K have either not used psychers or used them or been exposed to them to such a limited degree that they really don't understand. So we're going to go over that because I feel like it's important with thousand suns coming out. Yeah, absolutely. Just like from the baby steps forward, like because generally people in 30k haven't had to use psychic phase too much, right? right. And, so and if their opponent the, just, has it, you know, right? Just the general, we're not going to go through like every power or whatever, just basically how you select powers, how it works, how warp charge works, all that. We're going to go over that. Badass. So, uh, on top of that, we have after we go through all that rules breakdown, I, I believe that's going to take a good minute of time there. Uh, yep. then it's going to be the, and this is part one, so it's going to be just Thousand Suns and Space Wolves, but next, we, next week we'll, we'll go over the Custodes and Sisters of Silence, which is a lot less beardy. I mean, well, there's one dude. There's, there's one dude who's a little rough, but 
Uh, we'll see. I've not broken it down yet. I'll I'll shut up till now. But the uh, one of those two army factions, I'm not a fan of. <laughs> Poor sisters of silence. They tried. Anyway, and then we're gonna go over a 2,500 point Alpha Legion Pride of the Legion list, a 3,000 point Emperor's Children Third Company Elite list, a 2,000 point Salamander Pride of the Legion list, and a 2,000 point Dark Angels Pride of the Legion list. It's three prides, man. Three Pride of the Legion lists. The reason that's probably like that is two of those armies salamanders have no way to get anything as troops that isn't already troops mm-hmm. so pride of the legion super popular with them because they have two garbage rights of war and they have no characters or anything to unlock anything as troops so just that's just facts um and then dark angels don't have any special units or anything yet so once again pride of the legion or armor breakthrough or something like that to get you out of tacticals is usually pretty popular. So there you go, boys. Then, then Alpha Legion, the guy wrote me a Pride of the Legion list. So I just kept it and just changed some things. <laughs> All right. So that's how that works out, fellas. So, I mean, I guess we'll just jump right into it. Just jump right into the intro. Yep. How's your life going, Ryan? <laughs> going fine. Still just bl- blasting out black shields and writing lists and doing homework for the podcast. Man, you're just like extracurricular right now. I made a steak the other day after I saw your steak on the on the yeah, feed, by the uh, way. Buddy Andrew, he apologized. He made amends for driving through my yard with a monster truck or whatever he had and put a big rut in my yard. And uh, I didn't know who did it. I just posted it on our little... I think I talked, told the story, but yeah. we have a little Facebook group that's just our game club, and I just put a picture of my yard with the big tire track through it. I was like, come on, fellas. Like, not, like, blaming anybody. I wasn't mad. I didn't even need to know who it was. It was just like, let's try harder to not do this so I don't get yelled at from my wife. And <laughs> um, he apologized, and by doing so, brought me two, two big cuts of meat. And each each cut I got three steaks out of. So I really got six steaks. And he brought me an uh I have horse license plate. I went out to put it on my truck the other day and realized there's no like they don't have that on the new Tacoma. So I have a, a twenty sixteen Tacoma and there's no way to mount a license plate on the front. How do you Well how do you mount your license plate then? On the back? Y'all don't have to have a front license plate? No. Huh. We have to we have to have a front license plate. Hmm. I had to zip That's, tie mine in because my front bumper doesn't have a place for a front license plate. Right. The the Tacoma doesn't either. It's zip tied on my grill. Hmm. That's crazy. So, laws. Yeah. Laws. <laughs> Joe Rogan's you have more than four laws in Texas, you have five. You have to have a license on the front of your car. <laughs> you have to have a license plate on the front of your car? Sad. Yeah, sad. <laughs> sad. Don't say anything about tigers. <laughs> nope. We don't got them tiger laws like y'all do. Uh, <laughs> did you listen to Joe Rogan's podcast the other day where he's bringing up tigers again? I think it was uh, Pete Holmes on or somebody he had on. Uh, it was the two hunter guys. Ryan, uh, the guy from Meat Eater. Uh, Ryan, 
I can't remember his last name, but it's the two guys that own that hunting supply company that the one guy's on meat eater all the time. Yeah. Yeah. They're talking about tigers. They could not like, these are like conservationists and like, they could not believe how many tigers were in Texas. Yeah. Can't let that boy out tiger me. So you're yep. talking about your black shields, man. Where, where are you at right now on them? Let's just jump right into hobby progress. Cause so I finished my veteran squad. So I got one, one more squad of infantry. So 10 infantry left. And I started on one of the guys and then I got my five vehicles and I'm started on the vehicle. I'm working on the black right now cause they're all airbrushed red and I'm working on the black. So I got just basically just the black started on two or three of them. And then I got my display board in the other day that from secret weapon, the tiles. Yeah. The four tiles four, I, right? Well, I bought a four by four section and I wanted to make a six tile one. Oh shit. Okay. So I picked out the six tiles I'm going to use. And then I bought one. There's one, the kit that is like the border around your display board. I bought just one to see if, because obviously it's designed for a four by four, but I was trying to see if the pieces would fit so you could do a, a two by a two by two by three tile, and you can. So I need to buy another border kit and just throw away the corners and keep the three straight or the four straight pieces, and I can do it. Or two, I only need two of the straight pieces out of it. Hmm. So what I'll do is buy one, take the two straight pieces out of it, and then maybe talk to somebody like Pretty or somebody that's doing the same thing and give give them my other two straight pieces so they can do a two-by-three as well if they want. Nice. What a good guy. Yeah. So that's it. And then I sent you some... I've been Now that all the bases are done, as I finish squads, I've been putting them on their bases. So I have four infantry squads now fully painted and on their bases so i got the fifth squad to do and then the the five vehicles to do what's crazy is like you sent me those pictures of your uh vets and i looked at them and i was just like dude these look so good i didn't even notice their bases were done i was so encapsulated by the captivated captivated sorry (laughs) by the beautiful beautiful painted red They look good. They look real good. I didn't even see the the bases were done. I like it. I like it a lot. And now you're working on your dreadclaws? Yep. Well, the infantry and then the vehicles. Infantry, then vehicles. I'll post these well, up online. I'll post these up on the picture dump. They look fantastic. You're so close. You're so close to being done. I didn't do... I forgot to like do the marks on the calendar to see... Like, I have this many days and this many models, but we'll see. Uh, on the last uh, Road to Heresy podcast, uh, they were talking about... Because they were playing that doubles tournament, and I guess it was Max and Tom. Max and Tom, I believe, Road to Heresy. They... Uh, uh, they were talking about how they're going to this doubles tournament and I guess Max didn't tell him until like two days before that he had like hadn't painted anything. <laughs> like he's like, look, I hadn't painted anything. Like I'm, I was like, that is so fucking brutal. <laughs> like, why would you 
do that. Like, is I was just Mac, thinking, like, two, shit. two days before the fucking, like, the doubles tournament, the Horace Heresy doubles tournament. Like Did the it one, have to be painted? Did they have a painting requirement? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was in uh, Warhammer World, so, like, they, like, absolutely has to be painted. And then, uh, like, apparently he was, uh, like, having, uh, man, I want to say it was, like, makeup time, like, you know, like, like, dinner for his wife or something like that, like, trying to, like, make her happy because he was going to this doubles weekender tournament. <laughs> like, so he's like, by the way, I have two days to paint it. They're not painted. And I don't, I won't have any time to paint them. Like, sorry, so bro. So what happened? Uh, his partner ended up like just painting some shit up real quick. And, but he wasn't happy with the paint scheme and all that jazz. Mm. But they I think they still took it. I believe it was like a Sakaran that needed to get painted up and some shit. It's brutal. So, but yeah. Did you ever decide on? I sent you those emails. Did you ever decide on what we're doing? Yeah, yeah. Armor breakthrough all day. Okay. Yeah. So I need to paint that other guy. Then I'll pull him out and take him to work. So. So that is. Do you like? Do you hear all this uh, uh, yard work going on right now? Hear a mower in the background, just barely. It's not distracting though. Okay. I'll just make sure. Slowly get loud and then slowly fade away. But it's yeah. like it's not it's very subtle in the background, at least I to feel, me. I feel like this is as bad as it's gonna get because it's like right outside the window. So Yeah. We'll be alright. Yeah, people listening right now. My lawn looks great. <laughs> <laughs> so first world problems. <laughs> the, the lawn men ruined my podcast. <laughs> Did you see that uh, that thread I sent you about the guy living with the Amazon tribe? Did you read through that? No. I was too busy reading the, the Mars <laughs> fucking CIA disclosed document. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, we don't need to get into that, but I sent you. <laughs> did you read that? Did you read it? What? The Mars document. The Mars. Oh, I didn't read it? What? No, I didn't. Um. I sent you the tribe thing. We're going to talk about it. Cool. We're going to talk. Tell me about, okay, hold on. Tell me about the Amazon. I want to hear that story. And then well, I'll just talk. read the thread. But what it was, there's a guy, this mixed martial arts forum I like to go to and just read stuff. Every once in a while, people, they have like this, it's called, uh, they have part of the forum that's just like random shit. You put whatever. And one of the guys that posts on the forum all the time is like some, he's, he's a doctor of something. And he flew to South America and went to one of these tribes that like they're like a you know they straight live in the jungle they've only known that they've only they were only discovered in like the 1950s okay so they're like super primitive and he lived with them for like i forget what he said like six months or a year or whatever and just studied them and wrote a bunch of stuff down so he's basically just like i got back from my trip I have all these photographs. Ask me anything. It's like I can ask me anything. Like I lived with an Amazon tribe for a year. Ask me anything, and people Crazy. were just asking him. And it's just cool because, you know, he was just, like he was showing pictures and answering questions, and it's, it's pretty interesting. Huh. I was listening to. Uh, I got an audio book from Audible. It was uh, Food of the Gods. And, like, basically it was explaining, like, how Amazonian shamans and stuff like that from, like, these these tribes, like, Just the different... Discovered, like, ayahuasca and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, like, what how what they did with, like, ayahuasca and, like, how they, like, uh, 
you know, if you take their medicine, it, it was very weird because it basically it was like this like new age kind of book where it's like uh, they they're trying to explain like holistic medicine and stuff like that, like you know, trying to explain like how other medicine would work because Amazonian shamans don't uh, they don't prescribe medicine to their patients. They take all of the drugs <laughs> like they do like. <laughs> like they're like, oh, you're you're you got fucking herpes. Hold on, I'm gonna need some ayahuasca for this. And like they get like the the more hardcore sick you are, the more like drugs they take. <laughs> like yeah, they're like, oh, this isn't seems, working. <laughs> this seems legit. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not working. You're not getting any better. Let me <laughs> <laughs> let me take some shrooms real quick. So yeah, so like basically they're uh, they're explaining how all that works and uh uh. I don't know, man. It's pretty crazy because, like, they they receive information from like their ancestors or gods on like how to fix these people, and that's how it works. Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, okay, that's what I need to do." They're this kind of sick, okay. And then, like, you know, can't be a shaman forever if you don't save people. So, yep. I'm just saying, man, it's some weird stuff. Yep. Anyway, I sent that link to that thread to you, so you should definitely check it out. It's pretty cool. I will. I will check it out. Check it out as soon as, as soon as we're done with this. But you definitely need to check out that Mars thing. I'm good. It, was, it wasn't even like uh like somebody like going to Mars. It was remember the like you 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 believe in like the remote. They're like you like have research. I got I got too much shit. I I'm too <laughs> I'm fucking just too blue collar. I got work and a wife and I just don't have time. I don't. Have just don't. I don't have time. Well, do you remember the CIA like had that remote viewing program, like that movie, The Men Who Look at Goats or The Men Who Stare at Goats? You ever heard of that? Like no, remote not viewing? Really. I don't <laughs> want to talk about this. <laughs> I can't know about this. I don't. I don't need any of this. I don't. <laughs> I don't need it. So anyway. I'm not shitting on it. I don't know any. I'm just. I'm just. <laughs> Just let me go to work and do my thing, man. <laughs> I don't need to know about. I don't need to know about real life nope, psychics. Nope. About I your can't. witchcraft. Nope. I can't. I can't sleep as it is. So <laughs> knowing there's goddamn magicians out there. <laughs> <laughs> Magic real. Don't. My whole yeah. life. Oh <laughs> uh, shit. So yeah. Anyway. I'll put look. I'll post the link on Radio Free Span <laughs> if you're if you're interested in this. Anybody listening right now, it's it's bonkers. Tim from the Ivor shared it with us, and I was like, "What's this?" Like Tim has probably like Tim is an Australian, probably has more declassified CIA documents than like most of America does. Like just like he's like so. I want to say Tim probably knows more he, about he like has, <laughs> he has the documents. He has the documents. <laughs> Like uh, I would shit. say, like Tim, Tim knows more about our political system than most of the people in our country. <laughs> like, yep, I'd put it in the high eighty percent of people in our country. Tim from Australia knows more about our political system than than eighty percent of Americans. Probably. So yeah, but I'll, I'll post the link to that document so uh, so you guys can uh, so you guys can have a look for yourself about this remote viewing project. Where they were remote viewed into Mars, and uh, <laughs> a million years ago, yeah, oh yeah, 
He's legit. It's a CIA document. I, I don't <laughs> don't need it. <laughs> uh, the babies, they're going to take the baby's blood and they're going to feed them. <laughs> uh, so anyway. So what'd you get hobby progress wise? I got this bad boy on the way. Warlord Titan painted it. Well, first layer. Yeah. I seen it. It's really cool. You got it on a wagon there. Yeah, it's probably it weighs a thousand pounds. <laughs> these little wagons, dude. Do you have one of these? Yeah. No, I need to get one. Okay. Yeah, you can have this one. I'm gonna get a different one. I'm gonna get a black one. But this one's All in right. good shape. She's a little rough because she's been through Adepticon one time and I paint on it, and it was in the bed of my truck for a little bit. I don't know if you want this one or if you want to get your own, but I'll give nah, you this back. I got, an idea. I got an idea for a wagon for someone as a gift, but because it's a gift and it's a surprise, we need to talk about it off air. Oh, I like it. Because I'm going to get a black wagon, and I'm going to take all this stuff off, and I'm going to put, like, I'm going to have my mom. She does, the, she does vinyl cutting, but she also, like, prints the stuff to the vinyl. Like she'll make like mm-hmm. push press vinyls on shirts and stuff. So I'm gonna have her put like honk if you love heresy on the on the ass of it and stuff like that. Oh, and that's just, cool. Just stupid shit. But uh, but I got this little red wagon with the warlord on it right now. But so anyway, so originally I was just gonna paint that warlord gray, right? Well, because I'm so indecisive of how I wanted to paint my uh, my uh, display board. So like originally I was like, okay, cool. Let me order this like this white like this white recipe that, you know, Scott I got from Scott who in turn got from like Kenny Boucher's Triaros and all that stuff. I ordered like all the paints for that white recipe and then I was sitting there and I was thinking like, okay, and I kept like looking over and over again like how I thought this would look. And uh I started like kind of painting it like a test paint and i was like bad doesn't look bad like it looks i like i like the way it looks i was like man it's like it'd be really cool because i was thinking about how blood angels would have like their ship and i was like man it'd be really cool to paint marble so i'm looking at marble effects i'm looking up all this like stuff like how to do like marble stuff and then i see somebody's ar-15 was dipped in marble and i was like and marble and i was like that looks pretty cool like you know ar-15 dip and i was like oh fuck i was like you can hydro dip anything i was like well I was like, I bet you I could hydro dip one of those display boards. Like, I can hydro dip the board and then paint the trim so it looks like the interior squares are marble, but there's like still like trim and all that stuff. Yeah. And so I was like, well, well, I'm, I'm not like, it couldn't hurt to try it. So I ordered a meter by a meter of marble from China. Like it's a it's hydro dip marble. I've got the activator and everything like that. Uh, it'll be in on Tuesday. And so I'm going to try and dip my, my uh, forge roll tiles into a marble hydro dip. And then I'm going to paint the trim. And so hopefully it'll look like a giant marble floor that uh, on a Blood Angel ship. I don't know. If it comes out good, man. Like, Yeah, it'd be cool. So, But anyway, so I had all that extra white paint because like, I bought like four things of each pot of paint. And I was yeah. like, well, I got to do something with it. And so... I started painting yeah, the... It looks good. What what you got done so far looks good. So, like, it's very weird because this is, like, this is a wood color. This is wood. And then yeah. followed by light gray. Like, what the fuck? Like, that does not make sense to me, but it looks like a like a tan. Yeah. Looks cool. So, I don't know. 
I didn't I wasn't I didn't paint white. So they're supposed to be like a like a white. You're supposed to go like in there with a white over it to like in the in the middle. But mm-hmm. my airbrush was spitting and so I just yeah. kinda backed off on that. So I was like, eh, gray looks good. And then I'm gonna have to paint all this trim. And once all the trim's painted up, then I'm gonna hit it all with uh AK interactive, rust streaks and streak and grime and all that shit. And then wipe it all down. But yeah, that's what I've been working on. Hopefully this cool. next podcast I'll be like, it fucking worked! <laughs> All excited. <laughs> well, next podcast I'm hoping to have the vast majority of my uh, last infantry unit done. I need to have at least seven models of the infantry unit done. And then hopefully all the black will be done on these vehicles. And then the display board will hopefully be at least primed. We should be still on track, but it's still going to be close. Love it. Hey, we're pretty much there, dude. Pretty much rock and rolling. Be awesome if I could get it done with like a week to spare, just so I'm not fucking stressing all the way up until. Stressing? Nah, man. You got to be confident. If you even put like a little bit of doubt that it's not going to work, it won't work. You got to like be confident the entire time. You got to put them good vibes in the universe. Yeah. Or you could not. And that way you're prepared (laughs) because you're like, I'm worried about this. So I need to make sure I get it done and use it as motivation as opposed to just being like, oh, I don't give a fuck. Let's go have a beer and not worry about this and then it not get done. (laughs) Then you got to text your boy two days before the event (laughs) and let him know. They used the car and ain't gonna be ready. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck yeah. But yeah, that's what I've been working on, dude. I'm glad that you're you have seen it as much progress as I have. Uh so just on a good note as well, uh Blood and Skulls Industries told me yesterday that hopefully by this Sunday or Monday, the dreadnought legs should be on a store. Cool. I need a set because I need that and I need to get a Death Guard uh, Dreadnought to steal torso and shoulder pads for him. Have you ordered them already? Mm-mm. Okay. I have two. And two so, what? Death Guard Dreadnoughts. Why'd you have two? How do you just have like this random shit? <laughs> because, man, like I, I told you a long time ago that I ordered Death Guard. Like, look, I mean, I got Phoenix Guard sitting on my desk. I just got, I know. I, I know. I got shit, son. <laughs> You're like we have a buddy Jay that lives by himself and he just has an apartment that's literally just full. Like when I say full, I mean full, like of unbuilt models. And he just keeps buying more and more. And I'm like, dude, you literally have probably <laughs> like I can't even tell you how many points and units. And he just keeps buying more and I'm like you got literally like six full armies just in plastic bags in your house that haven't even been assembled yet. Why are you still continuing to buy new stuff? Dude, this drawer, this drawer right here, I don't know if you can... Yeah. That that, that drawer, that bottom drawer, is just fucking full of just Marines. Like just, like assault Marines, Uh, there's Mark III Marines in there, there's like two Prospero sprues, like unassembled, like probably like yeah. 30 dudes ready to go yeah that thing's full like if i ever need like oh, See, i, I don't this. really have any i don't really have anything like that anymore at least all my heresy stuff is at least assembled and uh primed or airbrushed the base color 
except for um, my Krieg stuff, which I've had forever. I have a whole like a whole Krieg army still in the Forge World bags packed away that I, I'm going to do militia out of. Like my project closet, if you go over there and open it, and I got all that shit stacked in there. That's pretty much all my old unfinished 40k stuff that I doubt I'll ever, you know, get to at this point. Mm-hmm. I have some orc stuff in there that I might do for Gorka Morka for that. But as far as like, I got there's probably three thousand points of unbuilt Eldar in there that I I don't foresee me ever doing. I got a bunch of uh, I have a whole legion of the damned army. Still in all, still in the boxes sealed, that I probably won't do. Um, just you know, because I just don't play 40k anymore. Damn. Uh, yeah, no, I've got my Blood Angels I'm working on right now. I've got like the only reason I'm even working on my uh, Jump Infantry Blood Angels is because I haven't gotten those legs in for my uh, for my Dreadnoughts. But mm-hmm. I've got two Leviathans I have to put together. Uh, I have those Death Guard. I have these two fatties who need their new legs. And then the Death Guard, uh, the Death Guard Dreadnought will get the new legs from Blood and Skulls. And then I want to make a Chaplain Dreadnought. And then I have a Busted Up Dreadnought inside that where I tried to make a Chaplain, but he's like super glued. I got to repair that guy. He's got mm-hmm. a... Uh, Cyclonic melt lance. lance. So we'll see how it rolls. But yeah, no, I've got that. My Dreadnought Army, my Blood Angels Army, these Phoenix Terminators, and then my Imperial Militia, or my Militia is probably like the army I want to start the most, but it's just going to yep. take so much conversion work, and I just don't have all the pieces assembled. And then I need five more Land Raiders, and I kind of want to run a Shadow Sword with them, with just like cool. some dude with like a super long scarf. <laughs> like playing in like, the wind yeah like <laughs> <laughs> what needs to die <laughs> like yeah. the, the frenchman so, <laughs> in the middle east yeah i'll probably do like these black shields should be done you know by stiff adepticon hopefully so i don't have to worry about them anymore when i get back from adepticon i'll probably go ahead and finish my salamander since it's like 13 models or whatever it is to finish to have them where I want them. Then I don't know. I might take a break from 30K <laughs> and do some Battletech stuff. I don't Battle know. Battletech. We'll see. We'll see. See how see everything whirls. Well, it sounds good, dude. Ready to get in some emails? I'm ready. All right. Let me whip them out. Okay, so it says here, this comes from Dan Porter, not related to Ben Porter. He says, salutations, just been listening to your podcast, awesome work once again, and thanks for previewing my army in episode 41. I want to let you know that I'll be filming the 30K channel episode on the 9th of April, facing off against Salamanders. I'm not sure what the means in terms of release for the footage, however, I know David is waiting to have more frequent channel releases. This gives me plenty of time to get additions to my armies built and unpainted, though. Uh, if you're interested, I can link you some of the photos of my stuff I have painted if you wanted to add it to the photo dump for the episode. 
I should say I'm an average painter, certainly not up to the standard of the vast majority of the work you feature on your Facebook page. However, it is a reasonable tabletop standard. Uh, I seen the picture, Dan. You're pretty good, bro. You're, you're pretty yeah. good at your painting. It so. looks good. It looks really good. So anyway, it says it also, I'll also follow, finally follow through on my promised stories. I couldn't get your phone to work from the UK, so I'll send you a voice recording instead. I would say, in my defense, the stories are from my youth when I was more devil may care. Uh, please don't judge me on their basis alone. I could provide far more damning evidence of my poor judgment and wayward morals if you truly want to understand the soiled nature of my soul. Hey, at least I didn't come up with the Thousand Sons list. <laughs> <laughs> All the best, my former colonial brethren. <laughs> Dan, what the fuck did you do, Forge World Porter? <laughs> Dude, so funny. So Dan, uh, Dan's part of this uh, uh, Leicaster Fat Cats Game Club. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I've heard of him before. The only reason I've heard of him is there's this guy that plays there named uh, Ross Neil MacArthur, and I always hear all these rumors about him just loving cock. Like, <laughs> like I just see it all the time on Facebook. Like, this dude just straight loves the cock. Like, he's legendary for loving it. So if you've like- never heard of that... Like legit loving the cock, or like it's just like this is like a joke. I, I don't know. Like, like at this I point, just, it's beyond joke level. Like I don't. I like, don't. I don't know. Like I just think it's probably facts. I'm not sure. I mean, it's like it's part of their game club. Like I don't know anything really else about their game club other than I'm heard of them because this Ross who loves Neil MacArthur guy likes cock. That's that's all I know about it. Could you imagine like that's like oh you're the dude that loves cock right? Yeah, son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing. I mean, hell, you know, everybody's got to have a hobby. Did I mean, you? <laughs> who am I to judge? I'm nobody to judge. Did you see the uh, uh, the doctor? Okay, you know that. How about that girl? That little how about that girl? Like, tell me. Yes, you. She was on Doctor Phil, and she's like, "Catch me outside." How about that? Like a little no, little third. Oh I really, my, I really don't. know. Oh my god! So anyway, so there's a 13 year old girl on like Facebook that's like going around and like she basically was on Doctor Phil and was like, you know, you can fight me. How about that? Like just yeah. all this shit. Like just like a totally like rude little girl. And so they followed up with her on Doctor Phil, and he's all, now that you have internet fame, how do you how do you feel now that you have internet fame? Blah blah. blah. Like Doctor Phil style. Yeah. I don't have a good Doctor Phil. Uh. And so she goes, well, she goes, I feel like I'm Oprah. Like, I kind of, like, made you. And, like, he totally defeated, just goes, well, thank you for that. Like, just like, like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I feel like that's how, that's how Mr. Oh, you're the dude who loves cock, right? Like, the- Yeah. <laughs> well, little girl. <laughs> that's Mr. Garrison, I, if anything. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't watch much Dr. Phil. I'll show you, I'll show you that clip here. At the end, at the end of okay. all this, remind me to show you that clip. It's hilarious. He's so defeated. Like it's the most defeated I've seen a man to see him like talking <laughs> to his thirteen year old girl, saying, "Well, thank you for that," because <laughs> she's so arrogant. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> uh. So anyway, Dan did also send a voicemail in. We'll cover that in a second. We got one more email we're gonna go over, and then uh, we'll go. We'll jump him into the voicemails. So, thank you for that, Dan. What the fuck did you do, Forge World Porter? So next up on the list, we got another email from Brother Pink Nuff said. He says, 
Hello, good sirs. I'm the crazy guy that typed up the first two lists you guys went over on the podcast. I was touched by the shout out, and I admit I totally went a little overboard, but Ryan said he had absolutely no time, so I thought he would save him from going back and re-listening to the episode. I live in Japan. If you want to send a Willow DVD my way, I'd love to get it. Yeah, I'm going to. Got got one for you. That's me providing two Willow DVDs out to the world. They went from South Korea to the United States, and now this one's going to Japan. Like this is like this is good. This Willow DVD is traveled more. Willow. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I ask is when you're done with it, you send it to somebody else. <laughs> you give them a chance. <laughs> I could totally send you guys some interesting snacks, too. Unfortunately, I can't find the breakfast cereal with freeze-dried ham in it, but there is a cereal with pumpkin and potatoes. It's good, too. Also, there's a honey butter-flavored potato chips that show up every once in a while. Shoot me an address, and in a month, you might be eating some weird Japanese stuff. (laughs) Some weird (laughs) fucking wiggly stuff. Attach is a story about shitting in Japan with me doing my Gandalf impression that's halfway between god-awful and decent. I have no idea what format would be good, but I attempted to record it on my computer. Hope it works. Keep up the great work, guys. Your rants keep this community from becoming win-at-all-cost asshats. And then his address... It, don't play. Yeah. <laughs> read off the address that he said. So his name is Craig Jones, and he lives in Japan. So do you want to be asshole Americans that just wildly speculate why this guy is in Japan or if he's Japanese or not? No. Craig Jones. Well, Craig Jones seems like a Japanese name. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> maybe it's like one of those Americanized names. Like maybe he lived in America for a while because he has really good English. See, you just said you didn't want to wildly speculate how we're doing it. See what I've caused? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I have a guy, a buddy named Frank, who's from uh, who's from Taiwan, and his name is not really Frank at all. <laughs> Frank from Taiwan. <laughs> we have a guy from. Uh, I think he's Pakistani, and he runs a little convenience store up the road, and it, everybody just calls him Manny. And I go, I asked him one day, I said, Manny, where are you originally from? And he looked at me seriously straight-faced and said, Maryland? Is that the <laughs> <great move? laughs> That's so funny. But he's obviously, like, you know, not from the United States. But he told me Maryland. I didn't push the issue. I just laughed and went on with it. Uh, we ha- uh, This is how hillbilly we are. Like, everybody gets along with him. He's a really cool guy. And these two hillbillies had this old beat-up pickup truck, and they'd went and caught snapping turtles that day to eat. So they had this big snapping turtle in the back of their truck, and Manny wanted to come out and see it. So they're showing him the snapping turtle, and they're like, put a stick in there, and, you know, let it bite the stick in half and shit like this. And uh, they're like, here, man, hold this stick out there and, you know, let it get the stick. So Manny's like all nervous because, you know, this big turtle, it's pretty dangerous. And while he's like, he's looking at it real close, and you can tell he's like, trying to figure out what's going on and he's like looking at this thing and doesn't know what's going on and why he's looking at it one of the guys looked up behind him and grabbed him like grabbed his ribs and like yelled <laughs> and he about jumped out of his skin this poor little pakistani guy that's so funny <laughs> these two rednecks were fucking with him it was funny man i almost clocked an old lady yesterday like like i felt so bad i'm I uh I had to mail off some spices to your buddy Scott, and so I packaged them up. And on my way back home, I swung by the post office, and they have like a little kiosk. And it was like ten o'clock at night when I mailed them off, and so I'm sitting in there and by myself. Everything's like quiet as shit, right? Like I yep. don't know how this ninja lady 
got past the like the door without me hearing it open. And so I'm sitting there of like loading up this package, like getting everything printed out. And she goes, Do you know where to get stamps? And I'm like, boom, I'm like, oh my God, lady, like what the fuck? <laughs> like, dude, like I like you know, like when you're like you get in that fight mode, like your fist clenches up and you're like ready to pop whoever's like right next to you. Dude, like I was a hundred percent ready to clock this lady. And she like, this is her. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. She goes, I'm sorry. Did we just scare you? I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I was like, I almost killed you. I almost destroyed you, lady. Like, look at this thing. Like, uh, you'd have hit the old lady, and she'd have just, like, turned into a dust cloud. Like, when you, when you fucking blow on a dandelion. <laughs> like, when you, like, when you punch a putty in Power Rangers, just poof. Like, oh. Yeah. It's like, oh, no. Like. Dude, like I was like legit, like what so, because it, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, like she walked up to me like sir, sir, like and I could hear yeah. her from far away. She was on me, like if it was a, if it was a snake, it would have bit me. Like, yeah. Oh, dude, it was so fucked up. I was like, oh, you fucking old lady, you almost died just <laughs> now. Don't you ever do that. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that's the first time I've been like scared like that, startled. In a good while. So anyway, let's go to uh, let's go to brother Nuff said's uh, voicemail he sent. He, he's got a Gandalf impression the whole time. Apparently, he even titled the voicemail Gandalf. Dot MP3. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Strap in for this ride, buddy. Hello there. My name is Crack, and I live in Japan. That's a good Gandalf. Things no one tells you about Japan. Is that living here makes you shit like a dog that ate a Taco Bell. And that 50% of the toilets are squatters. Squatters are basically urinals embedded in the floor. You're supposed to drop your drawers, hang your ass out while holding onto something. But I've never figured out where your pants go. Either they're under you, where the crap's going to fall, or they're in front of you asking to get hosed with piss. <laughs> to use a squatter eye stripped down, one shoe comes off, as well as my pants and underwear. My first week here in Japan, I avoided squatters like the plague. I was traveling around visiting a temple famous for its nightingale floor, floorboards that creak whenever an assassin approaches. Anyways, the only bathroom there was one reserved for the monks. And there were only squatters, but I had to shit so bad that I swallowed my pride and snuck back there. I stripped down to butt naked, proceeded to let loose a, a torrent of shit. <laughs> Just then, I realized the door had no latch, and a monk walked in from behind and saw my white ass shitting in his toilet. <laughs> I think that's it. That's it. That's it. Squatters. That's interesting. That's funny because like there's two things I know about Japan. I know that they have squatters. I know about that. But I also know they have like the most advanced toilets that you could like have in the world. Like I know they have like super toilets that like uh this stuff like this is why I'm proud to be an American cube <laughs> Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> All that, I've seen so much like like badass American shit this week, like videos. It's like, oh, by the way, this is why it's awesome to live in America. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then I hear stories like this where like you got a 
squat over a shitter. Like, by the way, uh, what were you eating? That like you like you went to a, a Shaolin monk temple, and you're just like, oh fuck! Like, there's no turning around. Like, I- yeah. Well, if he said he'd only been there a week, maybe he didn't know. You know what I mean? Like, you're just eating some local food, and you don't know what it's going to do to you. Like, imagine if you came here from shit. I don't know. Like, pick any place. Say you came here from the uh, Indonesia or something, and you get here, and you're like, what's this White Castle place? Let's just try this for the first time. <laughs> you know what I mean? What if you went and you got you ate a bunch of Long John Silvers, which will like make you shit like people like White Castle has the bad reputation for making you shit, but what's way worse is Long John Silvers because it's like pure grease. Yeah. Wingstop does that to me too. It just like it's like lubing up the slide. <laughs> like, yeah. like putting so, gravel on imagine, the slide. So you imagine can eating like a entire Long John's meal, like hush puppies, fries, fish, all. And then, like, also eating like a like some White Castle burgers, followed by a handful of sugar-free Harbo gummy bears. Ugh. Would you what? just die? You <laughs> yeah, would literally you'd... take off like a rocket, a rocket of shit. Just <laughs> you'd be that one dude who uh, grounded that plane. <laughs> Tell me you saw that? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? No. It was the one-year anniversary yesterday. He had to shit, so he grounded a plane? Or he shit on the plane, and it grounded it? Yeah. Oh. Well, people can look it up. We don't need to get into that. So, the, so if you're out there, just look up. <laughs> like, Vice did a thing on it, and it actually says, like, it was... It says, looking back at the poop so toxic, it grounded a plane. <laughs> and, like, this, this, the dude who wrote it, like, is, like, speculating. He's like, what happened? He's like... If I'm thinking about the person who did a shit so bad on a British Airways plane that it had to turn around and come back again, what is the person who did a shit so bad on a British Airways plane that it had to turn around and come back again thinking? Are they thinking about that shit? More to the point, are there ever any moments where they're not thinking about the shit that they did so bad that it landed the plane? (laughs) Do their cheeks still glow with the furnace of the embarrassment? Or does life go on? How long could they not sit down? Why would you get embarrassed by that? Unless you're, I guess if you're a chick, if you're a girl, that's the worst. You're never getting a date again. If you're a guy, though, that's funny. It caused a 15-hour flight delay for all the passengers on the plane. Wow. 15 hours. So he says, says, this shit changed people's lives. (laughs) This shit ruined vacations and launched media careers. This shit was (laughs) talked about. (laughs) Uh, That's funny. So just remember, guys, you're always just one poop away, just like uh, <laughs> world news, just like Greg over here, Mr. Jones, like he, like that monk. <laughs> they probably like it's like they probably weren't even supposed to be shitting in that bathroom. That was probably a probably not. Bathroom. I can see it right now, like the local Japanese news. It's like our news where you got the field reporter and she's got the microphone in the monk's face and he's explaining how some white guys defiled his temple and how they need to keep foreigners out. Yeah. Yep, like that's it. you can just imagine that, and like you know, monks like uh, diet is so regulated. So like there was probably only like pebbles of poop in there anyway, like little rabbit turds, and then he goes in there and unleashes the torrent. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just unhealthy poop. That poop probably changed some people's lives. I mean, it didn't cause a fifteen-hour delay and cause people to miss their flights and stuff, but definitely, definitely changed some lives. 
So yeah, good job, man. I will also post a picture of some squatters on the picture dump for you guys. <laughs> Hopefully not being used at the time. No, just a hole in the wall. That happened to Jay. Silent uh, silent giant Jay in our group. He went to China. Yeah. And uh, he said, like, there was just squatters. And he's just like, what the fuck do I do with that? <laughs> just a hole. <laughs> What's with the seashells? Like Demolition Man. <laughs> uh, okay. So... We're just going to move on to voicemails at this point. That's it for the emails, guys. If you have any emails you want us to send off and read in the show, go ahead and write them in. Uh, prefer you put them in voicemail format. Uh, what what Greg did is perfect. What he did is he recorded it. Is it Craig or Greg? Let's see, Greg. Anyway. Yeah. Craig. Yeah, it's Craig. Which, I'm calling him Greg. It's Craig. Yeah. yeah. Japan. What he did was he recorded it on his computer and then sent it in to us. That's perfectly okay, guys. It was something we didn't even think about. Uh, well, I guess Ryan did. Well, actually, I think I guess like Scott did, and then Ryan like submitted it and all that jazz. So like Ryan brought the idea forward. So if whatever reason you you don't want to call our voicemail line, which I completely understand if you're international, just record it on your computer or even on your phone and just email it to us, and we'll play it live on the air. So yeah. We love hearing your guys' stories. It's so good. So, but if you're in America, call the hotline. Unless you got a super long story, because apparently it cuts people off. Yeah. As long as we get to hear the story, we don't care how you send it. Also, <laughs> yeah. our, our emails are ryan at warhammer30k.com and michael at warhammer30k.com. And just know every time you ask us, we assume you don't listen to the show. <laughs> that's my first thought is like this guy doesn't even listen to the show <laughs> like, uh, anyway so first voicemail did we get Connor last week I don't know yes yeah we did the Guatemala story Uh, I'm going to play this one again because it's uh, Connor from Colorado calling in about the event. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and play this one again just because it has an event on it. And it was like we played it last week, but. Hey guys, it's Connor from over in Colorado. Just calling to let you guys know about the awesome impending event on the 11th, 12th, and 13th of August, which is the Clash of the Titans, round dos. Anyway, uh, it's going to be fucking awesome. We need a ton of people to get on, in on this. It's the first three-day event I've heard of in America. Maybe I'm just ill-informed, but I think it's groundbreaking. And we went there, uh, me and my friends went up there recently for their sweet, their winter weekender, and it was fucking amazing. So if we can get a ton of people to come along and just uh, just descend on this thing in force and turn it into an amazing, like, super populous event, that'd be awesome. Uh, there's more details on their website. And I sent you guys an email because I don't fuck around when it comes to getting heresy events off and uh, repped and shouted out. Anyway, um... Thank you guys for doing a great podcast and look forward to hearing more of it. You have a great rest of your day, guys, and stay hard. 
Bada boom. Clash of the Tetons. I will continue to call it Tetons, but three-day event coming up in August. Are you going to go? <clears throat> I don't know. Probably. If you go, I might go. I check a, check on my vacation time because I'm blowing a lot of it for Adepticon and Stiff and Iceland. Yeah, I, I just, have. Day- <laughs> well, it's it's three day weekend, so really wouldn't take a whole bunch of vacation. I just have to ask off that Thursday, Friday, and Monday. So yeah. I think I can knock it out. We will see. My Stiff Adepticon schedule is so crazy. I'm like, there's going to be like a two day period. I'm not going to sleep. That's badass. Because I'm leaving Sunday night late from Texas and flying back to Indianapolis and getting off the plane and going straight into work and then working till midnight. What a boss. <laughs> Hopefully somebody doesn't shit and ground your plane. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a problem. <laughs> but I feel like any any like workplace would completely understand. Like They did what? No, you're fine. Are you okay? Like. Did- <laughs> told you about my job they wouldn't even notice i wasn't there <laughs> you were gone oh i'd call my boss and be like oh, i forgot to swipe my badge um and he'd be like oh that's, that's cool i'll clock you in <laughs> <laughs> okay so on to the next one hey guys josh from tyler uh, I have reached a conundrum. So I'm here uh, getting ready for uh, the surge of Thousand Suns players uh, across the globe. And I was wondering, do I just apply the KY directly to my asshole? Or <laughs> I don't know if I should use KY to begin with. What do you all suggest? Thanks. Bye. <laughs> That's real. He's ready to accept all the players in the world. Uh, it is what it is. We're about to get into it and why it may or may not be a big deal. Uh, but I'm hoping it won't be. So, I don't know. We'll talk about it here when we break them down, though. <laughs> Whoa, this one came out all funky. Hey guys, it's Sam out in Greensboro, North Carolina again. So I told you guys a story about how I got nicknamed Chunky. Uh, so I guess I'll go ahead and tell you the story how I got nicknamed Noodles for a little bit. It's pretty fucking similar. Uh, I got the nickname Chunky when I was out in uh, Iraq with the unit out of uh, Hawaii. Noodles uh, came later from a trip in Afghanistan and... Uh, I got that while I was uh, attached to a unit uh, out of Tennessee driving right now, so I'm slightly distracted while I'm telling this story. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) So uh, we were doing this thing called Med Chase when we follow around uh, medevac birds and stuff, and uh, we were flying around, and uh, we had this call, and I started dipping uh, tobacco just recently while we were there in Afghanistan because you can't smoke while you're flying. So I had a dip in, and uh, we were on the ground waiting, and I was like, man, this is taking too long. We were flying around doing orbits, but the medevac bird was on the ground waiting on the uh, the patient. And we've been there for about 10 minutes in the middle of uh, Marja. This is a bad city. You may know it. It was uh, it's basically kind of like the Fallujah of Afghanistan at the time. Uh, so 
The infantry guys are down on the ground. They're uh, in a circle. Uh, they're all Marines in a circle around the helicopter while it's sitting there. They're trying to get the uh, casualties. Uh, they were civilians, uh, Afghanis, on board. And uh, in the middle at the helicopter, the lieutenant is sitting there standing up. And I'm got we're just doing orbits, and I got a bad feeling. I'm like, oh, this is not good. We need to get the fuck out of here. So then I'm sitting there still dipping, and I'm looking out the window, and uh, I see all the infantry guys hit the dirt. They all just start laying down, and the uh, the lieutenant is going nuts, like grabbing the civilians and throwing them on the ground. Now, my first thought wasn't, hey, uh, they're probably getting shot at. It was, hey, that's weird. Why are they all laying down in that field? They're all going to get muddy. That's stupid. Stupid <laughs> Marines. So... Uh, <laughs> We're flying around still in circles, and that's when I noticed something yellow go from the tail to the front underneath us. I go, what was that? That was really fucking fast. And I see a few more, and I go, holy shit, we're taking fire. Those are bullets. So I get on the comms, and I'm like, holy fuck, we're getting shot at. We need to get the fuck out of here. And uh, my adrenaline's all pumping and shit. And uh, so we finally get out of there, and I'm still all hyped up. But we're on our way out, and we're over the desert now. There's no no real danger anymore. But I'm I'm starting to cool down, but I'm still hyped up. I take a water bottle, take a huge swig out of it, totally forget. I have a full dip in my mouth right now. Swallow it all. So I panic immediately and just start. Does he finish it? Yeah. Also, when you dip in the military, do you offer it to other people? And then when they say no, do you go, bunch of slack-jawed faggots around here. <laughs> this shit will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. Sexual tyrannosaurus, yep. <laughs> That's the only way <laughs> to do it. The Jesse Ventura way. <laughs> Sam again. Uh, fuck you, I'm not recording this shit and sending them to you on email. You can figure this shit out. I enjoy it. So, I swallowed a dip, and my stomach immediately turns upside down. I start dry heaving in the helicopter. We get on the ground, thankfully, and uh, as soon as we get on the ground, I hop out and start throwing up that, that night's spaghetti all over the ground. And it's just coming out, and it's... It's just noodles. That's how I got the nickname, noodles. Oh, man. That's, that reminds <laughs> me of fucking a, a sad lot where they're all trying to dip. <laughs> they ride the fucking the roller coaster rides and stuff oh, like that. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, they're fucking, it just shows the spew, just like hitting people's feet <laughs> and stuff. That's so funny. Man, it's I hope silly. Sam comes back in, uh, to Indiana and visits since he's from Bloomington. I can't wait to hang out with him. <laughs> he's got all these like dude you and helicopters Sam like you, you like they do not work out for you sometimes like you, you, you're either shitting or throwing up on them it's like some bodily fluids coming out well he wasn't the shitter that was the the door gunner was the shitter that they threw the cooler out the window if I remember right oh well he was called Chunky why was he called Chunky oh cause he threw up yeah yeah you're right he threw up uh, eggs and shit cause they called him Chunks yeah yeah, he threw up powdered eggs and stuff like that. Oh, I didn't. I don't remember that story. Did you play that on here? Yeah, it was a while back. Okay, but so anyway, yeah. It's, I just couldn't imagine like 
like seeing woo, what the fuck was oh we're getting shot at like that would well, it's fucking, <laughs> fucking well, ruin my day time. i've never been i've never been shot at before to like <laughs> what the know, fuck was that to, to know what that feeling is holy shit all right got another one Hey, Radio 3 is fam. Uh, my name is Jacob. I'm one of Ryan's regulars. Uh, this is a voicemail in response to a question you posted on Facebook a couple days ago. What's the worst cheater I'd ever come across? Nice. Um, there was an event where I was actually the second TO for the event, so that meant if we ended up with an odd number of players, I was supposed to play. Uh, long story short, uh, I end up one round against that guy for the local group. Um, this is a guy who absolutely could not find pickup games. People would not play against him because um, he, he absolutely was out to play the hardest possible list he could play. And if there was a way to interpret the rules that was beneficial to him, he was going to do that. So long and the short, we're playing this game out. Uh, I was playing at the time a friend's Black Templar Army. This was back in 5th edition against this guy playing... Uh, uh, Logan Wing. So, bunch of Cyclone Missile Terminators, and I'm thinking, okay, uh, I'm just gonna feed the army to the wood chipper. He would have had a body anyway. It doesn't matter. Um, we talk about what terrain is, and then start rolling dice. Go for the game. Well, uh, about two turns into the game, he decides my dice are rolling too well. So, the guy on his turn reaches across the table without asking, just to the TO. And starts rolling my dice, because he said, your dice are rolling too well, I'm rolling yours for the rest of the event. So, needless to say, I was pretty peeved. Thankfully, they weren't my dice. I'd forgotten my dice that day, so I just borrowed a set from the shop upstairs. But I, I maybe it's not cheating, but it's unsporting. And then on my turn, he proceeds to go and start rolling cover saves for a piece of terrain he was in. And I said, what, what terrain feature are you in? He's like, I was standing in this river. And I said, we talked about it at the start of the game. That's difficult, but it's not a cover save. And I said, I've gone the first two turns of this game not claiming any cover from it. And he said, oh, well, that's your fault. Guess I'm just going to keep going and using it for cover. So uh, certainly, certainly maybe not the most overt display of cheating ever, but for somebody to, to do that right to the TO's face, um, I ended up kind of chewing the guy out, and he decided to make it a personal issue. Um, but that's that's a story for another time if you guys ask for it. So, in the meantime, catch you around. Fuck that dude. <laughs> like, for real. <laughs> Fuck that dude. Like, that is... That is why I don't own a taser. <laughs> because, like, that's that's a taserable offense right there. Taserable. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's why I don't carry pocket sand. Like that dude would have reached over, rolled my dice, and I'm like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> like pocket sand in his face. Like, hey, you're disqualified from the event. No, 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 sir. Listen to me, T.O. He started rolling my fucking dice. Fuck that asshole. Pocket sand him. Like T.O. Pocket sands him. <laughs> like <laughs> double pocket sand. You got a taser line around? No, I don't. Damn. <laughs> Fuck that dude. Like, that's trash. Like, what would you do? What would you do in that case if he, like, just started rolling your dice? Like, I'd let him. I tell people that all the time. Well, before I even start playing a game, usually because I have a big de- bag of dice, and um, I always just say, hey, if you need dice, or if, if you're... Because you know how you have to walk around the table sometimes, you know, to move models or whatever? 
I'm like, if, it, feel free if my dice are laying around just to roll them. I don't care. And sometimes, like, if you roll a shitload of dice, like, you, you Fury of the Legion or something, and you're like, here's all these dice, and I score, like, this many wounds, instead of, like, counting up all the wounds and all this, I'll just grab a handful of dice that are successful wounds and give them to my opponent, so you can just roll these if you want. So that kind of thing doesn't bother me. But the guy was clearly doing it to be a dick, so I get what you're saying. You're too soft, Ryan. <laughs> I just don't care. Like, I don't, like... It's just dice. Like I don't, I don't believe in all that. My dice are bad. My dice are cursed. These dice are whatever. Like I don't, I don't believe in any of that. So you can use my dice. I don't give a shit. If you see all me right. in an event, you want to use them, stats me. I'll let you use them. No, I, uh, I have dice juju. You, we follow the rules that you can't buy your own dice. Um. Like, somebody has to buy you dice or else you'll ever... Like, if you go buy, like, pick out dice you want and you buy your own dice, then those dice aren't going to be lucky. Uh, if they start rolling too hot, you've got to, uh, like, set them aside for a little bit, let them cool down. <laughs> there's just certain things, like, there's... <laughs> the only they... thing I joke about is I call all... I try to call all my... Like, anything that's a missile-type weapon, I try to call it rockets, because every time I call them missiles and roll dice, they miss. <laughs> like, every time. Here's, I'm going to shoot these hell like I'll either just leave the word out, like, just say I'm going to shoot my hell strikes, or going to shoot my krakens. But anytime I say missiles, they always miss, every fucking time. Uh, I'm really good at seizing the initiative if I go, oh, you want me to seize the initiative? You want me to roll six, like this? And I throw it out there. Uh, it happened to me twice at uh, Mallet's Malay. So like yeah, and then it happened to me when I was playing Jay. I was like, "Oh, you want me to see the initiative like this?" Boom, <laughs> and then just six I always, I always get, I always take a handful of dice and I always hold it out to my opponent and I say, "Choose your doom, pick your doom," and I make, I go, and then when they reach it, I go, "Don't touch it. Just tell me which one it is, just to fuck with them, just to be silly." <laughs> just come in like all like like yeah, uh, and I'm like, like surgically just point, just, just point at it, just point at it. Don't touch it. Just point at it. <laughs> Like the deep yeah. sounding. Yeah. <laughs> it very rarely works, but if you do it to new people and then it like works, that's the only inner, you know, it's kind of funny because then it's like, it's the first time they've ever played you and probably the only time they're ever going to play you. And it's like something that they'll remember. That guy held his dice out and said, pick your doom. And he rolled a six. <laughs> he rolled a six and he didn't, he didn't break eye contact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just knew. Like, that'd be so badass. You're just staring at him the whole time. Like this, pick your doom. He, like, picks the dice, and you just go, initiative seized. Don't break eye contact. <laughs> it's like, he looks yeah. down, it's a six. You didn't even look. You're already placing your models out. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even see. I knew. I didn't have to look. <sighs> okay. So here's Dan Porter's story. And we also we also have to read off the third Joe story today. Yeah, forgot about that. Hi, Michael. Hi, Ryan. It's Dan, not related to Ben Porter. First off, let me say thanks for the Death God list. I really appreciate that. It's a fantastic list. Really looking forward to running it out on the 30K channel. <clears throat> so a while ago, I promised you a story from my youth uh, for your delight and delectation and for the hopefully the education of your listeners as well. I added a disclaimer at the start to say, especially for any younger listeners that you've got, that nothing you're about to hear is either cool, clever or impressive. Um, in fact, it should be taken as a warning, really. Um, 
it's it's not it's not big and clever what I'm about to tell you, but hopefully you might find it educational. So um, to start off, it was during my second year at university. I got a summer job working as a, an au pair for an American family in Geneva, in Switzerland. An au pair? Um, yeah, odd gig, I know, but um, they had spe- very special requirements. So they were, he was w- working for the UNICEF, I think, something like that, some, some big deal in the UN. And they had four boys. And what they didn't want, I think, is a, a young um, female au pair leading any of their boys astray. So they decided to get a bloke in to do it. That's how I got the gig, basically. Smart. Um, as I say, they were quite a strict religious family and um, there wasn't much in the way of fun activity or that much in the way of freedom, really, for a young 20-year-old bloke to, to go and enjoy himself. Um, but what they did do is they went on back to the United States for a holiday for a week, um, leaving me to my own devices, which was, which was great, basically. Um, so the other key part of information for this story is that um, I was particularly infatuated with this... Um, French girl called Eloise. She was also working as a pair at the same time as me. Um, now, on reflection, um, I wouldn't be interested these days. She was cold, aloof, really all kind of standoffish, didn't really give you any clues whether she was interested or not. I wouldn't be interested now, but of course, for 20-year-old primate brain, Dan, it was like catnip. Couldn't get enough. Anyway, <clears throat> I wasn't really sure whether she was interested in me or not. But then one day, specifically during this week that I'd got off, she invites me to a party. So, of course, there's no way I was going to turn that opportunity down. So, great, says I, let's go. And uh, she picks me up, and um, I'm thinking we're perhaps going to, like, a house party or something like that. And we arrive at the shores of Lake Geneva. And it's, it's not a house party at all. It's actually on a giant fucking boat. So... We go onto this boat, and I, I can only describe it as some kind of, like, party barge. It's huge, an absolutely huge thing. Uh, so the, basically the front two-thirds of the boat is like an open-air dance floor thing with, like, a canopy over it. And at the back of the boat, the back two-third, back third, is kind of cabins and stuff like that going around the outside. Well, um, it's starting to get dark in, in Geneva when the boat sets off, and off we go. So we're out on this lake. And there's a whole kind of soundtrack of 90s dance music going on, kind of my thing. And um, it's, it's all going great. You know, Eloise is all over me like a rash. Uh, she keeps bringing me drinks, which is all good. And um, it all seems to be going perfectly fine. It's at this point, though, and I notice something odd's going on with reality around me. So um, up until this point, I'd never really taken ecstasy and <laughs> it's only on reflection and other experiences that I realised that that's what I'd, my drink had been spiked with, that she'd spiked my drink with an XD tap. Now, there's all sorts of people, uh, all sorts of experiences people get from taking XD. The one that seems to occur to me all the time is I get a kind of synesthetic uh, response. So I start to see sound. So I'm experiencing what's essentially a really trippy experience. There's the, the music is making shapes and colours in front of my eyes, which is completely reality shredding. Um, and in the midst of all of this, Eloise whispers to me that um, she's got a key to one of the cabins at the back of the boat, and uh, she's wondering if I fancy making it this party more of a private affair. Well, uh-huh. tripping or not, our primate brain's clearly up for this. So we go back to one of these cabins. At this point, Eloise's demeanour changes completely 
quite clearly she likes to be dominant in the bedroom and she demands that I take all my clothes off. Well, like I say, I'm high as a kite. Do I it. the pants off this girl. So sure enough, all my clothes come off. She then proceeds to tie me spread eagle to the bed face up. Interesting, I hear you say. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, <laughs> I'm absolutely, I'm loving this. My primate brain is really happy. Everything is going exactly as uh, I wanted it to go. And that's when the shit hit the fan. So, <laughs> oh, fuck. At this point, you remember, I'm tripping and I can see sound. I can hear this wailing noise all of a sudden getting closer and getting closer and louder. And this wailing noise I'm kind of seeing as glass shattering. It's really quite disturbing. So at this point, the Eloise says something in French, which roughly translates as, fuck me, it's the police. And then she runs out of the room, leaving me naked, oh. tied to this bed. Oh, now, shit. my primate brain has led me down to this, uh, this place where I am naked, tied to a bed and helpless with the police about to raid it. It's at this <laughs> point, my primate brain kicks in into survival mode and starts to help me out for once. Now, so... I managed to figure out that I had, I had not tying skills are not that great, and actually I can get my right arm free. So I managed to get my right hand free from these bindings. I managed to loosen the rest of the stuff and get off the bed. But by this stage, I can hear the popo coming up the boat. And um, more to the point, when Eloise left the room, she shut the door and it locked. And I, I can't, you can't open it from the inside, so I'm locked in this room. So without thinking too much more about it, I climb out of a window flop out onto the aft deck whilst the popo are coming up the boat. <coughs> By luck would have it, I look over the side of the, over the railings and I can see the shore lights and I can see breakers, so I know I'm not too far from the, from the, um, from the lakeside shore. Also, at the back of the boat, it's towing a dinghy. So I jump in to the lake the water's freezing. Lake Geneva's full of glacial water, so it's absolutely fucking freezing. Oh, my God. And I just pull myself into the dinghy, cast off, and kind of row myself really quietly but quickly to the, to the shore. I'm still naked at this point. I didn't have the force <laughs> to pick up any of my clothes from the room. I'm naked in a dinghy on a, on a shore, and it's pitch black with the popo about um, half a mile away raiding a boat. So, as luck would have it, this boat, this, this dinghy's got this ratty old uh, oil skin coat. She's quite long, goes to just below my knees. So I put that on to cover my modesty. But I'm stark bollock naked apart from this coat. I get out the boat and I can see there's uh, like a, a coastal road. There's kind of a coastal road that goes all the way around Lake Geneva, gets closer to the shore here or there. So I decide to go and have a look to see where we are. Well, I go up and have a look. And to my horror... I realise I've not come ashore in Switzerland. I've come ashore in France. It's this big fucking sign by the side of the road. It's bien velu en France. Welcome <laughs> to France. Okay, so I'm going to stop there now. And I'm going to leave that story hanging. Mainly because I've probably taken up too much of your time. But if you'd like me to carry on the story and let you know how I yes! got from being naked, apart from an oilskin coat, in France, with no passport... <laughs> back to my house in Switzerland without getting arrested <laughs> or cavity searched by the frankly fascist Swiss police and you just let me know and I'll fill in the rest of the story for you thanks again for all your hard work on the podcast guys really really love it and can I just say if Ross Cockmut Loving's listening we all know you love the cock what <laughs> what <laughs> see 
I told you. That guy just loves it. What? what? I have so many questions. <laughs> Why would you leave us hanging like that? Like, what? Ecstasy out fucking Dan hopped on to a fucking dinghy in glacial waters, rode his ass back to the French side of Lake Geneva. <laughs> it's so good. Oh so good. Could you imagine, like, how sketchy he looks? Like, there's no way he's going to, like, did he have to get smuggled back into, into Switzerland? Like, what happens? I don't know. I don't know. Have you ever seen how, like, Geneva and, like, France, like, or, like, Switzerland and France share Lake Geneva? No, I've never, like, looked that close at a map. I know that their borders are touching, but. Yeah, well, it's, like, it's it's very weird. Like, it's it's very weird. Like, dude, like, there's so many. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I absolutely want to hear the rest of that fucking story. Because yep. now that's all I'm worrying about. And I also want to know why this Ross dude loves cock so much. Like, what is going on? Like, what? <laughs> Does he actually love? <laughs> I need the documents. <laughs> you could just Google it. See what comes up. What? Why does Ross love cock? Yeah. Or just Ross loves cock and click Google images. I'm sure. Sure. You'll get some good stuff. Make sure that safe Seems search safe. is off. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you're at work or school in the school library. <laughs> VPN is off. Okay. So that's Dan's. And then next is Scott's story, man. So you wanted to, I've not heard this, but you've listened to it and you want to put a disclaimer out, right? I have to. Okay. Like, this story is not for the Michael lighthearted. Michael wasn't, he wasn't even sure he was going to play it on the air. Well, like, yeah. So this story, I listened to it because, like, I don't, I don't know, I don't, like, Ryan sent it to me, and I clicked it, and, I, and like, it just started playing, I was like, fuck it, I'll listen to it, it's not gonna hurt anything. And I'm glad I did, because... This is a rough story, man. Like, this is a rough story. Like, this is not for children. Like, <laughs> I don't think we should have children listening to this podcast. <laughs> we shouldn't anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying. This is a rough-ass story. And, like, I just need y'all to know right now that, like, if you love, you know, it's just, it's just a rough story. Like, I don't want to ruin the story at all, but I'm just letting you know right now it's very rough. I'm going to play it. And, but if you have a weak stomach, or let's just say that maybe you're eating right now, or like maybe your kids are listening with you, or like maybe you just got done eating like some badass meal and your stomach's really full, you don't want to listen to this story. Like it's just, you just need to skip forward a few minutes and then come back and listen to it if you want to hear it. But I, like, it, it's one of those like, uh, like, like Ryan, you said, whenever you like see like there's that what that one video on YouTube where that lady gets crushed by the fucking uh, the forklift, and you're just like, oh, like yeah. I just watched that. Well, people, people always send me YouTube videos, and it's like the title is like, man, man loses, you know, gets gored by a bull, or man falls to chipper shredder, or whatever. And you're like, I really don't want to click this, but I'm but, gonna have to click this. And then you click it, and then you're like, why did I click this? <laughs> I regret clicking this. So that's this story. This is a very, and like, it's not even like, it's not even Scott's story. Like, he's like telling another story that he heard from somebody else. And like, 
it's okay. uh, it's brutal. It's brutal. So it's not Scott's fault. It's it's. it's I've I've not heard it. I so. This is all new to me. I did not listen to any of it. I sent it to you, and because I I don't want to listen to any of it because I want a real reaction on the podcast. Okay, so I'm just saying that like immediately, y'all need to understand that if we start censoring ourselves now. It won't stop, so we just got <laughs> everything that comes through. <laughs> Do you have a timestamp on the story, like how long it is, so we can tell people to, if they don't want to hear it? Uh, it is four minutes. Okay, so just if, if we'll tell you we're going to play it right now, and if you don't want to hear it, just skip ahead four minutes. Four minutes, and you'll be good. You'll just hear our reactions immediately afterwards, because there are going to be reactions from Ryan, I'm so sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're going to start. Ready? Skip ahead four minutes now if you don't want to listen. Now. All right, Ryan, Michael, Scott. Um, so I was going to save the story for the Break the Glass episode, but given the fact that you guys have been talking a lot about, like, gruesome animal <laughs> stuff and uh, <laughs> the whole PETA incident with G-dubs, I feel like this story is very fitting. All right. Um, it doesn't involve anyone shitting, and it doesn't involve Willow or Warwick Davis. So <laughs> just throwing that disclaimer out there. But, um, okay, so I had this friend. Uh, for just a disclaimer, this is a story that could definitely be described as a Tim from the Eye of Horus would say harrowing. It's very <laughs> uh, gruesome, but... I'll get into it. So I have a buddy, right, gr- grows up in Louisiana. And I guess down there, alligator hunting is like a thing. You know, you go out into the swamp and hunt alligators and stuff. And you can, like, get tags for it like you would here for deer and shit. So he's, like, seven or eight or something. And his grandfather is, like, a old-school, traditional Cajun, like, swamp man. And he's going to take him alligator hunting for the first time. So he's really excited. He's like, yeah, you know, we get to go alligator hunting. My grandfather, he's he's a cool guy. He's like a Crocodile Dundee-like character. So <laughs> they're getting ready and uh, packing the boat and stuff. And he has this huge Tupperware container that he has the lid closed on. And it's like jostling around. And he's like, what the fuck is that? And his grandfather's like, oh, it's just bait. And he's like, okay, cool. So puts the Tupperware container on the boat, and they go out at night, and um, they're setting these lines that are like, if, if you know what a trout line is, like a fishing line that hangs from a tree branch into the water, like from an overhanging tree, they're setting these lines out, right, and they're putting these hooks on them for the alligators. And he's like, okay, well, now it's time to bait the hooks. So my buddy's like, well, what are we going to use as bait? And he's like, oh, it's in that Tupperware container. He's like, okay. So he opens this Tupperware container, and inside of it is a pillowcase. And this pillowcase is full of stuff that's moving around. And he's like, what is in that pillowcase? Grandpa, like, what's in here? And he's like, oh, I just hand it to me. So he goes to grab the pillowcase, and all of a sudden he starts to hear this, like, little barks. And he hands his grandfather this pillowcase, and his grandfather pulls a puppy out of the inside of this pillowcase, like a cute little fluffy puppy. And he's like, all right, this is how you bait an alligator hook. 
So he takes this puppy and puts a hook through this puppy's stomach so it's screaming and yelping and like coughing up blood and shit and hangs it over the water so it's little puppy legs or kicking the water and he's like that's what brings the alligators in they'll sense it kicking the le- the water with its little impaled puppy legs and the alligators will, will come and eat it and my buddy looks at me as he's telling me this story and he's like you know scott we've been through combat together and all this shit it's like i have been dead inside since I was 70 years old because of this experience. He's like, we baited 20 hooks with those little puppies, and I'll never forgive myself. Uh, Maybe I'm just an asshole for laughing at such a horrible thing, but I find it pretty funny. Anyway, you guys have a good one. See ya. That might be the most fucked up thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Dude. (laughs) Jesus Christ. That guy's a straight serial killer. Straight serial killer. That's fucking old man shit right there. Like that's just like just old hard ass. Like I hunt alligators. I kill. Remember that one dude on uh, that left? Woo. <laughs> I don't like PETA, but if it was a choice between that or joining PETA, I think I'd join PETA. I don't know about you. I could not. Of, I couldn't do it. I'd be like, Grandpa, what the fuck? Are you the devil? Like, what is wrong with you? I couldn't do it. I don't know how he did it. I guess he's eight and didn't know what he... I don't know. I couldn't do it. <laughs> oh, my God. I told you, dude. How brutal is that fucking story? <laughs> brutal. That's super fucking brutal. Oh, you got just got to smile through the pain like, Grandpa, why? <laughs> I trusted you. We were supposed to have fun. I hope that I just... I love dogs. Love dogs. That's That's me, dude. Like, that's me, man. I could not... They're so trusting. Yep. Nope. I'm good. <laughs> good job, Scott. <laughs> you... <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know what our listener base was, but we just cut that shit in half. <laughs> Straight in half. Oh. Get your get your Wi-Fi shirts are having a fire sale. <laughs> Going out of business sale. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> guys, before the episode, I like pulled Ryan aside, like pre episodes, like, hey man, we got this call in. <laughs> I st- that I really hadn't heard it. Like, I'm no glad matter- you didn't tell me because I don't know that we would have played it. But, <laughs> so, wow, <laughs> it was Jesus like Christ. immediately just. Just like, well, my God, <laughs> that's yep. different parts of the world, people. That's Louisiana for you. <laughs> I mean, I guess they eat them. They eat dogs and shit in Vietnam. So, I mean, it is. I don't know. People, it it's different. Like you said, different strokes for different folks. It's not something I want to experience or be part of. My dad told me he goes, man, he goes that that dude was in the army. He's like, you know, that dude did whatever the fuck they asked. <laughs> they didn't give a fuck. <laughs> like, oh, you want me to burn that house down? There's people in there. Is that a problem? No, I was just letting you know before I did it. <laughs> like, that dude didn't give a fuck. Like, he was. Oh, that dude is. That dude probably is the guy that was in that SEAL Team Six. 
<laughs> like, you ain't got no conscience, son. Yeah, my grandpa just killed that when I was seven. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. All right. Imagine growing up telling that story to like your teachers and shit. No, you don't. No, you don't tell us. You'll get fucked up. <laughs> they send you to special classes. Yeah. Okay. That's some extra shit. That's <laughs> not some Dexter Hannibal shit. <laughs> some dark stuff, dude. Anyway, all right, let's move on from it. If you're back, welcome back. <laughs> so, all right. So anyway, we're gonna get some fucking emails about that. I just want to let you know right now. Brace, Doctor. brace your fucking self, dude. It wasn't. We didn't do it. Scott didn't do it. <laughs> Coming to the fire. Remember, this is like that was just hunting alligators. Like that wasn't even like the tip of like. Yeah, but we don't have, we do not, this is anything we did. Please don't. Like, I feel bad. Like, I don't, it is what it is. It's out there now. I donate dog houses. Like, don't, don't you fucking, yeah. don't you judge I, us. Yeah. All right. Anyway, let's go with something more positive. We got another Joe story we need to read off. Okay. So if y'all remember last time, he was in the front of his buddy's Boarding shield. I don't know what they're actually called. Uh, riot shield. Raiding a house. Michael's. <sighs> Sorry, I can't make it without him falling asleep on me because he finds me boring. Ryan's boring as fuck. Anyway, so he says the last story. Okay, just for y'all, this is from Joe. Joe is a police officer in the. Lake Michigan area? No, in Michigan. Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Upper Peninsula of Michigan. That's Lake, what, Superior? Lake, wherever that big lake is. I would assume Lake Michigan, but whatever. Yeah. Some some giant lake over there he's he's around. He said his police force is like a mixture of Reno 911 and Fargo. And so this is his last story. If you want to listen to his previous two, just go back two episodes. You can hear both of them. So he says... to go the last story was when i was buying some morphine tablets of another dirtbag drug dealer while undercover this was actually the second time i had done a uc deal undercover deal the first time was the same dealer and went off without a hitch so the dealer has me meet him in an arby's parking lot in one of the urban areas we worked in I don't know if the first time I had bought from him, he was high or what, but he was in a real easy to deal with and don't give it, don't give me any shit. This time, however, he was real hostile right off the bat. Uh, he gets into the passenger seat of my car and has the, and has this mean ass sneer on his face. He looks me up and down and says, empty your pockets. I was already nervous as fuck and I was trying to play it cool. So I complied with him. And pulled out my keys and cell phone out of my pockets and into the cup holders. The guy still looks pissed and says, lift up your shirt. Now I'm thinking to myself, fuck, he's going to see the wire strapped to my back. Not even thinking about my gun and my waistband. I picked up my hoodie and my gun is now in plain view of him strapped to my belt. What the fuck, he yells at me. What the fuck you got a gun for? You some fucking cop or something? At a loss, I'm mentally scrambling right now and managed to blurt out, uh, no, are you? <laughs> no, what the fuck you got a gun for? You got some kind of CPL or something? 
Thankfully, I didn't stumble and said the first thing that popped in my head, fuck no, I'm from Flint, B. (laughs) The guy (laughs) stares at me with a blank expression for a few seconds as he processes what I said. His eyes get huge, and he's quickly looking back and forth between me and the gun. Without saying a word, he pauses again and grabs a $20 bill I had sitting in a dashboard and drops the pills into the cup holder. As he opens the door of the car and takes off into a full sprint across the parking lot. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Keep doing what you do. These guys are great. Yeah, you guys are great. Also, I'll be at Adepticon this year, my first con ever, and look forward to meeting you, uh, meeting any of you if you're going. Thanks again, Joe B. Yes, we'll be both be at Adepticon, Joe. Hopefully, we can see you there. Hopefully, we can see all you guys that are going to Adepticon. I'm looking forward to meeting all of you and sharing my... Uh, I'll have a little wagon. Look for my wagon with a bunch of uh, RFI stuff on it and a bunch of uh, black velvet whiskey inside of it. So, that was pretty quick. I forgot about Flint, Michigan was in Michigan. Yep. <laughs> so, boom. Forgot Flint, Michigan was in Michigan. <laughs> yeah. It made sense whenever I put the two together. I've been to Flint. I went and seen a hockey game there. Did you drink the water? Did you shit afterwards? I did not drink the water, if I remember correctly. They have, what, 1,000, like, like 1,100 days without clean water. That's what they're at right now. Flint, Michigan still doesn't have clean water, people. It's a tragedy. That was the moment of silence that we just gave him. <laughs> You're welcome, Flint, Michigan. There are, there are other places to live. <laughs> anyway, so that's it, man. That's all the voicemails. That's all the emails. That's all the stories. It's a good time. You ready to go over some Infernal Rules breakdown, man? Or do you have yes. your book ready? Or do I need to grab my book? Yes. I will grab my book, too. Yeah, grab your rule book, too. You can follow through. And if you're uh, listening, uh, if you're in a place where you have your rule book or can get your rule book out, let's do that so you can follow along with me. And I'll give you page numbers and everything. Because there's a couple key things that you need to understand and wrap your brain around before you can truly understand the rules that we're going to go over. Okay. Okay. I have so my rule book in front rule of me. Book. Okay, so turn to page eleven. It's in the general principles section of the book. <laughs> Let's start with this. Okay. I'm there. Page eleven. If you go down near the bottom, there should be a section called modifying dice rolls. Ah, okay. So we're gonna talk about the warp speed, huh? Well, no, it's oh, not that. Bad. This is for Magnus's special ability and Russ's armor, how it works. We okay. you just need to understand and know how this works. And why you have in the principles of just basic game design, you need to be careful with the rules you give certain things and why. So, so sometimes you may have to modify the number rolled on a die or the roll. This is noted as a D6 plus or minus a number, such as D6 plus one. Roll the die and add or subtract the number given from the roll as appropriate to get the final result. Um, for example, 2d6 means that, uh, wait, D6 sorry. plus two. For, yeah, d6 plus 2 means roll a die and add 2 to the number on the dice uh, for the total between 3 and 8. So you can only actually, when, so in that scenario, you can literally only roll between 3 and 8 because you're modifying the roll, uh, which is written as, so it basically says, Roll the indicated number of dice, then add them. So if you, if it says roll more than 1d6, it says roll the indicated number of dice and add them together. So a 2d6 
rolled rolled together for a result between two and twelve. Another method, blah, 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 it goes through. But basically, we only need the adding and subtracting part. So this is important because when you modify a die roll, so say if you're minus one to a die roll, it means the maximum you can actually roll is a five. Like when you roll and you naturally roll a six, it's not really a six. It's counted as a five for all purposes. Right. And um, in older editions of the book, there used to be things like to hit or to wound, things like that. Like if you switch to page 32, rolling to hit, it tells you the fire's ballistic skill and roll needed to hit. So like if you have ballistic skill one, the roll needed to hit is a six. But if you're modifying the dice by any negatives, you cannot physically roll a six. It's impossible because you modify the die to get the final result before you apply it to the table to see if you hit or not. Right. Also, if you notice, it says when rolling to hit, there is no such thing as an automatic hit. A roll of a one always misses, but there's nothing that states naturally roll rolling a six always hits or anything like that. That doesn't exist. So when you start applying negative modifiers to things, the core game mechanics can break down if you're not careful during the game design phase. So keep that in mind when we start going over some of these rules because it's important. So uh, the other thing we need to go over is the psychic phase, which let me find it real quick here. Uh, so the psychic phase starts on page 22. So the, I see a lot of people are confused about how you generate powers. So the way you generate powers, if you're, if you have more than one discipline, so we'll just use Magnus for example, cause he's level five and can choose from any power. You can start, you, you choose a chart. So say you chose biomancy. You can roll on biomancy till you want to till you decide to stop rolling, and then you can switch to another table. It's nothing you have to declare beforehand or whatever. So to generate powers, say Magnus was looking for iron arm, you could go to biomancy and say, "Well, I'm going to roll." You could go, "I'm going to roll on biomancy and roll a die, and see what that result is." And then, um, if you don't get the one you want, you can roll again. And then say you get it on the second roll. Now you have the power you want. You can immediately switch to another school and start rolling on a different chart if you want to. You don't have to, but you can choose to do that. So you don't have to pick straight one school. You don't have to say, well, I'm going to roll two on Biomancy, two on Telepathy, and one on Divination. You don't have to do any of that. You literally just pick a school, start rolling until you are satisfied with what you get or whatever, and then you can immediately switch right in the middle. And it even gives an example of that on page 23. It says, for example, Sarah has a psyker and goes through the whole process, and she changes right in the middle. Oh, I got this power now. I can move on to the next one. The other thing you can always do is you can always swap any power for the Primaris power. So let's say Magnus you just really wanted a uh, smite, you could roll on the table and then whatever you roll, you can just trade it for smite. You don't. So if you go through the psychic powers, every school has a primaris. You technically don't even really have to roll for those. I mean, you should roll the die because let's, let's say 
you really only want smite, but obviously like endurance is a really good power. So you roll your die and say you end up with endurance and you want to keep it. You're like, okay, well I'll keep that. Then you roll again and end up with hemorrhage and you're like, well, I don't want hemorrhage. I'll just trade that for smite. So you can basically guarantee that you're going to get any of the primaris powers. Like you don't, you know, you get what I'm saying? Like there's no, like if you really want that power, there's nothing stopping you from getting it because all, you can always trade anything you roll in for it. Gotcha. So, so I was just putting that out there because there's certain, like psychic powers are, you know, they're kind of random because you roll for them, but you can guarantee that you're going to get certain ones. And then also the higher level of psyker you are. So let's say you're level five. And you really wanted uh, pick anything, pick something, uh, uh, any power, iron arm. So you really want an iron arm. So normally you have a you have a sixteen percent chance of rolling any one side on a d six. But the thing is, when you roll for psychic powers, because you're rolling for one at a time, and you re-roll duplicates. So I think iron arm's a one on biomancy, right? Yep. So. As you start rolling, you have a basically you have a ninety plus percent chance of getting the power you want when you're level five and you're rolling all on the same table. So if there's some power that you really really wanted and you're level five and you're just straight up going to roll till you get it on a table, you have a really 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 higher percentage chance of getting that specific power. More often than not, you're going to get it because. It's not that you're rolling 66 all at once and just getting that. You're literally rolling them one at a time and any duplicates that you've already scored already get re-rolled. So you're going to have several opportunities to roll to get that number that you're looking for. So to not get Iron Arm, you would have to pick up six dice or five dice and roll them one at a time re-rolling duplicates and score two, three, four, five, six without rolling a one in between rolling duplicates, which is pretty hard to do. Gotcha. Um, so the other thing we need to go over is how Brotherhood of Psychers work. This is more in the FAQ than in here. Um, Brotherhood of Psychers is a USR. It's not really in the psychic section. Uh, definitely read through the the psychic section, but let's we'll talk about Brotherhood of Psychers here just for a second. Let me look up what page it's on. Um, it is on 159. So the main thing about this is you, you pick... So when manifesting a psychic power, this unit measures, line in, uh, measures range and line of sight and uses the characteristics profile if required of any one model in the unit that has the rule. So essentially you pick one guy to be the manifester of the power and roll for it. But if the power affects the caster, it affects the entire unit. This is as per the FAQ, if you get the new 40K FAQ. So if you end up with a unit of Brotherhood of Psychers that has Iron Arm or Warp Speed or Precognition or any of these powers that say it just affects the Psyker, it affects every model in the unit. So a unit of just base veteran tacticals with Iron Arm are all going to be uh, Tough 7, Strength 7. All their attacks become AP2 because they gain Smash, and they'll be able to uh, trade all their attacks in for a single Strength 10 attack because it doubles your Strength when you Smash. But it'll affect the entire unit, not just one guy. 
Gotcha. Okay. So throwing that out there. And then um, the way you actually make harness warp charge and figure out the number of warp charge is, so say you're playing uh, your Blood Angels, Michael, and okay. I'm playing uh, my Word Bearers. And I have Lorgar, who's level 3, and I have Zardu Layak, who's level 2, and I have another generic chaplain that's level 1. So if you count all that up, that's mastery level 6. Well, let's say you don't have a Psyker at all. So you have zero. Well, when the Psychic phase starts, uh, I roll a D6 and say I roll a four. I give you four dice and I take four dice and then I add to that pool one die for each mastery level I have. So I'm going to start with ten and you're going to start with four because we roll a four. Right. To actual manifest a power, you choose a power, any power you want, and it'll have a, uh, I forget what they actually call it. I think it's warp charge points. Warp charge, yep. So they have a warp charge value next to it. So let's say we wanted to cast Dominate, which is a telepathy spell. That's a warp charge one. Um, I would choose any number of dice as the caster. So if I'm warp charge one and I'm harnessing, uh, you harness warp charge on a roll of a four or better normally. Uh, so Thousand Suns do it on a uh, three or better, but you harness it on a four or better normally, so that's a fifty, you know, fifty-fifty odds of harnessing one when you roll a die. So, if you wanted to cast Warp Charge one, you can roll, you know, two or three dice at it and get it, have a really high percentage of getting it. If you're, you know, only on fours. Um, now, let's say you're doing a blessing, like shrouding. So because it's a blessing and not targeting your opponent, they are never going to get any modifiers to their die rolls for Deny the Witch. So you're only needing to roll fours, and they're needing to roll sixes. So every die that you roll, you only need 50-50, and every die they roll, they only have a 16% chance. Right. So Thousand Suns, because they army-wide harness on a three-up, they have a 66% chance every time they roll a die of getting the, the result they need. And you have, if, if it's a blessing, you only have a 16% chance to, to stop that die. And it has to be each warp charge that they harness for it. Correct. So if, if they want to do like, say they want to cast a warp charge two power, like invisibility and they roll four dice at it and get three, three dice. So those four come up three or better you're going to have to choose any number of dice you have in your pool and roll them and end up getting three sixes and however many dice that you choose to roll. Mm. So because the other problem, th this kind of gets exacerbated in 30K because if you look at it, there's very few legions have any psychers that are compulsory troops or that are... Um, Primarchs, where you can take them as the Lord of War. Thousands are um, Salamanders have Xyphus Jur, who's level one, that you can take as compulsory. Uh, Night Lords have Sevatar, and Death Guard have two guys. They have Typhon for traitors and Crixus Murdiger for, or Mordiger, or whatever his name is, for loyalists. But I believe all those guys are level one. So if you're playing against the Thousand Suns army, the most base dice you're ever going to have, ever. Um, it, unless you're playing word bearers, which they're always traitor, they can't be loyalist. 
is five base dice. You can't get any more than that because you have to take a compulsory HQ and then you can take two level two librarians as support. Gotcha. Um, you could technically, I guess, take an allied detachment, but your ally detach- detachment requires another compulsory HQ. So once again, that can't be a support officer. So you would have to pick a legion that has a, uh, you know, one of those that I just went over that has a, a core a core HQ choice that is level one to get any more. Right. So when we talk about Thousand Sons and how many dice they're going to get and how many guys they have, they're going to be psychers, and the fact that they harness on warp charge, people need to understand how much of an advantage they're actually going to have, you know, just going off math in the psychic phase. I mean, it's going to be an overwhelming advantage. Yep. Like Golden State Warriors playing a high school basketball team. <laughs> probably less than that. Probably less than a high school basketball team. Like a six-year-old invitational. <laughs> so I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, when, when you're sitting across from somebody and they have 20 dice and you have four dice and they need to roll threes and you need to roll sixes and you have to cancel out each of their three or better dice with a six of your own, the odds of you stopping anything are very slim to none. Yeah. So, now that we understand that, and we understand modifying dice and and stuff like that, let's go into it. Okay. So, we'll start here with the Thousand Suns rules. So, they're basically, their basic Legion tactics, Legion trait is, so you have to choose... So when you choose your uh, your warlord or your main character, it has to be somebody that's a psyker. You can't choose somebody that's not a psyker. So it's kind of it's their thing. Like you could call that a drawback. I wouldn't call it a drawback, but you could, I guess, technically. You have to choose somebody that has mastery levels. Um, they have the ability to take a normal praetor and and buy him up to three mastery levels of psychic discipline, or you can take any. Uh, independent character in your army that's not already a psyker and buy up to two levels for 20 points a level right so, so whatever your core choice is so so ed you can pick any school of psychic mastery other than malefic demonology for these guys so let's say you chose a praetor and decide to give him telepathy then the the drawback to that is every one of your is it core troops? I want to get this right. Uh, it says compulsory troop choices within an army must use the same arcana, basically be of the same psychic discipline as the army's warlord. So if you choose divination for your warlord, like say you took Araman, who automatically comes with divination, whatever core troops you take are going to have to also be considered uh, the uh, core vidae. Uh, cult arcana. Right. That's how you choose it. So the thing with this cult arcana stuff, so even, so you're thinking to yourself, well, tactical marines aren't psychers. They're not. That being said, every unit that's Legion of Stardes in a Thousand Sons army has to be given one of these arcanas. You have to assign them one before the game begins. 
your core troop choices have to be assigned the same as your warlord, but your other ones you can just pick and choose whatever you want to give them. And each of the Arcanas have an ability tied to them. So if you choose Pavoni, which is the Biomancy discipline, you gain the Quick Blood ability. So the unit adds plus one to its run and sweeping advance rolls. If you choose Raptora, which is Telekinesis, you get Kind Shields. The unit gains a six plus invulnerable save, or if it possesses an invulnerable save uh, from another source, it increases by one. So a five plus becomes a four plus, etc., to a maximum of three plus. So say you took Breachers in your army, you could assign, even though they're not Psychers, you could still right. assign them Raptora, and they're going to increase their Breacher Shield to a five plus against shooting, four plus in assault. Yeah. It's pretty solid. Yeah, it's, it's just their Legion tactics. Um, so then if you choose Corvidae, which is Divination, you gain precog- uh, Precognitive Strike. The unit must re-rail, re-roll failed-to-hit rolls of a 1 when making shooting attacks if it remains stationary in the, in the movement phase. So what jumps out to me here is like heavy weapons teams. You know, you're not going to want to move and shoot them anyway. Like things that are going to stay stationary anyway. This is something you can put on them to re-roll your ones. Um, what is your judgment on something that's relentless, Michael? Because relentless says you count as stationary. Any for fire? I think it says count as stationary for firing weapons, though. Uh, yeah, I think it says unit for, may reroll failed, failed ones of a hit when making shooting attacks if it remains stationary. Uh, so. For witch fires, I would say that's like uh, well. Really... What I'm saying is, say you took an attack bike with multi belts on it, and you gave them Corvidae. Are they going to be able to reroll their ones with their multi belts because they count as stationary for purposes of shooting, even if they move? But this and this says a unit may reroll failed ones to roll it. Re may reroll failed to hit rolls of a one when making shooting attacks if it remains stationary. I mean, I would. It, you count as staying stationary for purposes of shooting. Relentless models can shoot with heavy salvo ordnance weapons, counting as stationary even if they move in the movement phase. So yeah, they count as stationary. I would say that this would all work. All time, yeah. With re- I don't see why that wouldn't work. So, just throwing that out there. So, uh, then the so if you take uh, a th- a Theanian or a Thean then it's telepathy, and you gain mental fortitude. Units with this special rule are immune to fear and adamantium will. Um, And then if you take pyromancy, which is the pyrate, you gain ash and blow. Units gain hammer of wrath special rule. If the unit already possessed hammer of wrath, it instead flicks two hammer of wrath attacks instead of one. So basically their legion tactics are you get to tailor your units to have whatever of these abilities you want, other than your warlord and your core troops, which you're going to have to choose the two that match when do you when do you pick uh, does it have to be before the game or says uh each unit with this rule and their owning player must select one of the cold arcana during the creation of their army list so it's not before each game it's when you're creating the army list but as you create your army list you're going to get to tailor every unit in your army to have one of these abilities right with the only with the only drawback being your two that you take as compulsory troops have to match your warlord gotcha so okay. this on its own, to me, is incredibly strong. Yeah. Uh, um, so you got that. Then, 
each cult arcana has been associated with a psychic discipline. If the unit has powers drawn from matching psychic discipline in their chosen cult arcana, they may manifest powers using psychic tests on a 3-plus rather than a 4-plus. So if you chose to make a unit um, Raptora and they're casting a telekinesis power, they're going to harness warp charge for that power on a 3-plus instead of a 4-plus. Okay. So that's what we were talking about. They harness on threes. Um, so the the drawback to Thousand Suns. So that's kind of their legion. Uh, their le- what they get for their basic legion traits. So the drawback, because every legion has a drawback. Theirs is if any unit with the Thousand Suns, any unit within a Thousand Suns attachment that suffers a wound as a result of a Perils of a Warp test. Um, the controlling player must immediately take a pinning test for every unit in the force with Legion Astartes Thousand Suns rule. And then the other drawback is if all the independent character units in a Thousand Suns detachment have been slain, all surviving units suffer a minus one leadership penalty for the rest of the game and can no longer sweeping advance. So that's their Legion drawbacks. Wow. It's not that serious. No. Um... So that's pretty much their basic rules. As far as like Legion war gear, um, like we talked about, uh, a, any Praetor in a, in a thousand sons, uh, army must buy at least one level of psychic mastery, but they can buy up to three for 25 points a level. In addition, they can upgrade any power weapon to a force weapon for five points. So if you buy the guy a, a power axe for 15 for another five, you can make it four sex. So basically 20 points for the four sex. Right. So it says, because it says no power weapon option must be purchased first in order to upgrade to a force weapon. Um, okay. So then also any thousand sons generic, basically just generic thousand sons veteran squad or Legion Terminator squad. In addition to their normal upgrades, these squads may also upgrade to Brotherhood of Psychers Mastery Level 1 for 25 points. So if you pay 175 points for a five-man Terminator squad for 25 points, you can make them Level 1 Mastery Level Brotherhood of Sorcerers, and you choose any of the Psychic Disciplines other than Malefic Demonology. That's pretty brilliant. Then... Another piece of Wargary they get are Arcane Litanies. Any independent character with the Thousand Suns special rule that has access to at least Mastery Level 1 may be equipped with a single set of Arcane Litanies for 10 points. So, uh, Arcane Litanies is a one-use item. The bearer of Arcane Litanies may ignore the first peril of warp test they're subject to. So, if you take a perils on an independent character with this, you just ignore it. You just per- The first one is a mulligan. Um... They also get this thing called an Ether Fire Cannon. Um, any model drawn from a Thousand Suns army equipped with a Plasma Cannon may upgrade this to an uh, Ether Fire Cannon for 10 points each. In the case of a unit that has one or more Plasma Cannons in it, then all of them must be upgraded to be identical. So you can't just do one-offs. You have to do all of them. So this thing has the exact same stats as a Plasma Cannon, except it also has Soul Blaze. It's wow. range 36, 7 AP2. Soul Blaze isn't that great. This this is kind of a... I don't really understand why it's 10 points. It's 
to me, it just should just be a free thing that they get, honestly. I mean, I know that they get a lot of other stuff and they're already whatever, but this really adding Soul Blaze, for one, you're almost always going to forget to do it, and two, it's just not that good. Um, unless they change it in the edition later on. So the last piece of special war gear they get is basically psychic ammo. They're, uh, what would you call this? Asphyx? Asphyx shells? Is that how you pronounce that? That's how I've been pronouncing it, yeah. Okay. So weapons using Asphyx shells game the shred type. So shred is reroll to wound. Independent characters with the Thousand Suns rule may be given Asphyx shells uh, for 10 points each. Uh, their use applying to any bolt pistol, bolt gun, combi bolter, or bolt components of combi weapons, the model is equipped. So if you pay the 10 points, you have a combi bolter and a bolt pistol, both guns get it for the 10 points. If you have more than one gun. Um, Legion Terminator squads and Legion Veteran squads, uh, Legion Veteran Tacticals, with the Thousand Suns rule, may be given uh, Asphyx shells for 20 points per squad. Uh, and once again, it applies to all of their weapons. So if they have, like if you're in the case of veterans where you have bolter, bolt pistol, or combi weapon, bolt pistol, whatever, if you buy it once, it goes to all your bolt weapons. Okay. Um, and then lastly, rotor cannon equipped Legion tactical support squads uh, may buy Asphyx shells for their rotor cannons for 25 points per squad. So you can give have some shredding rotor cannons. Um, so that's pretty much it for their overall special rules. Um, as far as special units, they get a special dreadnought. So any Contemptor Dreadnought Talon taken as part of a Thousand Suns Detachment may be upgraded to uh, an, a Siren Dreadnought for 50 points. Hang on, 2 o'clock. <laughs> so basically it's identical to... It, it gains Adamantium Will, so your Dreadnought will gain Adamantium Will. It must exchange its close combat weapon for a Dreadnought Force Blade with inbuilt Combi Bolter and Asphyx Shells for free. So a Dreadnought Force Blade is just a Dreadnought Close Combat Weapon with the Force Special Rule. And then the Combi Bolter in it gets the Shredding Ammo. And also, the Dreadnought gains the Psychic Pilot ability at Mastery Level 1 and may generate their powers from Telekinesis, Telepathy, Bioman... Or Pyro... Sorry. Telekinesis, Telepathy, Pyromancy, or Divination. So basically for 50 points you get, you know, Level 1, Mastery Level for many of those disciplines. A Dreadnought close combat weapon with the force rule and adamantium will brutal um it's okay i don't this is probably one of their weaker things 50 points is pretty expensive for that um because a contemptor is already pretty pricey i think they're 175 base so this makes it 220 already insta kill on most things so i mean it's one of those things because psychic powers are are random when you roll them like obviously if you roll this and get invisibility and you have an invisible dreadnought it's worth it, but that you know you only got like we talked about rolling a d6. You got a sixteen percent chance of getting that if you're only rolling one die. Right. So it's one of their weaker things that they get. Uh, so we'll talk about. So they get these special. They get their own special Castalax. Uh, Castalax Archea Battle uh, Automata Manable. So these are just like your normal Castalax. I think they have the exact same stat line as a normal Castalax, except I think they're 
initiatives higher, maybe. Um, but I don't know. I think it's the same. So their weapon skill three, ballistic skill four, strength six, tough seven, four wounds, initiative four, two attacks, leadership seven with a three plus armor. Um, they're still a monstrous creature. They have a. They still come with the Mauler pattern bolt cannon, but it has shred. It has the special shells in it. Uh, so the uh, uh, asphyx shells, and then it has the two power claws, uh, each with inbuilt bolter with the asphyx shells. The other important thing to notice is instead of having the automatic shielding that normal castlics have, this just has a refractor field. So this thing's five up and vulnerable is going to be against shooting and close combat as opposed to only a six up and close combat. This thing's always a five. Hmm. Um, it has psi matrix control, reactor blast, rage. It will not die and fearless. So it has th- what it has that the other one doesn't have is the psi matrix control and it will not die on top of the normal castle X rules. Um, so, and you can, so there are 135 points a guy. So I think a normal castle X is one Oh five. So these guys are 30 points more. So you're essentially paying 30 points to give all the weapons shred gain. It will not die. And the psi matrix. Uh, so the psi matrix is while at least one unit with psychic mastery level of at least one is within 24 inches. It basically counts as whether that that it's in cortex range. Like if you know anything about Mechanicum, they normally have to be within, I believe, 12 inches. Yeah. Of it. So this is double the range of a normal cortex controller. And because it's psychic mastery level and we're talking thousand suns, it's going to be far more readily available because cortex controllers are fairly rare in a Slim, Legion army. Yeah. yeah. So these this is going to be very prevalent. So this is far better to me than a cortex controller. The range is much further, and you're going to have much more people with access to it. Um, so volley fire, it may fire three weapons in the shooting phase if it's in range. Uh, well, that's just like a Cortex controller. Uh, side focus. When using witch fires and malediction-type psychic powers within 12 inches of a Castellax Archea, psychers with the Legion of Stardust Thousand Suns rule may use one of the models in the Castellax unit as the origin point of the power drawing line of sight and range from it from uh from the castle from, from the castlex rather than themselves so you can basically channel powers through them like skinks and uh <laughs> yeah in war like fantasy play war machine that's very war machiney um so reactor blast when a battle automaton automata with this special rule loses its last rune roll a d6 on a result of a six it explodes doing yeah that's all the same so, let's see. I thought there was something. Oh, that's what it is. So, if a psyker of any kind suffers a perils of the warp within 12 inches of a Castellax Archea unit, roll a separate leadership for any Castellax Archea units in range. Uh, if the roll is failed, the unit in question suffers D6 wounds with no saves or invulnerable saves of any kind. So, basically, if you suffer perils within 12 inches of these guys... They have to pass a leadership seven check, and if they fail, then they take wounds. They pretty much blow up. (laughs) Is it the unit or the model? Sorry, I kind of missed that. It's it's basically the unit takes the wounds. So you're you're likely to, on average, you're going to take three wounds on the unit. Okay. And they're four wound models. So. All right. 
So the next thing we're going to go over is, in by my estimation, the now new best unit in the game, as far as a unit of guys. It's the uh, Sekhmet Terminator Cabal. So these guys are two wound Terminators, so they have this, the same stats as a normal, a normal Terminator unit. So if you just look and get a base Terminator unit, they're the exact same stats, except they have two wounds. Um, they can be... They're the only special unit that's in Terminator armor that I am aware of that they can choose which type of Terminator armor they get. So they're not like set, like Salamanders are set cataphracty, just Aaron are set cataphracty. Um, what are they? The death shroud guys are set Tartaros. These guys are, you can choose between Tartaros or cataphracty during army, army creation. Okay. Um, it says the whole squad must be identically equipped. Um, they get, Instead of uh, power weapons that most Terminators get, these guys get squad-wide force weapons, and they can choose between axe, maul, or sword. And their combi bolter uh, is automatically comes upgraded with the shredding shells, the asphyx rounds. So they have shredding, combi bolter, and force weapons uh, squad-wide. They also are Brotherhood of Psychers level 2 and have Stubborn. The other key thing that I missed originally that was pointed out to me, but and a lot of people seem to have missed once I was pointed out to me and I started telling people, is for all intents and purposes, as far as I can tell, they get to handpick their psychic powers. If you read, it says a Sekmec Terminator come to ball may choose its powers from telekinesis or pyromancy disciplines. Where everyone else, every other psychic thing in this entire army list... May you know, generate says, uh, yes, says may generate its psychic powers from one of the disciplines. And Magnus says may randomly generate from all the disciplines or whatever. So these guys, it specifically says choose. So I, they get to pick, handpick their psychic powers. Um, the Sekbeck Terminator Cabal may take a Land Raider Phobos or Land Raider Proteus as a dedicated transport if it's five models or less, which would have to be five models because the minimum takes five. Uh, or a Spartan if it numbers between 6 and 10 models. Um, so the base squad is 255 points, so they're the same cost as like Just Aaron base. They're 20 points cheaper than Fire Drake's base. Um, and then the, the real kicker is you can buy additional guys up to 10 for 35 points a model, which is the exact same cost as a base Terminator. Um, any model in the squad may exchange their force weapon for a power fist, or uh, for a power fist, with one of the following, that's weird. Or power. So you can trade your force weapon in for a lightning claw for free, a power fist for five points, or a chain fist for ten points. And then the other kind of crazy thing about them is uh, all the models that are in the unit may exchange their combi bolters uh, for combi weapons at five points a model. Um, and the Asphyx shells are retained. So they get five-point combi weapons, which I believe are the cheapest combi weapons in the game. Okay. And still keep the shredding ammo. So, uh, the crazy thing about these guys is they come with telekinesis. You're going to handpick your powers, so you do that. And then because you're taking telekinesis, you're going to get the Arcana that increases your invulnerable save by one for free. So these guys are going to be two-up, three-up Terminators with shredding shooting level two mastery level 
for less than 10 points a model cheaper than Salamander Fire Drakes. So if you've had any run-in with Fire Drakes, these guys are Fire Drakes that retain their shooting but still keep their 3-up save as well. Also level 2, also get to pick their powers, also stubborn, and have force weapons. So, uh, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so the uh, uh, Kentai uh, Occult Blade Cabal, these are their other special unit. Uh, so these guys have essentially a basic Space Marine stat line, except their weapon skill 5. Um, the Sergeant in the squad is your basic sergeant stat line only with weapon skill five. Uh, their base war gear is a bolt pistol, two four swords, frag and crack grenades. Um, and they are level one, uh, brotherhood of sorcerers. And you get to choose any, uh, discipline that you want. They can take a rhino land raider Phobos or land raider Proteus as a dedicated transport. So the base squad's 185, which is pretty expensive. Um, and then you can buy up to five additional guys at 25 points a model. For every five models in the squad, they can exchange their bolt pistol for one of the following. You can take a plaza pistol for 15 points, hand flamer for 10 points. So it's kind of like an assault squad. Um, and then the blade master may take any of the following. So he can take uh, melt bombs for five points, artificer armor for 10. So pretty standard. Um, they have this special ability called Mind Song of Blades, so it depends on the number of the squad. Each model gains an additional bonus to the characteristics. So if the squad numbers three models or less, then just the sergeant, or if the, if the squad numbers three models or less, then everybody in the squad gets plus one attack. So essentially, they're always going to be two base attacks plus the two weapons, so three base attacks, and the sergeant's going to be four. Always. Um, if the squad numbers between four and eight, then the blade master, then the 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 normal guys and the blade master each get plus one attack and plus one weapon skill. So the if you're between three and eight, you're gonna, you know, be the three base attacks and weapon skill six. If the squad numbers nine through ten models, then they get two plus two attacks and then plus one weapon skill. So if you have nine to ten of these guys, they're going to be five. What is that? Two, no, four four base attacks, five on the charge, and weapon skill six. It's brutal as fuck. And then, they, like I said, they have dual force swords. Um, They're pretty expensive. It really depends. I don't know why you wouldn't ever not take Biomancy on these guys mm -hmm. with Brotherhood of Sorcerers, because obviously if you hit you know Warp Speed or Iron Arm or Endurance or any of that, Basically, those three have like 50-50 shot of getting something that really super benefits this entire unit. I guess you could go Divination so that because the Primaris power is um, Prescience, which is reroll all rolls to hit. So it's kind of like... Guaranteeing. Well, you, it just allows you to reroll all those attacks and you're guaranteeing it. It doesn't really matter what else you roll. You're guaranteed right. that. Um, and if you happen to roll something good like Precog where you get to reroll everything, including armor saves, you know, it is what it is, but there's just, I mean, I'm not going to get that deep into it. There's infinite things. You can figure it out. Um, <laughs> so the last, the last special unit they get 
are these uh a marty uh arm i don't these these stupid sniper guys that's what i'm gonna call them i don't i'm not gonna try to struggle through uh, pronouncing this just martabundus yeah occult intercession cabal we'll call them that so these guys are basically your scout sniper guys so they are 135 for five guys they have weapon skill four ballistic skill five uh, strength four, tough four, one wound, initiative four, one attack. The sergeant has two attacks. Leadership eight, but the sergeant has leadership nine, and they're in the scout armor, so they're only a four-up armor save. Uh, they have bolt pistol, sniper rifle, combat blade, so they're going to have two close combat weapons, you know, a pistol and a close combat weapon, and then also sniper rifle base. They have frag and crack grenades, and they have shroud bombs, which shroud bombs are pretty good. Uh, Raven Guard have those. What are they? They're defensive grenades that also give you... What, what's the other thing? Shroud bombs? They're the ones yeah. where you have to uh, roll a leadership check to see if in you can charge them. Okay, that's what it is. But they're also defensive grenades, too, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, and then they're in scout armor. So, scout armor, uh, they have it already included in their profile. So, their special rules are Legion of Stardust, Thousand Sons, obviously. They have stealth, move through cover, infiltrate and scout. So they'll be able to infiltrate and scout, have move through cover stealth. Um, they are also brotherhood of psychers level one, but they don't get to choose a discipline. They, they, uh, well, they choose a discipline because they have to. So they choose one of their cold arcanas, but instead of generating from a psychic discipline, normally they come with a single unique psychic power called mind killer. So this mind killer power, uh, is warp charge two and it's a blessing which targets the, the Psyker unit, so it's going to work on all the guys. While the power is in effect, the unit may re-roll all failed rolls to hit and wound, and all of its shooting attacks gain the Ignore's Cover special rule. Um, so these guys, like I said, they're 135 for 5. You can buy 5 additional guys, uh, or up to 5 additional guys for 20 points a model. Um, they can take a Storm Eagle as a dedicated transport. For every five guys in the squad, they can change their sniper rifle for a melta gun for only five points, a plasma gun for ten points. Um, the sergeant in the unit may take melta bombs for five points or a nuncio vox for ten points. So I personally think this is, I don't know, it's probably their weakest of the three units. Right. It's still all right. I mean, it's not great. It's okay. So... Uh, they have two special characters. They got Araman and uh, Amon. So Araman is essentially, he's got the stat line of a console um, with an with an extra wound. So if you look at the normal console stat line, uh, he's weapon skill five, ballistic skill five, strength four, tough four, three wounds. There's the extra wound like I was talking about. Initiative five, three attacks, leadership ten, two plus armor save. Um, he has a mastercrafted bolt pistol with uh, asf- asphyx shells. He's got a mastercrafted force axe. He's got an iron halo. He's got the arcane litanies, which is the thing that allows you to re- to ignore the first perils. Frag and crack grenades and artificer armor. His special rules are Thousand Suns, Cold Arcana, Corvidae. So he's got the divination one. So that's the if he stays stationary, he gets to re-roll rolls of a one to hit. Um, and he has to choose his uh, uh, psychic powers from divination. So he's a mastery level four psyker. So he gets four divination powers, and then he'll automatically gain the primaris. So he's going to end up with five powers. Um, 
He has Adamantium Will, Precise Strikes, uh, Independent Character, Marked by Dark Fates, Araman's Cabal, Master of the Legion, and a Special Warlord trait. So Marked by Dark Fates is if you're in a campaign that keeps track of casualties and injuries, you can re-roll them. It's nothing that normally you know, you're not going to use a lot. Um, the Armaments Cabal is any Legion command squad taken for Armin must be upgraded to have the Brotherhood of Psychers special rule uh, mastery level 2 for plus 50 points. They always have the Cold Arcana Corvidae and generate their psychic powers from divination. Um, so if you want to take a command squad with him, you have to you have to spend an extra 50 points and they become level 2 divination guys. Um, and then his special warlord trait is if Armin is your army's warlord, then he uses the unique warlord trait uh, where you get to pick up to three troop units in your army with the Thousand Sun special rule before your army is deployed, and these units gain scout. So you get to give scout to three troop units in your army. So I guess immediately what jumped out of, to me about this is if you look at a 225 point price tag and we know that each psychic mastery level is 25 points that means he's got 100 points of mastery level so he's 125 then he's got artificer armor which is 10 points which would be 115 then he's got an iron halo which is 25 points which means he's 90 points then he's got a master crafted force axe so master crafted is 15 points so that's 75 points. And then he's got a Mastercrafted Bolt Pistol. So that's another 15 points, which makes him 60 points. And then he's got the Special Shells, which are 10 points, which makes him 50 points. So you're essentially, you know... <laughs> yeah. And then he's got all these other special rules and whatever. So to say he's points efficient is a little bit of an understatement. Yeah. He's basically free. uh so uh the last character this aman guy so he is 170 points he's got the exact same stat line as a praetor except he's one less attack so he's weapon skill six ballistic skill five uh strength four tough four three wounds initiative five three attacks leadership 10 two plus save so he's essentially like i said a praetor with minus one attack um he has the Armor of Shades, uh, which is a suit of Artificer Armor. It's a two-plus armor save that um, provides a four-plus cover save if he's in the open or adds two to any other cover save he may be eligible to claim. So he's in, in a five-up cover save, five, four, three. So yeah, so he basically always has shroud Shrouded. And then he also just has a four-up cover save in the open, and it's Artificer Armor. If he joins another unit, then that unit gains a six-plus cover save in the open, or they gain an additional plus-one bonus to any cover save they're eligible to. So he essentially gives stealth, but it's not called stealth, so it will stack On top stealth. of stealth, yeah. On top of stealth, if he's in a unit. So if you're night fighting, it's plus-one. Yeah. So he has a Mastercrafted Force Sword, um, an Architect Pistol, the Dust of Devourers. So the Dust of Devourers is once per game in the Assault phase. Instead of attacking normally, he can uh, choose to unleash the power of the Dust of Devourers instead. The attack is struck at his normal initiative, which is 5. 
and inflicts D6 automatic hits on the unit that he is fighting if it com- compromises five models or less, or two D6 automatic hits if the unit compromises six models or more. These hits have no strength, but instead have the poison four plus special rule, so you always win on fours, and have concussive special rule at an AP of four. So keep your solar auxilla from away from this guy. He will uh, just murder them, which is <laughs> the blink of an eye. Uh, so he's got that. He's got arcane litanies, which is the piece of war gear that allows you to ignore a psychic check. Your first uh, one. Your, your first perils. Part, so yeah, ignore your first perils. And he's got frag and crack grenades. So he is a level three psyker. He generates his powers from divination, uh, telepathy, from divination or telepathy, and he has the Thousand Suns called Arcana, Corvidae, and Athean. So he's going to get bonuses. If he stays stationary, he gets to re-roll the, uh, the ones to hit, and he also has Mental Fortitude, which gives him where he he's immune to fear and adamantium will. Um, he's independent character. He's got a special rule called Hidden Servants and Secret Scryings. So in an army that has uh, Amon as part of its primary attachment, so he doesn't need to be the Warlord, he just has to be in the army, then its controlling player may re-roll attempts to seize the initiative in missions where this is relevant. In addition, enemy units arriving via outflank may not interplay within 24 inches of him uh, other than from their own table edge or within 12 inches of him via deep strike. So it prevents anyone from deep striking within 12 inches of him or outflanking in within 24 inches. Um, And he just has to be in your army. He doesn't have to be your warlord. Uh, He has Master of the Legion, so you can take a warlord or a right of war with him. He has Infiltrate. So if you have another unit that infiltrates, he can join him and infiltrate. And he's got a special warlord trait. If he is your warlord, you may select a single friendly, non-super heavy, non-flyer unit in your army. This unit must now interplay from reserve using the outflank rule on a turn you specify. So it just gains outflank and comes in on a turn that you get to pick. The specified turn can be any turn after the first. Uh, You must make a note of it secretly before the game begins. When the specified turn begins, this is, note is revealed and it enters play with no roll needed. So once again, this guy's 170 points, but he's a Praetor with minus one attack. So we know a Praetor costs 100, and we know that an attack costs 15 because of digital weapons. So he's essentially, you know, 85 points base, but he's got three mastery levels of Psyker discipline, which is 75 points, and then he's got an Archaeotech pistol, which should be 15, and then he's got a Mastercrafted Force Sword, which should be 20. Then he's got this fancy armor stuff, and then he's got 10-point Arcane Litanies. So, once Break again, disappoint. <laughs> efficiency. This guy has points efficiency is uh, another understatement. It's like, why um, would you ever take a normal Praetor when you can take him? Right. Uh, his abilities are super powerful. The ability to give a unit the plus one cover save and the fact that he's level three mastery level gets to choose between telepathy and yeah, it's pretty good. He's pretty good so, at killing alpha strike armies as well. Well, like, yeah, can't deep strike within 12 inches of him is like, so you can, yeah, you could set it up to where you could hide. It's, it's bubble wrapping without having to bubble wrap. Yep. 
Um, so, yeah. Because even if you land next, like, outside of that range at the drop pod and the guys get out, they can't disembark within that bubble because guys that get out of a drop pod still count as entering play via deep strike that turn. Yep. Just makes the Charybdis and Anvilus even more... More... Uh, uh, so, so, lastly, we have uh, the thing that I kind of lost my mind over, uh, Magnus the Red. So, <laughs> Magnus is 495 points. So, he is weapon skill 7, ballistic skill 5, strength 7, tough 6, 6 wounds, initiative 6, 4 base attacks, leadership 10, with a 2-plus armor save. Uh, his war gear is the Horned Rayament, the Blade of... Not, not going to read this out loud... Um, arcane litanies, so he'll ignore the first perils test that he takes. Yep. Um, and Sci-Fire Serpenta. Um, he has the special rules Primarch, so when you're a Primarch, you have independent character, eternal warrior, fear, animating will, fleet, fearless, it will not die, master of the legion, precision shots, precision strikes. He has the Sire of the Thousand Suns special rule. He has the Arch Sorcerer special rule, the Eye of the Crimson King special rule, the Phantasmal Aura special rule, the Mind Raid special rule, and he is very bulky, so he will take up three slots in a transport. So, Sire of Thousand Sons. Any unit that Magnus the Red joins has Fearless. I mean, he has Fearless anyway, so yeah, kind of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, all models with Legion of Stardust Thousand Sons special rules in the same army as Magnus the Red may use his leadership rather than their own for purposes of morale checks and pinning tests. That's important to know because their drawback is they have to take pinning checks, but now they're going to have to do it at leadership 10 if he's on the table. Um, as well as any leadership tests taken from a result of psychic powers, he is in play. So if you suffer a perils in your Thousand Sons army and you have to roll any leadership checks to see if bad things don't happen to you, you'll get to use leadership 10 to do that if he's in your army. Also, all reserve rolls made for units in an army with Magnus the Red as your warrior may be re-rolled if the controlling players wish. So you can re-roll all reserve rolls so that's successful or unsuccessful if you want to, you know, do whatever. Also, Sekmec, squad, Sekmec Terminator squads and Legion Terminator squads may be taken as troop choices for a Thousand Suns primary detachment with Magnus the Red as its warlord with no restriction owning to Colt Arcana applies to the compulsory units in the army. So back at the, when we were talking about, you have to choose a cult arcana for each of your units. Uh, and, and the core troop choices have to match the warlords. If Magnus is in your army, that gets ignored and you can just choose whatever you want for any unit. Just go crazy uh, with it. Let's go crazy. Uh, art sorcerer, Magnus the red is psychic mastery level of five. And he harnesses warp charge on a three plus, when attempting to manifest psychic powers. Uh, so that goes back to what we talked about earlier on the psychic power things. For Magnus the Red to suffer perils of the warp, his con controlling player must roll three or more sixes when attempting to manifest psychic powers rather than the normal two and may, uh, and may re-roll results of a one on the perils of the warp table. So what that means is normally when you, when you harness like, when you're trying to harness warp charts, so say you wanted to cast uh, Iron Arm and it's level one, and you Magnus and he harnesses on a three plus, it means you choose a number of dice. Let's say he chooses two, you roll those two dice, and you need for at least one of those dice to come up with a three up. But say both of them do, then you harness two warp charge. You then spend one to uh, cast it. 
Um, if your opponent wants to nullify that, they're going to have to roll two sixes on however many dice they chose to roll because that's how many successes you got. That being said, let's say he was trying to cast something Master Level 2. What There's a... Uh, Let's see, what is that called? Telekinesis. Psychic Maelstrom is Warp Charge 3. So let's say he wanted to cast Psychic Maelstrom. Let's say he throws six dice at it. So he throws a six dice. Um, normally, if you any of those six dice come up two sixes in that roll, you're going to peril. So Magnus has to roll three. What a jerk. Also, based on the wording, um, Sanctic Psychic Powers um, normally when you cast Sanctic Powers, if you're not Grey Knights... Let's see what that says. Sanctic Psychic Powers, 28. Any doubles is a... Is, yeah, is normal any doubles, which is apparels. Uh, psychers from the Grey Knight Codex can manifest psychic powers as they would any other psychic power, but they cannot, blah, blah, blah. All other psychers attempting to manifest sanctic powers suffer perils of the warp on a psychic test that includes any doubles, uh, whether the psychic test was successful or not. But because... Your codex rules or army list rules overrule the rulebook when they conflict. Magnus specifically states he only suffers perils when he rolls three or more sixes when attempting to manifest powers. So even Santic powers, he's going to have to roll three sixes to uh, perils. Are uh, pretty powerful or no? Santic? Yeah, yeah, we can get need to get into it, but yes. Um, okay. Magnus the Red randomly generates five powers from any combination of the following psychic disciplines. Telekinesis, pyromancy, divination, telepathy, sanctic demonology, and biomancy. You may, for example, generate two powers from biomancy, two from telepathy, and one from divination. Yeah, we went over all that. Um, his armor, the horn raiment. It provides Magnus the Red with a 2-plus armor save and a 4-plus invulnerable save. In addition, if he is struck by a weapon with the Destroyer rule, the amount of wounds is inflicted is reduced by 1. So he takes minus 1 to wounds suffered from Destroyer weapons. Uh, his his uh, close combat weapon is plus 2 strength, so he's base strength 7, so it's going to be strength 9. It's base AP 1. It's two-handed uh, and has the Force special rule. So if he casts Force, it's going to have instant death. Um, his handgun is range 15 inches, strength 8, AP 2, assault D3 with soul blaze. So that's a shooting attack. Uh, the Eye of the Crimson King. When selecting targets for psychic powers, all models within range are assumed to be in line of sight, except those in transport buildings, and all such attacks have the ignores cover special rule. So he basically... Ignores line of sight and everything has ignores cover. Um, Phantasmal Aura. Enemy attacks. So this is all attacks. This is shooting and close combat. Enemy attacks directed at Magnus the Red or any infantry unit he has joined suffers a minus one to hit penalty. Barrage weapons directed at Magnus the Red or infantry units he has joined add plus one to the roll scattered to the rolled scatter distance when applicable. So this goes back to modifying dice. So this means when you roll a dice at Magnus, uh, directing an attack at him, it's impossible to roll a six because you're modifying the dice. The highest you can actually roll is a five, whether you roll a six or not. So 
uh, we'll get we'll, we'll read his last thing and then we'll jump back into that. So keep that in mind. So his last thing is Mind Wraith. So Magnus the Red, uh, when manifesting a Witchfire power, Magnus's controlling player can declare the use of Mind Wraith. This must be done before any dice are rolled to manifest the power in question. The required warp charge for the manifested power is increased by two. So let's say you wanted to do Smite from Biomancy. It would go from one to a three. Um, however, if the power is successful, successfully manifested, add 2d6 to any listed strength value and double the listed range. Uh, if this would result in a strength value of 11 or higher, the attack gains the destroyer special rule. So we'll just take, for example, we'll just use smite since biomancy is the first one there. So let's say he manifested smite, chose to use mind wraith. It would become warp charge three. If he successfully catches it, it would go from range 18 to range 36. That then ignores cover and line of sight using his eye of the crimson king. It would gain. It would be two d six strength plus four. If it goes, uh, if you roll a seven or higher, it becomes strength D because it goes over eleven. It is AP two and assault four. So that's how that works. Um, okay. So basically, you can get a lot of uh, D strength shooting attacks out of him. The ones that become a real problem are the Novas, because they are Witchfires. So, there is a Nova in Pyromancy. That's Strength 4. So, once again, if you roll average on two dice, which is 7, it will go to Strength D. It would be uh, Assault 2d6, ignores cover Soul Blaze. So, and it's range 9, so it would go out to 18 inches. So, every unit within 18 inches would take uh, 2d6 strength D hits. That's the big one. That's like most of the communities realized about that one. Like, Well, it's that one, and then there's also in Sanctic, um, there's another Nova power that does the same thing. So you could technically, if you got lucky, roll on that till you got that one, and then roll on it till you got Sanctic, do it twice a turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sanctic is Cleansing Flame. It's cleansing flame is strength five, so you only need to get a six or higher on two dice to make it. Well, I'll be damned. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I, I think it goes without saying that these guys are, in my opinion, far and away the most powerful legion out there. Um. Eye of Horus can change their Mount Rushmore Primarchs to just four faces of Magnus. Just like Happy Magnus, Sad Magnus, Excited Magnus, however you want to, Emoji Magnus. <laughs> um, uh, they basically have, whether you want to um, say that they're like Just Aaron or like Fire Drakes, they have a unit that are very similar to those units and have essentially all the abilities that those two units have but squad-wide force weapons um, keep their shooting while maintaining the three-plus invulnerable, also gain two levels of psychic mastery and get to choose powers for less points than both of those units. Uh, they have two extremely good special characters. Oh, we didn't even go over their rights of war. Nope. Um, so... The rights of war aren't that great, though. Well... 
the second one is, and we'll get why. I'll get. I'll tell you why. So the first rite of war is the war of Axis dissolution. So models with the thousand cent special rule that are part of this right of war automatically pass morale or pinning checks if they are within six inches of objective when the test is taken. So once again, this is a way to get around their one drawback. Um, the caustic caustics of grace uh, models with this uh, models with Legion Star thousand cent special rule that are part of this force using this right of war Overwatch at ballistic skill two. So you Overwatch at BS two. Uh, the transition of vitrol. You may re-roll failed to hit and to wound rolls from models with the Legion of Stardy special rule that are part of a force using this right of war against enemy models which are falling back. So that's kind of a stupid power. Like most people, you're not usually not shooting at things that are falling back. The limitations are kind of harsh on this one. Troops choices for this detachment using this right of war must be made up of units that are at their maximum possible size. So yeah. that's that's pretty rough unless you have Magus in your army and then it's just telling you to take 20 of those crazy Terminators. That, that would be <laughs> a shame. Um, detachments using this right of war may not have more vehicles or with the tank or flyer type than they have uh, infantry units in the detachment. You can work around that pretty easy. Um, so the second one is the one that I think is actually fairly powerful. So it is called... The, court, the Guard of the Crimson King. So, Astral Warfare. When generating warp charge at the start of any psychic phase, the controlling player of this detachment may roll an additional D6 and select the highest of the two results. So this means normally I roll a die, and I say I roll a four. You get four dice, I get four dice, and then I add in all my mastery levels and get that many more dice. This is I roll two, and we always get the highest. So you don't get to choose between the two. It's just that we always pick the highest one. So it's just a way to guarantee that there's higher warp charge available to both players. Um, Reaved in Lightning, uh, they rend the veil. Any Terminator armor-equipped unit in this detachment, along with any independent character and the Primarch Magnus the Red, may deploy using Deep Strike via teleport, so long as they do not have dedicated transports. Um... When these units arrive via Deep Strike, they gain the Fear Special Rule if they did not already possess it, and they re-rolled failed invulnerable saves of a 1 until the controlling player's next turn. Um, the Initiatives of the Scarab. Uh, Sec Mech Terminator Cabals must be selected as compulsory troop choices in this detachment when using this right of war, and may be taken as additional troop choices for the detachment if desired. And then the last thing that makes it kind of crazy... The bidding of the Crimson King. The Primarch Magnus, the Red, may be selected as a compulsory HQ choice for this detachment and does not count as a Lord of War choice in, in any uh, if used in this way. So you can basically take Magnus in like a thousand point game or something. Uh, I guess it because ha you'd have to take two five-man tournament. It'd have to be a thousand ten-point game or thousand five-point game. Uh, so anyway... Uh, limitations. This detachment's right of war must choose their warlord as to be either Magnus the Red, uh, Ozik Araman, a Thousand Suns Praetor with Psychic Mastery level of 3. Wow, what a drawback. Detachments <laughs> using this right of war uh, may not have more units with the vehicle type of any kind than they have units with the Legion of Stardust Thousand Suns rule, so that's kind of like Pride of the Legion. That's not hard to get around. Detachments using this right of war may not take allied detachments of any kind. You're not going to need to. So 
the other thing I noticed about this is this is kind of like Primarch's Chosen, but Primarch's Chosen has the drawback where you, you're not allowed a Lord of War. So right. this allows you to take Magnus and, a Lord, and another Lord of War. Yep. So that one guy, I think, they were, who was it? Paul wanted a Magnus and a Typhon in his unit. Or maybe that was just yeah. one I read. No, that was just somebody I read on 30K, Thousand Sons. Yeah. So, yeah, that's possible. <laughs> uh, Deep breaths. <laughs> so the problem I have with, like, we talked about these negative modifier things. So, like, if you read Invisibility, Invisibility makes it to where you count as Ballistic Skill 1. So yep. if you go back to that Ballistic Skill chart we talked about, you read, it says, you must roll a D6 and score a 6 to hit someone if you have ballistic skill one. That's correct. Because Magnus imposes a minus one to hit and modifies your die, it's impossible to roll a six unless you have something that also adds a positive modifier. Right. So Magnus with invisibility, which it's going to affect him and his unit are essentially impossible to damage because you can't hit them because you can't possibly roll a six because it states you have to snap fire at them. So because you have to snap fire at an invisible unit, you can't target them with blast or templates. So anything that doesn't actually use your ballistic skill, you can't target them anyway. And then anything you have to roll to hit with the highest you can roll is a five because you're at a minus one and you need to roll a six. So it's impossible to hit him with shooting attacks in close combat. It just straight says with invisibility that only successful rolls of a six will allow them to hit you in close combat, which once again, you're imposing a minus one penalty that actually modifies the die roll, making it impossible to roll a six. So it is impossible to hit him. Yes. You can hurt him with hammer of wrath attacks, or if you just shoot blast markers near him and they happen to scatter on top of him. Hmm. If he has invisibility. Wow. I would like to see a, well, so these negative modifiers, you need to be careful. This is what I was talking about when you design core game mechanics. you got to be super careful of what you do because you can end up with situations like this. Impossible situations. Yeah. So in my mind, this is at some point going to have to be FAQ'd or addressed. And if you're a TO out there, you're going to have to do something about it, I would think. You know what I'm, what I'm going to do? I'm going to take Magnus... And a unit of 20 Sekmets. You can only take 10. 10 Sekmets. And I'm going to run it in a Bat Rep versus a Warlord Titan. And I'll make him walk across the field with it. And I'm going to see if he can kill it. And then, like... Well, with invisibility, the Warlord can't target him. Well, he, the Warlord can target the ground, though. Like well, then terrain would, pieces. Then the, then the Warlord would win. Because you can still target grounded between models and just hit them with D strikes. It's not they're not gaining anything from invisibility. I want to see like if he would survive though. He won't. I it's mean, still D. Yeah, but he's not like if he doesn't get if they don't roll a six and all this stuff. And I wonder if no, that doesn't modify that at all. It would. It would be D six. Oh yeah, and it reduces minus one. One. So it's six wounds plus a D six wounds minus one. So it still kills him because the lowest you can roll is a seven minus one is six and he only has six wounds. Hmm. Then he could deep strike on a warlord titan. We'll see. And then just like submit that to Forge World. It's like this is it's what not, you've it's done. It's not. It's not that extreme. 
I'd take him against like two Reavers all day. Because you cast invisibility, they can't hurt you. Then you just float around and shoot them with a bunch of D witch fires till they die. <laughs> okay, that might have to happen. We'll see. We'll set something up. Um, so, anyway, before we go any further, I just want to put my thoughts out there because know <laughs> when I say negative things about this and and the community's upset with it, a lot of the people in the community's upset with it, I'm upset with it. If you play Thousand Suns, please don't take it personal. It's not directed at the players at all. Um, we have guys in our group that have really been looking forward to this that have already started armies. Um, I know, like, I think it was Steven Hillman that sent us in a bunch of, like, really cool painted Thousand Suns he's been working on for a long time. This obviously isn't their fault. You know what I mean? Like, right. this is not... They didn't write the rules. Um, and in fact, I think as good as these rules are, and, you know, if you're of the mind that, well, this is awesome, I have the best army, you gotta imagine the way 30K... Like, if you're just playing one-off games, like, if me and you're just gonna play a friendly game, if I see you're playing Thousand Suns, I'm going to be less excited about playing you because of these rules. And then if, um, and also there's nothing really to be gained. Like you're just having fun. It's a four fun scenario. So it's not really important. And if you go to an event where people are essentially forced to play you, most 30 K events don't have any, like you win these awards or you win this for winning games. They're almost all like coolest dude or best painted or team MVP, or, you know, any combination of that. I actually think because there's going to be such backlash at these rules, whether it's your fault or not, there may be some bias on you getting selected for certain things because of that. Very much so. Now, if this was 40K, where it doesn't matter, you can go and literally be a straight dickhead Dick for kick three everybody. games, yeah. just dick kick everybody, be rude, not answer questions, don't even interact with your opponent. As long as you win all your games, you're, it does not matter. You usually win the prize anyway. Your shit could be unpainted, whatever. That's 40K. <laughs> 30K. You like described like the worst opponent ever. Your shit could be unpainted. You could be a dick. You could not wear deodorant. You just I've, <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen that, though. I mean, let's be real. I mean, we've all seen that. That's what a guy. I'm saying is that's a guy. His name's Frederick. What I'm saying He's out is there. you can be that way and Don't. still walk out. You still walk out of a 40k event with the top prize. <laughs> you can't do that in 30k. It's not going to happen. So, <laughs> not I guess what event. I'm saying. I guess what I'm saying is even though there's all this super busted exploitive stuff in here, for one, it doesn't really. I burped there and it came out weird. So for one, it's not necessarily a positive. 4,000 Suns players because in, in all the events I've went to, it, it's you're going to have some bias thrown against you just for playing them. And two, it's not the player. So, But also, to kind of head that off the pass, like, I know that it's really powerful, but if somebody does come to an event and they have a nicely painted Thousand Suns army and they're nice, and, you know, it's not really their fault that they have busted rules. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm saying, like, this bias could happen, and it may not be. You like taking all the cheesy shit and going to an event and smashing everybody isn't going to guarantee you an award. But I also feel like just playing Thousand Suns, people shouldn't be like, "Oh, that guy's playing Thousand Suns. Let's he's not going to ever win anything." You know what I mean? Like, try to be as fair as you can. It's not their fault. 
Definitely. That being said, I don't know why these rules were written like this. I mean, I am absolutely baffled that Forge World went into this territory. Um, I, I really can't wrap my brain around it. And people on like when this originally came up on our last episode, people kept messaging us or posting messages, you know, basically saying, well, shouldn't we play a few games before we make judgment, this and that? Well, this is how I'm making, drawing this conclusion. For one, I've played, intensely played 40K from second edition till now. So I've essentially seen everything in the past, every way it could be played. I've played thousands of games, seen thousands of games played. So I have a wealth of experience to draw upon. When I look at something on paper, I can attribute it to something I've already seen in the past and have actual experience of. So like we talked about, those Sekmec Terminator guys, I play Fire Drakes myself. I've played them hundreds of times. I've seen other people play them. I know what they do. I know how good they are. So if I just take the example of Fire Drakes, knowing how good they are at their current points level, take their power weapons away, give them force weapons instead, give them two levels of psychic mastery in which they get to choose powers from, give them stubborn, let them keep their shooting while also keep their 3-plus invulnerable save, and give their weapons shred, and take 10 points off per model, why do I have to play a fucking game to realize that that's a good unit? I don't have to play with that. I know, I know what Fire Drakes do. I can pretty much look at that on paper and say, this is the real-world experience of something that's pretty much the same, only worse in every way for this amount of points. Now I'm getting this for less points. It does all the same shit. Plus has a wall of special rules. I don't think it's fair to say, well, you need to play games to, to come to this conclusion. I don't think that that's, that's logical at all. I'm going to put a feeler out there to all of our listeners right now. Like if I were to make a, um, I guess like a petition and send it out there and like make it like if you, all you have to do is sign the petition if you believe that Ryan should get to look at the rules before they're released <laughs> and just sign off before Forge World releases them. I'm gonna put they, don't, gonna, they don't they th- this that just 100% will not work for many reasons. Why? Because we're talking about Games Workshop, they're just not gonna do that, and it's not just because it's me, I don't think they would let anyone do that. Why? It's it's just it's not going to happen. They don't. I mean, I don't they have want, to. They have to listen to their customer base. They have to. I mean, they, no, they don't. Why would they do that? Because they it's have it, investor relations, man. You got to. You got investors. You got to do what's right for the company. Yeah. Do not care. This they they are thinking what they're. This is. It's all speculation, but to me, it's we. It's more. How weird or much of a coincidence is it that they release two plastic box sets? From GW Mainstream, one of which encompasses every unit in this new book. Then the very next book they release just happens by chance to have everything in it be way more powerful than anything that came before it. <laughs> what are the odds of that? I have the documents. <laughs> just saying. So that they just want to sell models. That's, that's what they like to do. 
So they're looking at it as we don't really give a shit. Plus, I don't think they look at the game, even though I feel personally like a core of game players want it to be fair and want the points values to make sense. I don't think that they honestly care. They look at it as Age of Sigmar before they added rules. That's how they want everybody to play, whether the community rejects that idea or not. So I don't think they care. They don't care that, you know, a Javelin or a Scorpus Whirlwind is too cheap for what it does. They don't, they really honestly don't care. It's almost like they assign random points values to things just to fool everyone into thinking they're not playing Age of Sigmar when you really are. If that, if you get pick, picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah. Like they said, they don't like competitive play or they don't. They don't, but what, but. I'm not saying it from a competitive standpoint. I'm just saying that people, human beings, for the most part, want things to be fair. It's like built into your D&D, your, your D&D, your DNA. Like, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> you get what I'm, you know yeah. what I'm saying, right? Like you're playing a game. The purpose of playing a game, especially like this with an opponent is to match yourself against that person and challenge yourself. They're challenging you. You're challenging them. You're trying to come to this outcome to see who on that day and that scenario at that time was was better. Right? Right. right. So that's why points values... <clears throat> I mean, if, if they honestly don't care, then you would just get rid of points and have, you know, pieces, which they tried that with Age of Sigmar, and it absolutely fell on its face and didn't work. And the only thing that saved that game was adding points values. Right. So to me the customer base has already answered this question. So people out there that want to argue, well, they don't care about this or they don't care about that. And I just want to play for fun. And I just, if, if the majority of people who play games, workshop products think that way, then age of Sigmar would have been a success right out the gate. And they never would have needed the general's handbook. The, the whole reason they needed to apply points and put and come out with the general handbook to begin with, was because their core customer base, in my opinion, holds different values than they do when it comes to their own game. And until they realize that and start designing the game that the players want to see, uh, you're going to end up with situations like this. Because I personally, and I know a lot of other people did, I got out of 40K because... It was wildly unbalanced. Like, if you played orcs against Eldar or Tau or whatever, it wasn't even close. Like, it's like, why do they, Why are there points values next to these models? Because these are clearly... It's like playing a totally different game. Um, then you have this army of the month syndrome where everything that new comes out has to be better than everything that came before it. So they would come out with an army. You would start working and painting on that army... And the release schedule is so fast that by the time you would even have that army painted, your shit was outdated and didn't even work anymore. Right. Um, and then they started adding in all this crazy shit where you had D flying everywhere and formations where you got all these free rules and everything was super cheap where you needed more and more models. And if you want to win games, you have to take this. And <clears throat> here's a super powerful thing that can only be countered with this one unit. So everybody's going to have to run out and buy this one unit to stop this one thing from happening. And that's every, that's why I got out of 40 K 
And that's why I don't like to see stuff like this because I feel like I've been down this road before. I've seen this before. So, anyway, that's all I'm saying. I don't want to get too far into it because we still got to go over Space Wolves. But I, I'm just saying, like, it's out there. It is what it is. I don't have any answers for you on how to deal with it. Uh, I I just kind of wanted, because I see people that's, oh, it's not that bad. It's not. I've played against Screamer Star. I've, you know, I've played Fire Drakes. I've seen all this stuff in some form or another. And it is bad and it is no no fun to play against. I'm not saying people will take it. This is what I was saying last episode, that the 30K community is really going to have to put their money where their mouth is. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to have a lot of people coming over from 40K. They're going to see, they, they release this Prospero box, they have all this stuff. A lot of people that are new to the game are going to see this box comes with Armin, it comes with Thousand Suns decals, they're painted Thousand Suns, I can build a Thousand Suns out of this box set, I want to play 30K. Um, they just released all these plastic kits for 40k that I could also use for 30k in the uh, what whatever the the Scarab Occult Terminators, <coughs> Thousand yep. Suns plastic guys. You're gonna see a lot of people that pick this army to play moving over from 40k because of all that because they want to play their army in both games or just because it's the new shiny thing out. It's cheaper to get into and they're coming from an environment where shit like Screamer Star and shit like whatever is encouraged. That's what encourages. So you're going to have to pull that person aside when you see them at a 30K event and explain to them that that's not how shit is done in 30K. Don't be mad at them. It's not their fault. They're coming from an environment where that was recognized as a positive thing, which is the reason I left 40K. But they're they're not going to know any better. So a lot of these people are just going to immediately shit on these guys which I get why they're doing it, but they need to understand that they don't necessarily know any better. So not only are the core 30K group that's in the game now going to have to resist the temptation of abusing this stuff because it's very, very, very abusable, they're also going to have to help new new players that transition into the game to resist the temptation. And if they are coming over from 40K and already know how to use all this stuff because I've seen people do Screamer Star or maybe they've already played it themselves or they're already doing it in 40K with their Thousand Sons Army, some of this stuff. You're going to have to explain to them that, yes, you can do that. Yes, that is not only acceptable in 40K, but encouraged. But in 30K, we measure uh, positivity, you know, greatness. Like, this guy's a good player in a totally different um, way. Like we, we we measure your status within the community not by wins losses but by you know are you fluffy do you paint are you cool to play with things like that and that's what rewards you at events not just winning games right which I mean that that doesn't just go out to like current 30k players that goes out to everybody listening right now that plans to be an event organizer in the future just like just you know i mean mostly every event i've been to 30k wise has not been a tournament event no like the only one that i'm aware of is adepticon where they do swiss pairing stuff like that yeah but they still if i remember correctly last year even though it was swiss pairings it was still trader versus loyalist at a minimum yes exactly not tournament based nothing like that and i mean 
even our it was tournament it was tournament based in that the guy with the most battle points still won yeah and it was tournament based in that you were always playing somebody that had the same close to the same battle points as you and you were playing like very tournament style maelstrom missions so it's about as tournament as you can get the only saving grace was at least it was loyalist versus traitor you didn't have to play your night lords versus word bearers for for example yeah, so if you're, if you're, I mean, the the people that are going to come over from 40K with, like, these beat face list ideas, thinking about how they're going to run Magnus and this, like, ridiculous fucking chaos star of death and everything like that, like, I think the saving grace is the narrative community that we have right now, the non-dickhead community that we have right now, uh, they those people aren't guaranteed like those people do that for the glory like they do it for like the trophies and like the uh, i took first place at this tournament then whenever they're not getting this first place anymore they're not getting anything like that it's like well fun like 30k or maybe it's gonna be oh well i need to paint better well, I, or I need to be a better player the reason i'm player. slightly worried about it is because 40k used to be like 30k like if you remember like the old like events used to be very hobby oriented and you're, you were judged on painting and hobbying and all that. And then slowly but surely, it transitioned into what it is now. The word Death Star became a fucking yes. a, a word. So we've seen this song and dance before. The, where the 30K community is at now, the 40K community used to be. It 100% used to be that. Um, and you used to have guys like Tom Shadle and all these other great painters that used to play 40K. And even though they weren't great players... They would still paint up these unbelievably, you know, like at the time, like, like Matt Cain level. I mean, obviously, there's nothing that existed like Matt Cain level in the <laughs> fucking 90s. Let's say that. But at the time, they were the Matt Cain of the 90s, if that go, makes sense. Go kiss your statue real quick. You said his name in vain. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Matt. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. Like, I'm using him as the pentacle. Like, this guy's at the top. That's what I'm saying. So whoever the guys were at the top, the, the top at the nineties, you know, yeah. and those guys used to go like Matt does now go to all these events and they eventually got forced out because they got sick of it. Like they're like, they spent all this time painting and hobbying and doing all this cool stuff. Then they would go and have to be set across from a table with a guy with a bunch of gray plastic bullshit. that's just running, you know, a bunch of horse shit that makes no sense. Fluff wise isn't painted and the guy's a dick to him. And they went, you know what? I can just paint, you know, one fiftieth scale German tanks. I don't have to do this shit. And <laughs> left the hobby. <laughs> that's what happened. And I've talked to some of these guys that you, you know, and that's exactly what happened. That truly is what happened. And I don't want that to happen to thirty k. So just putting it out there. I think all the right people who run events and all that stuff, because those events wouldn't happen if people didn't start giving them the like. At no point are the guys that are running 30K events going to just start switching over to this tournament, Swiss pairing, like, beat face list. I mean, those exist now just to lure 40K players in and all this stuff. But like, but this is a reason to not do that is what I'm saying. Yeah. Please don't do that. You, you are putting the community, the entire community as a whole is being put in danger every time one of those events go on. You're just chipping. You're just chipping away. Chipping and chipping. Quit chipping. I don't know, man. You like I always see like tournaments, like if you have the option of the tournament or the narrative, like the tournament's like the kids' table, 
a narrative's the men's table. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I get it. I get it. And even the like the tournament, quote unquote tournament at Adepticon, <clears throat> they're trying to make it as friendly as possible. Even though it is a tournament, it's still like they said, friendly tournament right in the thing, and they're trying to Eric, dude. Eric Evans or Evans, one of those. I don't Even. know. Evans. Yeah, I always get that wrong. But I'm so glad he's running it because he is such a nice person and like he he's knows. nice. I, we, me and you both played him. He gave me cookies and he shit last. Gave me cookies. He beat my ass and gave me cookies. Yes. Nice, nice guy. And and you know he beat you. <laughs> gave cookies was nice to you. I beat him and he was still just as nice. It wasn't like he was a short, sore loser or sore winner. It it he's a nice dude. Like we from the two of us, we got to see him in both scenarios. He you know cool guy. So, like, I'm extremely glad that, like, it's in the right hands at Adepticon. It's in the right hands at Stiff. I guarantee that. It's in the right hands of any event that you run. I mean, Australia, they will not let you take a dickhead list. They'll, like, punch you in the dick. It, like, I'm, I would be afraid to be, like, an asshole in Australia because you just get ridiculed. They throw fucking spiders on you. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't want to know what mad drunk Tim looks like. I just can't imagine what that would become so no. yeah there's there's nowhere right now in any community that we're that we know of you know the the swedes aren't going to allow it you know there's nowhere you could go right now play a dickhead list in 30k and not be the guy and like i don't know anywhere you could go right now play a right, dickhead but, list. but i also want to throw it out there that <clears throat> like i said don't immediately if the person's new they may not know any better yeah no so so Give them the benefit of the doubt. Like if they move over from 40k, they may just show up to your 30k event with a crazy list, and you're just gonna have to explain, like pull them aside after the event, and maybe just let them know. You don't have to make it public or fuck be a dick about it. <laughs> just pull them also, aside. hey bud, hey, look, I know, I know you're here to have fun, and you really want to. Also, win that like trophy, I said, I mean, like just, just, <laughs> just because someone's playing Thousand Sons, you shouldn't like, oh fuck, you know what I mean? Like try to. It's hard. I know it's hard because I used to do the same thing in 40k. I'd bit paired up with somebody playing fucking Eldar or something, and I'd be like, uh, before, like, you know what I mean? And, and I would always go into the game with these preconceived whatever, and more often than not, the person was pretty cool. So try not to do that. You know, I don't How know. Cool would it be? Remember in like a mallets, you like ran it to where like your team got additional victory points if you did X. Like as a team, you got like additional. Like how cool would it be if like it was like. <clears throat> you get additional victory point at this event if you wrote the fluff for your army and have it typed up for me so I can read it. Like, that'd be insane. Like, it'd be like, five victory points if you did this, and then, like, the people who are, like, just there to yeah, win are like, but I mean, fuck. I don't know what that has to do with this book. Like, that's no. the problem with it, is you can pass... I could take a, I could take the silly right of war where I get Magnus as a lord of war or whatever <laughs> and get all these terminators. So I'm just doing what the right of war says. Taking max set mech terminators plus Magnus... Yeah, have like 18 psychic dice levitating around the board, dropping D blasts on you, shooting you in the face. Like you can't say that's not fluffy. You can say <laughs> no. it's bullshit, but you can't say, "Oh, this guy." Like that's the problem. Is you can pass it off as fluff because I'm not saying this isn't fluffy. It's just horseshit. The way they did the rules is just horseshit. That's how Magnus like handled shit. <laughs> like I don't know. I mean, I just look at once again like Magnus. He's got five levels of five psychic mastery levels. So if you just, we know what they cost. They cost 25 points a level. So that's 125 points. So, so subtract 125 points from what he has and then still look 
at his stat line and all this other bullshit he has and tell me that he's not way too cheap for what he does. And he's just arbitrarily too cheap because it's like, well, for one, we can't have a more than 500 points because then you can't use him in 2,000-point games, so we can't do that. And he also can't be more points than Horace because Horace is the best, and we all know that the things that it costs the most are automatically the best. <laughs> that was That's what they did in the design studio. So let's just make him 495. That's, that's cheaper it's cheaper than Horace, and you can use him in 2,000-point games. Are we all good with that? Yeah, we're good with that. Rubber stamp it. It doesn't matter that he's probably worth 750 points. We don't care about that. <laughs> so Rubber stamp it. Where's that cake at? Let's knock that out. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we need, to do, we need to do Space Wolves. This has been going on way long enough. Go ahead, dude. <laughs> so just rubber stamp it before Alan gets back. Yeah, eat the cake too. Eat the cake before he gets back. So anyway, so Space Wolves. So the Space Wolves generic Legion tactics are bestial savagery. All models with a special rule gain plus one weapon skill bonus any turn in which they have successfully charged. <laughs> Additionally, they gain the counterattack special rule. And Additionally, they gain the counterattack special rule. And if any unit with this special rule has one combat on any turn in which they have charged or countercharge, they must make sweeping advance if they're able to do so. I don't understand why they're so obsessed with sweeping advanced at Forge World. I think they're just like typing that out. Why would you not attempt a sweeping advance if you can? No, it's cool. I want you to get away. I don't want to just auto-remove you. No. There is zero reason to never, like, I don't know. But anyway. So basically, the, your entire, everything with Legion of Surrey Space Wolves is plus one weapon skill if they charge, and they have the counterattack special rule. Uh, Hunter's Gate. Infantry model with this special rule add plus one to their run and consolidate distances so long as they are equipped with not equipped with jump packs or terminator armor. So basically anything in artificer armor or power armor will add plus one to their run distance and consolidate, which is pretty pretty decent when you start getting into some of their special rules and rights of war and stuff. Uh, preternatural senses. Models with this special rule ignore the effects of night fighting and re-roll the dice to determine which table edge they arrive from when outflanking. And infiltrating models may not be set up within 18 inches of them regardless of line of sight. So they eventually they have basically gained the 18-inch bubble of non-infiltrating that augury scanners have, but on every Space Wolf model. And then, you know, they obviously they ignore night fight and they can uh, re-roll which table edge for outflank, which is pretty good. Um so they don't really have any drawbacks, as far as I can tell. The quote unquote drawback is uh they have to take a HQ choice for every thousand points of their army. So from one point to 999 points, you have to have an HQ from 1,100 points to 1,999 points. You'll have to have two. And then for 2,100 to 3,000 points, you'll have to have a third choice. No <clears throat> work on if you want to play more than 3,000 points, what the fuck you do with space balls. <clears throat> I don't know. I guess you could take... No, you couldn't, because Russ isn't an HQ. He's a Lord of War. So, yeah, I don't know. If you want to play more than 3,000 points right now, I guess I would just keep granting you HQ choices, like if it were up to me, just so you could play a larger game. 
Just, just like give them slots. Yeah, just like the old rules. Yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, detachments with the legionary space wolves must fulfill their compulsory HQ choice with a Praetor or Centurion, representing a wolf lord or claw leader. So you have to take one of those two um, types. Uh, other HQ choices or console types may not be selected as compulsory HQ. So essentially everything becomes a support officer except for a base centurion or a praetor. Um, the chaplain, librarian, and primus medicae types of consoles are not available at all to space wolves. Instead, they get a special thing called a priest of Fenris, which we'll go over. Um, they're basically uh, equivalents, so it's not like you're really missing out on much. Um, and arguably these are better anyway, depending. Um, and then only grace layer units may be taken as compulsory troop choices by space wolves. All other troop choices found in the Legion of Stardis army of darkness list gain the support squad special rule if they're in a space wolf army. Um, so basically tactical squads, breacher squads and assault Marines all become support. And the only core troop choice you have to select from are grace layers which is not a drawback at all when you see Grace Slayer rules. Um, so, also, Space Wolves have their own Warlord trait table. So, in, rather than rolling on the Warhammer rulebook or Legion of Stardis list, you must instead roll on this table. I don't really feel like going through all the Warlord traits. You just have to use this trait. They're... They're good. They're nothing. They're, you know, they're just a replacement. I don't think anything's like outstanding or not. Out, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of a wash. They're just different. Um, so we'll go through their Legion specific war gear here. So one of their Legion specific war gear is a Frenzian wolf. So Frenzian wolves are just like, you know, little wolf models that you take as an attachment to a character. So it's purchased like war gear. Uh, rather than a regular unit, up to two Forensian Wolves may be purchased by a Space Wolf Praetor or Legion Centurion, not equipped with a jump pack, for 10 points each. <clears throat> Your core HQ choice can take up to two Wolves for 10 points each. Um, they essentially have a Space Marine stat line, but an extra attack and only Leadership 5 with a 6-plus armor save. So, And they're bulky, have counterattack, and have uh, preternatural senses. You can upgrade them to a Cyberwolf for uh, five points. A Cyberwolf gains the five plus feel no pain special rule. So they're just kind of, it's basically like taking two ablative wounds for your Wolf Lord because you can look out Sir Doom or whatever. Um, they are bulky, so if you take two, they're going to take up an extra four slots in the transport. So you need to keep that in mind because they do take up the transport slots. And no, you can't take them in Assestis. No, because they're not listed. Uh, so uh, the other thing they get are frost weapons. So any Space Wolf independent character with a power weapon may exchange uh, their power weapon for a frost blade, frost claw for five points or for a great frost blade for ten points. So we'll go through them. They're, they're basically the exact equivalent of their power weapon type, but with a plus one strength modifier and the specialist weapon rule. So a frost blade is plus one strength AP three specialist weapon. Frost axe is plus two strength AP two specialist weapon unwieldy. Frost claw is plus one strength AP three shred specialist weapon. And the great frost blade is plus one strength AP two 
a mastercrafted reaping blow two-handed. So reaping blow is the thing that Death Guard guys get with their uh, scythe thing, which mm-hmm. is minus one to your initiative, uh, but you gain a... Plus one strength. Plus, well, you, I've included that. You, you're at minus one initiative, and they gain plus one attack if, if you have more than one model in base contact with you, I think. In base contact with... In addition, the wielder is in base contact with more than one enemy model uh, in the initiative phase in which they fight, they gain plus one attack. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Two guys in base, two or more guys in base with you, you'll get an extra attack. So it's pretty good. <clears throat> the uh, last thing they get is the uh, ether rune armor. So it counts as a suit of artificer armor. So it, it's two plus armor save. In addition, increases the wearer's wounds by plus one and allows any deny the witch rolls taken by the wearer uh, and and the unit they have joined to be re-rolled. Uh, any Praetor uh, or Priest of... or Praetor slash Wolflord uh, or Priest of Fenris with the Legion of Starry Space Wolf special rule may exchange Artificer armor for Aether Rune armor for 20 points. So your Praetor or your Wolflord automatically comes with it, so it's just 20 points. Um, if you want to take it on a... Uh, the uh, wolf priest, I believe they come stock standard with power armor. So you'll have to buy artificer for 10 and then trade it in. Let me check that. But I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. Where are you at? Priest of Fenris. Yes, that's exactly how that works. So, yes. So, well, they just automatically have Aether Rune armor. It's 30 points, but it's the same math. So, yeah. So it's basically 30 points for a Wolf Priest, uh, 20 points for a Wolf Lord. All right. So special units. So the first thing they get is a Deathborn pack. So these guys are pretty cool. So they're 175 points for five guys. They have stock standard Artificer armor. So everybody in the squad's a two-plus armor save. They are weapon skill four, ballistic skill four, strength four, tough four, one wound, initiative four, two base attacks, leadership eight. Um, they come with bolt pistol and power axe, so they are going to be three attacks base, um, four on the charge, and even four if you charge them because counterattacks, so they're always four attacks. Um, they have frag crack grenades, uh, stasis bombs, and artificer armor, which we went over. Their special rules are Legion of Stardy Space Wolf, um, Cult of Morkai, uh, and the Dreams of the Dead Wolf. Uh, they can take a Rhino, Land Raider Phobos, or Land Raider Proteus as dedicated transports. So getting uh, Land Raiders as dedicated is pretty cool. Um, you can include up to five additional guys at 25 points apiece. Uh, so that makes a full 10-man squad 300 points. Um, for every five models in the squad, one uh, may take the following options instead of what's previously listed. So they can exchange... Because they all come with power axes, they can trade their power axe in for a power fist for five points, trade their power axe for a great frost blade for ten points, uh, trade their power axe for a thunder hammer for ten points, and the entire squad can take melt bombs for twenty points or rad grenades for thirty points. So Coltamorkai, uh, units of Death Swarm may not be joined by independent character models other than Priests of Fenris. In addition, Priest of Fenris with Speaker of the Dead subtype may take a unit of Death Swarm instead of a usual command squad. Um, so these guys are sort of like destroyers. They're semi-destroyers, I guess. Um, Dreams of the Death Wolf. 
the Death Swarm have the fearless special rule when locked in assault. So they're fearless, but only in close combat. In addition, if the Death Swarm is slain in the assault phase before he is fought, he may still make attacks at initiative step one as if he were alive, so long as any models in the unit still survive. So unless they're totally wiped before any of them fight, then they all get to fight, regardless of whether they died or not. Um, they're stasis bombs. A unit equipped with stasis bombs counts as being equipped with defensive grenades. Uh, in addition, models making fallback rolls when fleeing from combat with this unit must roll an additional D6 and select the lowest result. So it's going to be hard to get away from them. Um, in the shooting phase, one model in the unit may throw a stasis bomb. The weapon has the following profile. Range 6 inches. Strength X. AP 2. Small blast, so 3-inch blast. Pinning. Gets hot. Fleshbane 2+. plus. So it's a pretty nasty uh, shooting attack. It's very similar to destroyers with their phosphex grenades or phosphex bombs. So these guys are basically space wolf destroyers. So these guys are really <laughs> very points heavy. I mean, 300 points for these guys is pretty high. They do have artificer armor, but they have no invulnerable save. So they're going to be fairly squishy. Um, I don't, I actually, I don't find any problem with these guys. Like, I, I think they're fine. I, I don't. You know what I mean? I, I don't know how you feel about them. They don't score, and they're a lot of points. So you're going to have to be careful, you know, really loading your army up with them. You know, maybe run a squad. I mean, you can run more than one, you know, if you just really like them, but you're going to be really short on scoring units just because how many points they cost. They have the option to take a Rhino, correct? A Rhino, a Land Raider Phobos, or a Land Raider Proteus. Okay, so they could be drop-potted in in Orbital Assault. So, yeah, that's a pretty yeah. cool unit. I mean, it's a cool unit. It's expensive as fuck. Yeah, like, and people are gonna know what it does, so yeah, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. So the next unit they have are their uh, uh, Varagar Wolfguard Terminators. So these guys, you get five of them for two hundred and seventy points. I call them um, Varangian Terminators, by the way. Just we need to <laughs> just because, like, remember, like it was like rumored that that's what they were called. And I was like, man, that's so cool. Varangian Heresy gets like their own Terminators. <laughs> So, so these, these guys have the exact same stats as any generic Terminator unit, except that they're weapon skill five. So they're basically just <clears> weapon <throat> skill five generic Terminators. And the sergeant uh, guy has an extra wound and also the extra leadership, just like a normal sergeant. So they get a two wound sergeant and plus one weapon skill. Other than that, they're like normal Terminators as far as stat line. Um. So they come stock standard with a frost blade, and you get to choose whether that's an axe claw or sword. So once again, it's the same as a power weapon equivalent, only it's specialist weapon with plus one strength. They have a combi bolter, and they come in cataphracty armor. For special rules, they are legion sturdy space wolf. Um, so that means they're going to end up being weapon skill six on the charge, which is pretty cool. They cause fear. They have implacable advance, so they will be scoring. They're stubborn. They have crushing charge. Crushing charge gives them... Uh, hammer of wrath if they charge a unit that's six inches away or further and uh, the hammer of wrath attack is a solved it solved at strength five so that's kind of cool and they have lord's bane uh, lord's bane models equipped with this rule may accept challenges as if they were a character in combat in addition when fighting in a challenge uh, if the enemy of the challenger is killed then they may add plus one to combat result so it's kind of like chosen warriors where you can accept a challenge with anybody in your squad, but they get the added benefit as if they win that challenge, then you add plus one to your combat result. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, 
like I said, they're 270 for the five guys. Um, you can buy up to five additional guys for 42 points apiece. They can take a Land Raider Phobos, a Land Raider Proteus, or a Spartan, depending on number of models, just like normal. Um, any model may exchange their Frostblade for a Power Fist for free, a Chain Fist for five points, a Thunder Hammer for five points. Any model may exchange their Combi Bolter for one of the following weapons. Uh, a Combi Weapon for five points, a second Frostblade Axe or Sword for five points, so they can be dual-armed like Red Butchers, but you can mix and match, so you can do a Sword and an Axe, so you have a Add Initiative Weapon and a um, Unwieldy Weapon that's AP2, which is pretty cool. Um, a Heavy Flamer for 10 points, a Reaper Auto Cannon for 15 points. So that means you can have a whole squad of guys with heavy flamers or a whole squad of guys with Reaper auto cannons as well. Um, if you pay the points for it. And then the sergeant in the unit can take a grenade harness for plus 10 points. Okay. So these guys are very cool. They're only one wound, so they're fairly fragile. But you, if you load them up with the com close combat options, when it be close combat beast, you could give them all... There'd be really cool modeling opportunities where you can like dual arm them all, give do a mix of like swords, axes, claws, fists, you know, whatever. It'd be neat. Um, I don't think these guys are like broken, overpowered at all. They they actually pointed them pretty appropriately. I mean, these are pretty expensive for just one wound terminators. Yeah. I mean, I I don't I don't have a problem with these guys. I don't know what you think. No, they're fluffy. They're not extreme like they're not overpowered they're they're just a unit of what i would have like this is a unit what i imagined space wolves would get in their army like this is like a unit that i was like yeah that makes sense pretty cool all right so gray slayer pack so this is one going back to the book seven stuff that i have a slight issue with but we'll go through it so gray slayer pack are basically their replacement tactical squad that we talked about. These are what they have to take as core troops. So they're 125 points for 10 guys. So same points cost as a tactical unit. Um, they have the exact same stats as tactical Marines. So they're just like in the sergeants, the same as a tactical sergeant. So they're essentially tactical Marines um, in all but name as far as base stuff. And they're 125 points. Um, they come stock standard with bolt pistol, close combat weapon uh, or chainsword. So if there's something that later on needs a chainsword or whatever, you can pick either or. But they function force to trade in your bolter for a close combat weapon. They have Legion Stardy, Space Wolf, and Warrior Metal special rules, and they may select a Rhino as a dedicated transport. So Warrior Metal. So models of this special rule may not voluntarily go to ground, but may re-roll fail pinning test and may make charge moves after running and or firing bolters, but suffer a minus one to their charge distance if they do so. So these guys can fire double tap with their bolter if you buy the bolter upgrade and charge or run and then still charge. Right. Extremely good. Yeah, it's very good. You can buy up to 10 additional Grace Slayers for 10 points a guy, so you can buy these guys up to a full 20-man, just like a tactical squad, once again for the same points as normal tacticals. These guys have basically traded Fury of the Legion for this Warrior Metal rule. Um, any model in the squad may 
take one of the following options. Uh, so you can take a bolter for two points each. You can take a combat shield for three points each. You can take heavy chain blades for three points each. Uh, they may exchange their close combat weapon for a power weapon for five points each. That's what I have a problem with. Every model in the squad has access to power weapons, and they're only five-point power weapons, which is half the points cost of anything else in the game. Yeah, and their troop choices. Uh, and, and So for 50 points, you get a whole unit of dudes with power axes on a unit that's... So basically for 175 you get a whole unit of tactical marines that gets to charge and then ru or run and then charge afterwards with squad-wide power weapons. And it's a little... Well, what else? I mean, like, it, the 10-point the power weapon is... Veterans get 10... Vet, it's on... It's 10 points for veterans, and yeah. they can take them squad-wide. Um, then for char any character in the game has to pay 15 points for them. And then sergeants in other squads have to pay ten points for them. Hmm. Yeah, I guess any I'm... other any other special unit that has access to power weapons, it's always ten points. Yeah, I was kind of thinking because like assault marines also have it, but they're like their benefit is they can move faster. And then you're looking at independent characters who'd be able to get it have the option of being in a two plus save, whereas like a three up save Graceler unit's pretty fragile in thirty k. I mean, just yeah, but you're talking the whole squad gets the weapons for only five points a guy. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, if I'm looking at a power weapon, fucking Grayslayer squad, I know where I'm going to point my Stormlord. Like I know, well, that's got to die right. real quick. Right, but what I'm saying is these are core troops and they're cheap. You can yeah. just like take three or four squads of them, no issues, and it's going to be pretty hard to erase all of them before they get into your lines and multi assault and kill lots of shit. I gotcha. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I see the um, I see the discounted price because they they aren't moving faster than normal and they are limited to a three up save like that's I, I can they are moving faster they can run and then charge well but and not. there's other there's other rights of war we haven't got into yet that make them even faster than that I got gotcha. you go ahead um so uh for every five models in the squad one model may take uh an option previously different than the ones listed, a combi weapon for five points, which again, half price to everybody else exchange their close combat weapon for a power fist for 10 points. Once again, cheaper than everybody else, uh, exchange their close combat weapon for a lightning claw for 10 points, cheaper than everybody else. Exchange their bolt pistol for a hand flamer, 10 points cheaper than everyone else. Exchange their bolt pistol for a plasma pistol for 10 points, cheaper than everyone else. Uh, one Gray Slayer may take a Muncie Ovox for 10 points. One Gray Slayer may take a Vexilla for 10 points. The Sergeant, the Huskarl, uh, may take one of the following options. Exchange your close combat weapon for a Power Fist for 10 points. Uh, lightning Call for 10 points. Uh, com close combat weapon for a Frost Weapon for 15 points. Exchange your close combat weapon for a t Thunder Hammer for 20 points. Exchange Bolt Pistol for a Hand Flamer for 10. Uh, bolt Pistol for Plasma Pistol for 10 bolt pistol and close combat weapon for a pair of lightning claws for 15 uh may take artificer armor for 10 and may take melted bombs for five so um and you got to remember that these guys get the the core space wolf special rules so they're going to be weapon skill five when they charge 
and then if you charge them, they're still getting their bonus attack, their dual arm. So it's basically just saying it's like the perfect storm for the points cost once you start adding in upgrades. These guys are pretty cheap for what they do. Yeah. They're far better than tactical marines. Oh, yeah. The, um, the, one of the one of the big things is uh, nobody's really sure on how the compulsory troop choice works. You have to take them as your compulsory. Yes. For Grace Slayers. So a lot of people are wondering if that r- limits them from taking certain rights of war. Uh, because, like... Because the rights of war alter it further where it says... Like, some of them... Some of them say you must take these yeah. as your compulsory troops, like um, Armored Breakthrough, for example. And it, and so that's like saying, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Does it specifically state that they can't take any rights of war? That It, it doesn't say that, but it says that you must take Gray Slayers as your compulsory troops. You must take at least two units of Gray Slayers for your compulsory troops. And so a lot of people are taking that as it limits the rights of war they're allowed to take because they can't fulfill their compulsory troop choices with like assault squads or, or other. It's definitely something they're going to FAQ. They're going to have to FAQ the one HQ per a thousand points anyway. Um, just because it, you know, once again, if you play a larger game, hang on, I'm flipping back to read it myself. Detachments must fulfill their compul. Okay. A detachment. Only gray slayer units may be taken as compulsory troop choices in a space wolf detachment. All other troop choices found in Legion of Stardust. No, I don't think that that means that. I think that's basically meaning that they're basically just re- like everything becomes support except them. So if you have compulsory troop choices that need to be filled by core units, it's these guys. But if you take a right of war that's that gives you a different compulsory troop, I would think that that's no different than normal. I just think they worded it weird. That's just me, though. Yeah. So if some if Space Wolf player wanted to play Armored Breakthrough and they took their two Predators as their compulsory because it makes you do that, yeah, I think that's fine. I don't. I basically just think that this is saying that these guys are basically your only core troop choice, unless you have a right that unlocks something different. I could see it either way. It's definitely something that tournament organizers are going to have to decide. Me personally, I'm going to say that if you have a right of war that unlocks a different core choice. That is that makes you take a different core choice, then it would be fine with me. But it's it's one of those things that's going to have to be FAQ'd, right? So just keep in mind that that's my opinion. It's certainly not official. I'm not you know the spokesperson or mouth of Games Workshop. Um, and after things like the grenade FAQ, I, I don't. I've given up trying to guess the direction in which they'll rule things. So, <laughs> um, just ask your TO. If if I were your TO. I would allow it. I don't see an issue with it. Um, I think personally rules as intended. I think they're just basically saying that these are the one core troop choice you have. Everything else in these standard core troops becomes um, uh, support. And then if you take a right of war that gives you something else, you would be able to take that something else. If they included the line that's, you know, because they always include that line that says this may make it to where you can't take other rights of war when that's intended. Right. And that's not, that's not in here. That's why I'm leaning towards, I don't think that it matters. Okay. So anyway, so their other special unit that they get are these priests of Fenris guys. 
So these are the guys that they get in place of uh, the Chaplain, Primus Medicae, and what was the other one? There was something else. Anyway. Yeah, Chaplain, Chaplain. Primus Medicae, and they're limited to consoles in general. Like they're limited from like normal consoles. No, you can take take any normal console. It's just you can't take... Here. Let's read it again. Oh, it says that yeah. it says any deta- it says you have to take one HQ choice per one thousand. Um, so, for example, if the army is so a single HQ, blah blah blah, the chaplain, librarian, and primatus K types are not available, being replaced with priest of Fenris. That's right. Okay. It says other HQ choices or console types uh, may not be selected as compulsory HQ choices. So you can still take like a vigilator or whatever. He just can't be compulsory and if you t- you can't take a chaplain librarian or primus medicaid those are the only three you can never take and instead you have to take offenders so when you take a priest a priest offenders has a console stat line so weapon skill ballistic skill five strength toughness four two wounds initiative four three attacks leadership nine three plus armor so no different um so when you pick it when you take a priest you have to decide whether he's going to be a speaker of the dead or a caster of runes so if he's a, they both, both guys, regardless, have bolt pistol, frag and crack grenades, refractor field, so they automatically come with the refractor field and power armor. Um, if you're, if you select Speaker of the Dead, they also come with a power maul, healing balms, and garm blood vial. Um, if you select a caster of the runes, they uh, come with a force weapon and runic matrix. So we'll go through this war gear. So basically, if you you'll know you'll recognize these guys if you play 40k. A speaker of the dead is essentially like a wolf priest in 40k, where they're kind of a combination uh, chaplain medic. So the oath of the dead is the speaker of the dead and any unit with the Legion Astarte Space Wolf special rule they have joined gain the preferred enemy infantry special rule. So it's kind of like diet. Because normally you gain Zealot, which is Hatred and Fearless. These guys just give Preferred Enemy Infantry, which is a much weaker version of that. But on the upside, they also have the um, Healing Balms, which is any unit they have joined gains 5 plus Feel No Pain. So they're kind of like a Diet Chaplain, but they're also a Primus Medicae. Right. So you're, you're kind of giving up a little on the offensive end to gain a little bit more defense. So you're kind of combining the two, um, which is pretty cool. Um, the Caster of Ruins has this Runic Matrix. Uh, the Runic Matrix allows a Psyker to re-roll a single Deny of the Witch test per turn, but their controlling player may not utilize more than four Warp Charge dice to manifest any single use of a Psychic Power for a model equipped with the Runic Matrix. So if you if you um, your model equipped with the runic matrix goes to manifest um, invisibility and it's warp charge two and they they can't throw more than four dice at it to try it they have to throw four or less so that's the drawback on it the advantage is they get to reroll uh, deny the witch um, there are special rules that they both get is um, legion of Stardy space wolves independent character and priest of Fenris. So Priest of Fenris is what we went over. When selecting Priest of Fenris, you must choose whether they're speaking of the dead or caster of runes, and then they gain the appropriate war gear. So common sense there. Uh, Speaker of the dead is fearless, so they do gain fearless. So instead of hatred, they have preferred enemy infantry. 
Um, and Oath of the Dead, which we already went over. That's the preferred enemy. The Caster of Runes gains Psychic Mastery Level 1. Uh, note that they may generate their powers from Biomancy, Divination, or Telekinesis. So, as far as war gear options, um, the Priest of Fenris may take one of the following. They can take a Bolter for 2 points, Combi Weapon for 10, Volkite Charger for 10. Uh, they may exchange their Bolt Pistol for a Serpenta, Volkite Serpenta for 5, Hand Flamer for 5, Plasma Pistol for 15, Power Weapon for 15, Power Fist for 20, Single Lightning Call for 20, Combat Shield for 5. They may take Melted Bombs for 5 points. This is all standard, pretty much console stuff. Uh, the Priest of Fenris may exchange their Power Armor for Artificer Armor for 10, or the uh, Ether Rune Armor for 30. That's Remember, that's the Artificer Armor that gives you an extra wound. Um, or Terminator Armor and Combi Bolter for 20. If this is chosen, the Terminator Armor option shown for the Centurion in the Legion, Legion of Stardis Age of Darkness list, rather than the previously listed options, are available to the character instead. The Priest of Fenris, Caster of Runes, may gain a second mastery level for 20 points. And they're 105 points base. So, pretty cool. I don't I don't think they're out of control or anything like that. They're about what I would expect. They're no. pretty close to their 40k equivalent if you play 40k. No problems there. Um, so, I think, let's see. So, we got their special characters to go over. So, they get... Hang on. Okay, so Gregor Fellhand. So this is the character that comes in the Prospero box. He's 135 points. He's weapon skill 5, ballistic skill 5, strength 4, tough 4, 3 wounds, initiative 5, 3 attacks, leadership 9, 3 plus armor. So he's essentially a console slash centurion with an extra wound. Um, he has bolt pistol, bolter. The Fell Hand, which is his close combat weapon, which is plus one strength, AP2, uh, Mastercrafted Shred. So it's an AP2 Lightning Claw, basically. He's got Frag and Crack Grenades, Refractor Field, and he's, like I said, he's in Power Armor. He has Independent Character, Warrior Metal, so he'll get to charge after he runs or shoots. Uh, Master of the Legion. Uh, if he's your army's warlord, then he has the Crown Breaker trait rather than rolling randomly. Uh, see page 224. So that is the special crown breaker. So the warlord has the preferred enemy independent character special rule and feel no pain five plus when fighting in a challenge. So he's a pretty nice little character for 135. I don't think he's anything crazy. Whatever. Pretty cool. What do you think? Uh, I think he's a very like badass character for like how ugly his model is and like how like stupid he looks like he's like he's yeah. legit like <laughs> yeah i mean i definitely think he's worth the 135 i mean he's got an ap2 you know power claw and he's got three wounds um he's not very defensive with just a three plus armor save and a five up in bowl he's sneaky um, he's like a sneaky character like unless you like unless you like pre-read his rules you somebody could easily hide him in a unit of Grace Slayers, and you go, wait, what? AP two shred. <laughs> the problem with that is because Grace Slayers come stock standard ten guys. Oh yeah, you're gonna have to take to fit him in or a Charybdis. Yeah. So it's not. I get what you're saying though, because he has the same <clears throat> rules in where he can keep up. Yeah. So, uh, last character they got is Harvel, uh, Harvel Redblade. Um, so he's 210 points. 
he has a Praetor stat line, exactly a Praetor stat line, so nothing different from a normal Praetor. He's got uh, Hearth Spitter, which is his uh, axe. It's plus two strength AP2 melee armor bane, so it's a plus two strength power axe without unwieldy and armor bane instead, so that's pretty baller. Um, he has a heavy bolter, <laughs> which is sort of random um, for a shooting weapon. He has a grenade harness, an iron halo, and Tartarus Terminator armor. So I actually can't wait to see this model because he's going to have like a big fucking axe and then like probably a built-fed underarm slung heavy bolter in Tartarus armor. He'd probably look pretty baller. It'd be a cool conversion, you know, until they get the model. He kind of reminds me of uh, that Astro Militarum guy. What was his name? Militarum. You mean Imperial Guard? Imperial Guard. Um, yeah. <laughs> veteran, Sergeant, veteran Sergeant Harker. Yeah, Harker. He just had that big ass, like no shirt. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> um, so special rules. He's got independent character, battle cunning, Legion of Stardy Space Wolves, Master Legion. He causes fear, and he has the Warlord trait, Head Taker. So the Warlord trait, Head Taker. So what it does is, uh, if he's your Warlord, both he and the Legion of Stardy Space Wolf infantry units from his detachment within 12 inches have preferred enemy infantry. So everybody within 12 inches of him and his detachment will get preferred enemy infantry, which is pretty good. Um, so battle cunning is other special rules. Up to three infantry units, which are in the same detachment as Harville Redblade, may be given the scout special rule. So this is what I was talking about, stuff like this, with what you were talking about, the guys putting them in rhinos and this and that. You know, they can start really far up the field, <coughs> move six, run, then move. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're going to be able to get a lot of two second turn charges with these guys um and then uh like i said he's 210 points so once again i don't think this guy's out of control i think he's a good character you know probably well worth his points i mean nothing crazy but pretty solid just a big ass dude <laughs> just running along with his yeah. boys so lastly we have lehman russ so this is the uh, the thing that a lot of people have an issue with in the space wolf rules <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, so he's 455 points. He's weapon skill nine, which is important. We'll get to that later. Uh, ballistic skill six, strength six, tough six, six wounds, initiative seven, six attacks, leadership ten, two plus armor save. He has the armor of Alvengar, the axe of Hellwinter, the sword of Balin Light or Bale Knight, Scorn Spitter, frag grenades. He has the Primarch Special Rule, which is Independent Character, Eternal Warrior, Fear, Adamantium Will, Fleet, Fearless, It Will Not Die, Master of the Legion, Precision Shots, Precision Strikes. He has Sire of the Space Wolves, Breaker of Shields, Bringer of Ruin, and he is bulky. So, Sire of the Space Wolves. Uh, Lehman Rust has Night Vision, Counterattack, Hunter's Gate, and Preternatural Senses. So he gets all these Space Wolves Legion of Stardis rules, basically, um, even though he's not Legion of Stardis. A Space Wolf force-containing Lehman Russ uh, gains plus one leadership bonus to all of its units with the Legion of Stardis Space Wolf rule to a maximum of 10. And Lehman Russ himself has the Howl of Death special rule, see page 244, uh, which he may use once per game. So let's look at Howl of Death. Howl of Death. So Howl of Death. Once per game, 
uh, you may be declared the use of this special rule at the start of your player turn. For the duration of that player turn only, all run and charge distances made from models in the army, which have the Legion of Sardis Spatial Special Rule, may be re-rolled. So you can re-roll all run and charge distances for a turn. So it's very much like an orc wog, except you're howling. It's pretty much exactly like an orc wog. Um, so, uh, Circle of Varagir. Uh, if Lehman Rust is your warlord, then the primary detachment which c- contains him may select uh, Varganir, Wolfguard, Terminator squads, and Legion veteran tactical squads as compulsory troop choices taken in their force organization chart. Says this represents the Wolfguard Huskarls of Russ at their own great company. Uh, blah blah blah. So my thing is getting back to your point about always having to take Grace Slayers. This would mean that Lehman Russ's rule didn't work if what you were saying was true. So that's why I don't think it's true. We got to take them in addition. No, it says maybe taken as compulsory troop choices. Well, obviously, if you always had to take the other guys as compulsory, these guys could never be compulsory. Gotcha. So that leads evidence to what I was saying about they're your only unless you take a right of war that unlocks something else. The plot thickens. So Breaker Shields, Bringer of Ruin, Lehman Russ wields two different weapons, uh, Bale Knight and Hellwinter. In the assault phase, the controlling player may split the number of attacks, including any for charging and counterattack. Between these two weapons as they see fit, note the additional attack for using two weapons is already included in his profile. So he's six attacks base, seven on the charge, or if you charge him, he gets counterattack, so still seven. You can choose to split those up however you want. You're, it doesn't say so, but the way that's normally, you don't like roll them one at a time and go, I want to switch now. Usually you have to assign them. Like three of them will be sword attacks, three of them will be, four of them will be axes or whatever. Um, the armor. So this is the big issue that a lot of people have. The armor of uh, Al- Alvengar. We need the Varangian guys to tell us how to say this shit. Maybe they Alvin don't know either. Monk's armor. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Gives the model a two plus armor save and a four plus invulnerable save, which increases to a three plus invulnerable against flamer, melta, and plasma weapons of any kind. It's pretty good. In addition, models in base contact with Russ at their initiative step of the sub-fight phase, sub-fight phase, suffer a minus one to hit penalty, remember we went over modifiers, in assault, increasing to a minus two penalty if they have already been in assault for more than one round of close combat. So the reason this is so significant is his weapon skill nine, um, which we'll come back to it after I go through the rest of his war gear. So his sword, the sword of Bale Knight, is strength as user, so that's going to be six. AP two, melee shred lifesaver, lifesavers, sever Sever life. So sever life is any model that suffers one or more wounds from this weapon, but is still alive, uh, must roll two D six and compare this to the toughness. So it's essentially a toughness check on two dice. If the result rolled is greater than the toughness, the model suffers an additional D three wounds at AP two. Wounds generated in this manner never overspill into other models. It's pretty fucking brutal. Um, the Axe of Hellwinter is plus two strength, so it's going to be at strength eight. It's AP two, melee, sunder, mastercrafted. So it's going to be able to re-roll one miss in close combat and also re-roll failed armor pin rolls. 
Um, Scorn Spitter, which is his weapon, is range 12 inches, strength 4, AP 3, assault 3, rending. So this dude's a beast. So the, the reason the armor is so significant is being weapon skill 9, that's the same or higher than everyone in the game, except we talk, somebody brought up, which I knew this, but it's like it's not a naturally occurring 30k unit. Bloodthirster. A bloodthirster. Yeah. So it's not really a 30k unit. But everything in the game of 30k up to this point has been weapon skill 9 or less, meaning that you're going to need 4s to hit him, which will then increase to a 5 because of his armor, which then becomes a 6. So he essentially has automatic invisibility in close combat if you're touching his base after the first round of close combat. The, where it really becomes an issue is if you're double plus one weapon skill from somebody trying to hit you, so the average weapon skill in the game is four, then you need fives to hit them in close combat, which goes to a six round one, which then becomes a seven, which you can't roll in round two and beyond. So if like I charge in 10 cataphracty into Russ, I'm going to need sixes to hit him, and then the following round I just can't hit him. Like, I'm not even rolling any dice. He just stands there invincible until he kills all my guys. Yeah. So it's kind of, kind of an issue. Now, that being said, it's only models in base-to-base, -base, so you can try to maybe cleverly line up your models so when you charge, you plug his base frontage up with other models so that when your models coming in behind don't actually touch his base. They're just touching their the guys in front of the base. Because to be considered in close combat, you just need to be within two inches of a model in base-to-base -base with him. Yeah. So you can still fight him without actually touching his base if you're clever about how you position your model. So it's something you're going to have to think about when combating this. The other thing that somebody came up with, which I thought, it's, it's a little gamey, but it is what it is. This ability is pretty fucking OP and probably wasn't thought out very well. So it is what it is. Use whatever you can to defeat it. If you use bikes, because they have that real long oval base, put your bikes in base contact with him sideways to cover more of his base frontage. Because <laughs> only, like, only like three bikes fit around him and then the rest, then everything else charging in isn't touching him. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. That's... You can do the same thing with Dreadnoughts. Like, because he's going to have a hard time killing a Leviathan because he doesn't have like great vehicle killing weapons. Hit him with the Leviathan first because it's going to suck up so much area. You're not going to be able to get as many models in base to base. So then all your other ones just pile in behind and still fight him, but aren't taking the penalty. Things like that. I just like a bouncer Leviathan. Like, no, no, don't you hurt my boys. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it is what it is. I, I mean, the main problem people have with it is this guy will like almost auto, like he almost auto defeats any other Primarch in the game. Like he kind of makes them look silly. And, it, and a lot of them, it's not even hard. For him to defeat him, which Giancarlo with Pearls of the Wallet, as we were recording this, just dropped a video that I saw. I haven't seen it yet, but it says Lehman Rust versus all the other Primarchs, and I saw all the other Primarchs were on the table. Yeah, so, so I think he like ran. I, I understand. I understand why people have an issue with it. That being said, against shooting attacks, he's no different than any other Primarch. So if you can catch him with shooting on the way in, he's going to die like any other Primarch for the most part. He's only a 2-up, 4-up. It does increase to a 3-up against Plasma and Melta, but a lot of Primarchs have already have a 3-up save anyway. Um, the problem, the biggest issue I have is the negative modifier because of how it affects the core game rules and how it makes it to where certain times it's impossible to do anything to him, which I just feels like a fucking lame mechanic. Nobody, 
wants to be stuck in a situation where they're not even rolling dice and things are just automatically happening and you have no shot at all, which is pretty lame. Yeah. It's It's just more of an unfun mechanic, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's one of those, well, I guess I'll just go fuck myself then. Right. It's, it's a little, it is what it is. It's, it's a lot of this shit in book seven is kind of like that, unfortunately. Um, so there are two rights of war. So the first one is, I can't read it. It's the pale something. Um, so the effects are circling wolves. The controlling player gets plus one to their reserve rolls for units in this detachment. Note that a roll of a one still fails to bring the unit in, however. So it's pretty good. Um, bleed and Hari. All infantry units other than those in Terminator armor within this detachment with the Legion of Stardy Space Wolf special rule gain the hit and run special rule, except that to, they need to roll 2d6 instead of 3 for the distance move. Hit and run is a super powerful ability. I used to use the whites of our rules in 40k and it's super underrated. So that's a really powerful ability. Um, the Fury of the Pack. If a Space Wolf unit in this detachment using this right of war successfully charges into an assault against an enemy unit, which is already locked in assault, then the assaulting unit gains plus 1 additional charging attack per model. So it essentially gives you rage. Yeah. Um, the benefits are pretty good there. So limitations using this right of war, you may not take artillery or fortification type units or drop pods of any kind. Okay. So no dread claws, no quad mortars, none of that stuff. Um, detachments using this right of war may only take a single heavy support choice as far as their force organization chart. So I feel like this right of war gives you some really good abilities, but it's got some pretty harsh drawbacks. So I feel like it's pretty fair. I don't think it. I th- I think people will use it, um, but I don't think it's like, like cheesy in any way. No, I don't think it's cheesy. Um, not with those drawbacks. So th- no. So the second right of war is the bloodied claws. Uh, so effects oath of the bloodied claw. All Grayslayer units and assault squads in this attachment gain the furious assault rule. Um, but must always charge if the enemy unit must always charge an enemy unit in the assault phase if they are able. I don't know why you wouldn't anyway. If multiple targets are available, what does that mean though? Like, it means you measure able. If able, it means it means if if the maximum charge distance is attainable. Yeah, twelve inches. Well, it'd be your minus two through cover. Oh, so ten inches. If if through cover, so you just factor in everything measure what you would need and if it's obtainable by rolling the dice and making if the if the assault is possible then you have to at least attempt it okay so it's not really that big of a drawback um but you gain furious charge which is obviously good overwhelming assault all units in this army add a bonus of plus 1 to their combat resolution when in the enemy's deployment zone that can be handy um howl of the death wolf the detachment gains the Howl of the Wolf Death Wolf special rule. That's where they basically gain a wog. This means that if the army's warlord also has this special rule, this may be used twice per battle. So if you have Russ in this thing, you can guarantee that you're getting two wogs per game, which is pretty good. Detachments using this right of war may not take any mobile units, artillery, or slow but purposeful units. Not really a big deal. Detachments just using right of war may not take an allied space marine detachment. Also not a big deal. I think of the two rights of war, this one's clearly the better of the two. Yeah. 
Um, I think gray slayers are kind of funny because they make a big deal out of they can run and then charge, but they're minus one to their charge roll. But then all space wolves, when they run, get plus one to their run. Yep. So it's kind of. And then when you howl, when you howl, when you howl of the death wolf, you get to re-roll runs and charges. So you'll be able to move six, run d6 plus one with a re-roll, then charge two d6 minus one with a re-roll. So I guess what I'm saying is you can take a rhino, move up six, get out six, run six, or d6 plus one. Then on the next turn, move six, run d6 plus one with a re-roll, charge two d6 minus one with a re-roll. So you could almost do like an old school rhino rush army really easy and you're going to be getting a turn two charge with almost your entire army if it's like things with warrior metal. Yeah. Imagine that in a land raider. It's no no different because you can't, you're not going to be able to charge turn one in a land raider. It's going to be the same coming out of a rhino because you've just gotten out of the rhino of the turn before. I guess what you're saying with the land raiders, you're getting protection all the way up until the point that you get out. And then also it's assault vehicle, so I don't think you'll get turn one, but you will. Right, that's yeah, what I'm getting at. The yeah. Rhino, you have to get out turn one in order yeah. to assault turn two, where the Land Raider, you're not gaining any distance, but you're gaining protection. Yeah. Protection all the way up until the turn you get out. Yeah. So, once again, these guys are clearly better than a lot of stuff that's come before. They get, like, their troop choices are just better than anybody else has access to. They got a pretty good right of war. Lehman Russ is the best Primark in close combat. Um, the Wolf Priests are good. They're just solid. Like, if this was the only thing in Book 7 that was, like, people were... I don't think people would have bitched. It's the fact that there's lots of other stuff in the book that this also catches their attention, if that makes any sense. Yeah. As a whole, I don't really have a problem with them. I, I wish that they would have done something different with Russ's armor just because, like we said, the negative modifying dice mechanic is just a stupid fucking mechanic to use and it causes a lot of problems especially on a weapon skill 9 model no one likes invisibility especially passive invisibility that you don't have to roll for don't have to turn off and always works okay so lastly the last like special unit or whatever <clears throat> we save this till the end because you have to take Russ in order to take these you have the wolf kin of Russ, which are the big He-Man looking toy wolf things they came out with. <laughs> um, so you have to take both, and you can only take them in an army that has Lehman Russ in it. So there are 100 points, and you get both of them, and they're unique, obviously. Other uh, beasts. So if people haven't used beasts before, beasts move 12 inches in the movement phase. Um, they have fleet. They have move through cover, I believe. Um uh, when they charge, they ignore dangerous terrain, I believe. People just have to look up the beast rules if you're not familiar with them. Um, so the war gear, they don't have any war gear. They just have tooth and claw, which is their basic melee attacks. For special rules, they have wolfkin of Russ, fearless, they cause fear, preternatural senseless, senses, rampage, five plus feel no pain, um, Gary, or Geary, <laughs> Gary, Jerry, Jerry, I don't know. Sure. Girai is probably something like Norse. Whatever. Girai. Uh, that one gets Precision Strikes, and then the other one gets Crusader. Um, and they're very bulky, so they're each going to take up three spots. So if you take Russ, who's bulky, and these two things, that's two, that's eight transport slots right there. 
between them. So, uh, the Wolfkin of Russ. They can only be taken when Russ is present. If they're chosen as part of an army, they are treated as an HQ choice. <laughs> so so far as any special rule objective or mission is concerned, but do not take up a force organization slot. Uh, these two frenzied wolves are of uh, large size, cunning, intelligence. They must be deployed within six inches of Lehman Russ at the start of the game. Um, if, let's see... Or if Lehman Russ begins the game in reserve or on the board in a transport, they must be with him and may be transported in a vehicle so long as Russ is also being transported. Once deployed, however, each wolf is treated as an entirely separate unit which cannot join other units, except for if they were within six inches of Lehman Russ uh, uh, where they can look out. Sir, look out, sirs may be rolled by the primary for two plus. So Russ can look out, sir, to them even though they're not technically part of his unit. Um the Wolfkin are never considered to be scoring units, but may be used as denial units in missions where this is a factor. So their basic close combat attacks uh, are strength as user AP4 with rending. So their stats are uh, weapon skill 5, ballistic skill 0, strength 5, tough 5, 4 wounds, initiative 5, 3 attacks, leadership 8, uh, 5-plus armor. And then, like I said, I said earlier, they have a 5-plus feel no pain. So they're all right. I mean, 100 points. If you have an extra 100 points and you like this kind of st- thing, more power to you. <laughs> you sound like you're not a fan of the Wolfkin. We've, we've talked about this many times. <laughs> about large animals in heresy. So. So that's yeah. it for that. That's that's the last two. I mean, that's it. That's all for the Space Wolves, man. For the Space Wolves. I don't think they're that bad. I think... Uh, Gray Slayers, I think it's really their their war gear is just way too cheap, and the amount of options the squad gets, like when you take a tactical squad that literally gets nothing except the sergeant, and you switch it over to a squad in which every single member has a huge list of things they can take, and they get like all of those things at a major discount, um, and all the other things that Space Wolves get are close combat oriented, which is what these things are. It's just kind of Oh, it's a little rough. It's kind of a tough pill to swallow for other people that run, you know, assault-oriented legions uh, like World Eaters or Night Lords or Blood Angels or whatever. I mean, we can't really say, I guess, Blood Angels because we don't really know exactly what they're going to get. Yeah. Um, but they're definitely, and this is all, once again, my opinion, uh, they're definitely not as bad as the Thousand Sons. Uh, and like I said, if, if these were, if the rest of, if the rest of the stuff in book seven haven't, hadn't raised major flags, I probably wouldn't have thought too much about these guys other than, um, Lehman Russ is kind of silly. It, it just seems kind of weird that he is so much better in a Primarch challenge than any other Primarch. I mean, I, I that's kind of his thing. Uh, but it's it shouldn't be as one-sided as it appears to be against a lot of the primarchs, I guess. He's just an ass kicker. Yeah. Yep. No, I see you, man. Uh, one thing I did, they, uh, Derek pointed out to me is none of the primarchs or primarchs units or anything like that underneath them have, uh, this unit can only be taken in a traitor army or blah, 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 blah. Like in any of the. Okay. Uh, 
I don't know. I just thought that was kind of weird. Like for any any the entire book doesn't have that. So. Um, there's not a whole lot of that in the past. I mean, wor- word bearers can only be traitor. You can't have any word bearers that aren't traitor. There's none in existence. Mm-hmm. I can't really think of too many other units that say traitor only. Or traitor or loyalist. I mean, that's in every book on the Legion of Stardace, like uh, the book. A little yeah. Box. Yeah, every, I see it. Every unit has it. All of them say both. Huh? Almost all of them say both. There's very few that say traitor only or loyalist only. I don't know. I would say like 90% of them tell you that you can't have them. Really? Yeah. I've never really paid that close of attention. I've never... We don't have anybody here at the game club that... I know that a lot of... Almost all the characters say that, but as far as units themselves... Oh, yeah. Um, There's few few units themselves, but all the characters, all the Primarchs, definitely all the Primarchs, uh, and... Yeah, there's few units themselves, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right. All the, all the characters and few yeah. units, yeah. I guess because there's so many special characters in it, that's why I was thinking it. But yeah. okay, but yeah, no, none of nothing in this book has uh, either loyalist or traitor only. It's kind of weird. Even the characters. Yeah, even the characters don't have it. Mm, how very forty k of them. And uh, Lehman, Lehman Russ also doesn't have it. Uh, Magnus doesn't have it. So, I guess in an event. <laughs> Like, oh, there could be a Loyalist Magnus. Like, somebody just jumps on Loyalist Magnus real quick. And then all the other traders are like, fuck. <laughs> and, then, and then somebody jumps on Trader Lehman Russ real quick. And then, like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that was funny. But anyway. So, while we were recording, or right before you were telling me, Somebody posted a story already about the the um, thousand sons. Fight, yeah, fight. they they fought a, a Magn- fought, They fought a Magnus today with salamanders. Four thousand points. They said he had 50, 50 dice, which I don't believe, but at four thousand points. Yeah, believe it. I made a list the other day with twenty at twenty five hundred points. He said. Uh, with warp speed, iron arm, and endurance, Magnus is strength 10, AP 1, instant death, toughness 9, initiative 10, 8 attacks on the charge. Uh, don't forget, also don't forget, Magnus will have at least three witchfire powers from Biomancy. Uh, yeah, he got his ass whooped. Let me see which page this was on. I believe it was on the either the Salamanders 30k group or the uh, the Thousand Sons. He won't always have three. He'll have at least two if he goes all biomancy because there's a chance you don't roll one because you're only getting five of the six. He said, Vulcan running to his death. Magnus is an absolute monster. My opponent rolled all five on biomancy. Honestly, the best choice hands down and just bitch slap my squad. I don't see way to counter Thousand Suns Death Stars other than Silence of Sisters or Sisters of Silence, period. This comes from Ben Jackson at the 30K Salamanders Players. 62 com is a fat thread because I like people <laughs> like we yeah. told you. Uh, he said, other than sister squads, please tell me how you can beat this. I'm pretty sure there's not much that can be done about it. And then, uh, well, the problem with sister squads, I've already looked. I mean, we're kind of jumping ahead till next week. Cause we'll get in more into it next week, but sisters don't turn off blessings. Yeah, they, they don't. So if you already have, if you, 
if you're out because you can't harness warp charge with your with, if you're within six inches of the ones that have the higher grade of whatever their thing is because there's like two different grades there's like an anti like the lower level that all sisters have that's a 12 inch bubble yeah and then there's one that there's one that only like an elite squad gets and like their characters get <coughs> and it's a six inch bubble so the problem with that is think about that within a six inch bubble you can't harness warp charge which means you can't cast powers because you don't actually have any warp charge. The problem is it's a six-inch bubble. Well, psyche phase happens after the movement phase. So they just move so away you, from you. <laughs> you just move six inches away and then harness away. Like it doesn't. So unless you're locked in combat, which when you're in combat you can't cast witchfire and a lot of shit anyway. So it's kind of stupid. Like I don't know what they were thinking when they designed it to be anti-psyker. You just move away from it. Unless I guess if they have you like totally surrounded where you can't. But you, I mean, it's kind of a dumb mechanic the way they have it set up. But we'll get into it next week. But anyway, all it does is allow you, and that's the higher grade one. Yeah. Um. So the higher grade one is you can't harness warp charge, but if you already have a blessing on you, so say Magnus casts invisibility or casts any of that stuff that he said, like iron arm and all that, it doesn't go away. Like you can cast all that stuff on yourself and then charge into a sister unit, and you're still going to have it all. Yep. So yeah. it, it doesn't doesn't really stop anything. Um, the only thing that I saw... Well, we'll get into it next week. There's one sister unit that Thousand Sons have to worry about. And other than that, I don't think they really... Like, it matters. Like, T-Sons are going to just tool sisters all day long except for one unit. And there's a reason why. Yeah, yeah. Somebody said, did you remember that Vulcan gives you re-rolls of Adamantian Will? And he says, yeah, except the old, that only works against powers that debuff or damage you. Blessings are unaffected. Correct. Because yeah. it's not actually him denying the witch. Yeah. Apparently it's pretty beat face. Uh, See, that's the thing. Same thing. The sister, like generic sister ability is all units within 12 inches of them can re-roll their deny the witch test. But once again, if you're just casting blessings on yourself, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> this guy said, uh, I was listening to the Radio Free Is Fun podcast, and Ryan Kimmel had one of his rants about the T-Suns being completely OP and game-breaking with their other psychic powers. Seems they are honestly just straight-up OP. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, I it's not. I know people wanted to see it on the tabletop, but I really just felt like I didn't need to see it. Like, I've seen all this in 40K. I've played against Screamer Star multiple times, and I've seen all this shit. It's nothing new to me. Yeah. I've not seen it in 30K before, but it's the exact same game. We're playing with the exact same rulebook. So I've seen all this before, just on different... So I guess what I'm saying is, it's bad enough on like some bullshit Demon Prince or uh, Herald of something that's like one-third of what a Primarch is, let alone stacked on top of a Primarch that's attached to a two-wound Terminator unit. Yeah. So it's, like, worse than the 40K equivalent in a lot of ways, but it is what it is. Like I said earlier, it I, I, I don't really blame the Thousand Suns players. I just don't... I can't wrap my brain around why these rules are written the way they are <laughs> and why things are, like why things only cost the way they are and why they allowed it to where 
you can have all these brotherhood of sorcerer units running around with zero restriction on what they can roll on. And, you know, cause I mean, like I said, if you hit iron arm or you hit warp speed or you hit precog on a brotherhood of sorcerer unit. So if you have a 10 man naked, a, a naked 10 man, um, veteran squad, right? Yeah. Just with bolters. Say you give them marksmen, you got 10 guys with, with bolters with marksmen. What I would do is give them, three power axes so there's three power axes in that unit and then you choose biomancy so if you hit uh iron arm all those guys are going to go to tough seven strength seven and all of their close combat attacks become ap2 axe guys are not and then when you fight in close combat you just choose to use the bolt pistol instead of the axe so you're not unwieldy so your entire unit is going to be on the charge 40 strength seven ap2 attacks then if you fight tanks you just smash with all of them, so they it's one attack per guy at strength 10 AP2. So you're just going to shred vehicles like people thought, you know, multi-bombing or melt-bombing is bad, and this is worse. If you don't hit Iron Arm, you might hit Endurance, which is going to give that whole unit a 4-up, feel no pain, or they can cast on somebody else. Also Relentless, so they'll be able to have 4-up, feel no pain, rapid-fire their bolt guns, and still charge into you. Or they'll hit Warp Speed, if they hit Warp Speed, they'll be initiative seven with seven attacks per guy on the charge. And three of those guys will fight at initiative one, but that's going to be 21 power axe attacks. <laughs> Just three guys. Cause you put three axes in there and that's not an expensive unit. I think that's a sub. Let's see night. That's just over 200 points. Yeah. It's like two. It's 160 base plus two what 25 or 20 for the mastery level i think it's so 20 80. for the mastery level yeah so whatever it's just slightly over 200 points because of the power axis and then you add power access to it yeah yep so i don't know for like one of the best units that like you could get nowadays like jesus christ and they can do the same thing with base base cataphracty um it's crazy because I mean everybody knows like I love chaplains. You put chaplains in unit because of the hatred, the reroll to hit. I mean you can just now just take any terminator squad you want, give them level one uh, divination, and then they they gain uh, prescience for free, which is like having it's better than having a chaplain in the unit because it's every round of combat you're rerolling to hit, and you're not giving um, up an HQ choice and like right, right, and it's only a twenty five point upgrade. And it's adding more dice to your pool for everybody else to cast powers. It's silly. Or you can go telekinesis, which isn't great, but it's just going to automatically, for free, make your invulnerable save a three up on cataphracty on every every cataphracty unit in your army because of the arcana, which is great. <laughs> That's you know why why play imperial fist when you can just. Pay twenty five right. points instead of getting storm 20. shields. You still get well. You don't have to pay twenty five points. Like you don't oh, have yeah, to yeah. have psychic mastery. You just say like these guys are telekinesis that aren't really telekinesis. So for free, they go to a three up invul. <laughs> Bonkers. So I don't know. You're not so special, Imperial Fist. Yeah, I don't know. There's a bunch of other combos. I'm not even really going to get into. People can find them on their own. Somebody just busted out their little fucking notepad, like Tim said. <laughs> They're just like, 
rewind. <laughs> rewind and go it's, back. I'm not saying anything that people aren't going to find in about two seconds. <laughs> it's pretty point and click. And like I said, the biggest issue with it is it's like... He skillfully rolled that. Yeah. I, my opponent... That's how battle reports... Like, me and Michael were joking about it. My opponent skillfully cast invisibility and I couldn't hurt him at all because I can't possibly roll sixes against Magnus. So he was invincible the entire game and skillfully went around and killed all my guys why I couldn't harm him. My <laughs> opponent is so good. I don't know how I will ever beat an opponent as skillful as him. Oh, it's so good. So, yeah, I don't know. Oh, well, buddy. It just sucks because, like I said, it's not even really like they have to, like at least in 40k, like when you play demons and you want to play Screamer Star, you um, have to take a certain combination of things to make it work. Where this is just like if you want to play your Legion special unit and you want to play your Primarch, it's pretty much broken right there. Like out the gate. Yeah, like it's just not. There's really no way. I guess if they just took him and didn't like just cast any psychic just chose not to cast power and i would take i mean that would be pretty offensive in itself like it's like like a arnold schwarzenegger do it tom gold we're talking we think magnus without psychic power like if you just take all of his psychic stuff away he's still a 450 point model he almost gets all of his psychic stuff for free like even without any of that he's better than a lot of the primarchs I mean, he just gives your army so much. So do you think there should be like a bigger Lord of War Primarch or bigger Lord of War Psychic Mastery Magnus in the book or what? No. I mean, it's fluffy the way he is other than his points. Like he, like I said, we talked about earlier, he should probably be roughly 700 points. But they're not going to do that because then you can't take him at a low-level game because it's a 25%. What if you had like... You had Council of Nikea Magnus, who, like, right after the Council of Nikea, he was like, okay, let me back off a little bit. And he doesn't unleash his power. And so, like, he's, he's like, tame. And then you have Magnus unleashed. And then that's the current one, but he's, like, 700 points. I guess. I don't know. You, I don't know. <laughs> Magnus <laughs> unleashed. <laughs> just the prop like the whole psychic phase was developed by the 40k design team long before 30k even came out and it's just it's fucking stupid the way the psychic phase works and all the psychic powers are just dumb they just totally need to redo them the problem is at the game day game this re- most recent games day they straight said they're not going to s- do a separate book for 30k yeah. like 40 30k is always going to follow the 40k rulebook yeah. so now our only hope is that in 8th edition, the 40k design team makes tame rules for psychers. So do we want an over-under on the, like, or the odds of what the possibility that they'll actually, like, tone it down will be? Because I've never seen them go in reverse. No. I don't see that happen. So, I don't know. Maybe at some point Forge World will keep. Maybe they'll keep the core rulebook, but write their own psychic powers or something, and just tone them down. That'd be great. I mean, I don't know. 
remember, but invisibility actually got worse between 6th edition and 7th edition. No. It got better. Like, everybody bitched about invisibility in 6th, and then in 7th it got better. <laughs> like, are y'all talking shit? How about this? Because I think it used to be weapon skill, ballistic skill 1, which wasn't as harsh, and then in 7th it changed to snapshots and always hit on 6s, if I remember right. I, I might be misspeaking, mis but I'm pretty sure that it got better somehow. Ugh. I don't want to know. So, I don't know. We'll see. So that's that. I'm tired of talking about it. I never want to have to talk about I, I've got it out of the way. I broke it down. I, I put it out there. We don't ever have to talk about it again. <laughs> Until somebody submits you a list. Nah, you can do it. I'll forward it to you. <laughs> I'll be like, you're good. Solid yeah, list, I mean, bro. why? Honestly, what do you need help writing? Like, you really? Like, writing a Thousand Suns list is about as hard as falling out of a tree successfully. <laughs> oh, boy. I feel like you're going to get hit pictures here pretty soon to piss on, right? Nah, it, I don't know. I guess, like, it's just weird to me. Like, I can take... Imagine, because you can just buy the Psychic up, because they get to handpick the Arcana for all their units, and they can buy just Psychic levels for generic stuff. Like, I just think of the army list that I already have. Like, I could just take my Blood Angel Armored Breakthrough and pick all these stuff for all my bikes that just give them random abilities for free, and then drop, like, a few little things and then make all these veteran Psychers on top of it. And it's literally the same army I'm already using now and winning games with. And is already really good, but now with just free bonuses and psychic powers for everyone. Because there's no drawback. Like, they can still do any other list that any other Legion can do. They just get a whole bunch more free shit than anyone else does. So you're just looking for some drawback, too? Yeah. I just don't see it. It seems like they try to do something with the whole pinning test for the whole army, but, I mean, that's... How often do you fail a pinning test, and then if you put Magnus in the army, you have to fail it on Leadership 10? I don't know. I mean, and then one, I, I just don't see it. Looks like they tried. And even if you fail <clears throat> a couple pinning checks a game, is that really enough of a drawback to negate all the stuff that they got? No. Nope, nope, nope. So, I don't know. I've never pinned anybody in my life. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But, yep, that's it. How about some lists? We don't need to, we don't need to talk about it anymore. Yeah, let's do lists. Okay. Here are my pa papers, paper shuffling. Okay. So first list we're gonna go over is a twenty five hundred point Alpha Legion list. And this actually comes in from uh from Benjamin. And Mr. Benjamin says, so I see, so I see that you random fucked up. So I see that I sent you a random fucked up message that made no sense. And that I apologize. Insert laugh track here. It's on Facebook. Cause oh. I literally was like, I don't understand this. You're going to have to use your words and send this to me in an email. So I don't lose it. <laughs> did you really, did you really use the term? Use your words. <laughs> yeah. 
I wasn't that mean. I said I was nicer about it, but yes, basically like that. I was like this in my head. I was like, this makes no sense. Benjamin, you're gonna have to help me out here. (laughs) Help me, help me help you. He says more or less. My game plan is to have an Exodus, a Delegatus, and maybe a Saboteur as my HQs. I have Gilliman for a Lord of War, but I would use him as Alpharius as needed just to stick it into those Smurfs. At present time, I have three veteran squads with heavy bolter with suspensors, a sarge with artificer armor, and a power fist dagger combo, and then some combi weapons sprinkled throughout the squads. I have, at present, six contemptor dreads I can turn into Mortis Carries Assault guys if needed, as well as a Leviathan with all weapon choices except dual-wielding Melta Cannon thingy. A whirlwind Scorpius is the only way in the is, is on its way in the mail, and I have a Sakaran tank as well. A five-man jet bike and a Storm Talon are more or less my fast attacks at this time. A Storm Talon? Oh, I guess it's a 40k. Okay. This is what I have at this time, and I'm not against buying my friend's Fire Raptor, as that seems to be a pretty go- good go-to flyer for you guys. If there's any way to optimize my list towards the 2,000, 2,500, and 3,000-point list, I'm all ears. Sorry for the first one and a slightly worse rambling. Writing an essay was never my strong suit. Okay. Okay, so basically what I did, I just uh, basically just took his ideas and, and started uh, working from there and tried to use as many models as he had and just maybe swap some war gear around. So I started with a uh, Delegatus. I took Pride of the Legion for his right of war. I gave the Delegatus Artificer Armor, uh, Power Fist, which becomes Mastercrafted for free with the Delegatus, um, and I gave him a Refractor Field and a Power Dagger because he seems to really like the... Power fist melt or power fist dagger. He has it on almost all his guys, so I tried to stick to that. Um, then I took Exodus, which is just how the character comes, and then I took a saboteur with artificer armor, a combi melta, and power dagger. And a saboteur comes automatically with melta bombs. I just tried to keep this guy fairly cheap. Um, that's pretty much how I run most saboteurs. Plus, it's I see think it's pluffy, fluffy. Fluffy for a saboteur to only have a power dagger because he's like supposed to be sneaking around and shit. You wouldn't think he would have like all this crazy, you know, war gear. So yeah, I was imagining like, twist it in his fingers and shit. Like yeah, like I was imagining with like his combi melta <clears throat> is like all like taken apart in a case, like his op, like Tim says for my horse's operator case. Yeah, and then he's just got like a power dagger he keeps in his boot or something. So he plays that game where like you stab your like in between your fingers, except like it's a power dagger, so it's all like stabbing through foam with a hot knife. but it's like metal. So for troops, since he's Pride of the Legion, you can obviously take vets and terminators. So for the first squad, I took a nine-man veteran squad. Um. I gave them machine killers, but as we talk about all the time on here, you get to choose that before the game begins. So depending on situation, you can swap that. But it's a nine-man squad. Um, eight of the guys, uh, there's eight normal guys. Seven of them have combi meltas, and one of them has a melta gun. And then the sergeant has artificer armor, combi melta, uh, power fist, and power dagger. Um, then they don't have a transport, but we'll get to that. Then the second squad is a 10-man squad, and it's a uh, just a 10 naked. They just have bolt guns, um, and you're going to uh, give these guys uh, usually marksmen. So they have artificer armor. The sergeant has artificer armor, power fist, power dagger, and they're in a rhino with a pinnel-mounted multi-melta. Okay. Um, then I have a third 
veteran squad that's identical. So it's another just 10-man squad all with bolters. Um, the sergeant has artificer armor, power fist, power dagger, and they're in a rhino with multi-melta. So three veteran squads, one machine killer, and one just bolters. Then I have a five-man Terminator squad. He can run this as Tartarus or Cataphracty. I don't know what models he has. I have it down as Cataphracty. Um, two of the guys in the squad have Chain Fist. The sergeant has Power Fist, Power Dagger, and the other two guys just have lightning or uh, power weapons that they come with. Okay. And they have a dedicated Anvilus Dreadclaw for them, so that's <clears> one <throat> drop pop there. Then for Fast Attack, I took five Jet Bike Sky Hunters. So he already owns... Th- uh, yeah, that's he already owns those guys. So it's just five jet bike sky hunters with just heavy bolters and no upgrades, which is just, it's just a solid infantry killing unit. For his second fast attack, I took an empty Anvilus Dreadclaw. So that's where his veteran squad without the Melta Vets will go that didn't have a transport. And the Delegatus will join them. That's why it's only a nine man squad. So all 10 of those guys will go in the Dreadclaw. Um, then for heavy support, I took his Leviathan. So the Leviathan has a siege drill with melt-a-gun inbuilt, a storm cannon, two torso-mounted Volkite uh, cal- calivers, armored ceramite, and a phosphex discharger, and it's in a dreadnought drop pod. So that's his three drop pods, so he'll get two turn one. And then for his second heavy support slot, I took a Scorpus Whirlwind. And then for his third heavy support slot, I took a Fire Raptor gunship with autocannon batteries and four wing-mounted Hellstrikes. Nice. So go pick up that fucking fire raptor <laughs> yeah. so this uses pretty much all the models he has um i basically just changed the loadouts around on his veteran squads and then used all his models and i think i pretty much stuck to um everything that he uses and likes to use and i think this is you know it's a solid list it's it's a lot like the list that we built like if you own a calf box and nothing else where it's got the three vet squads and the terminator squad with just stuff added in yeah so it, it works well for what he's trying to do. And this is uh, 2,498 points. I like it. I mean, it's pretty pretty simple, pretty simple list. It's got a lot of... How would you run those jet bikes? Like, what would you... Just straight infantry killing unit? Or? Yeah, they're just heavy bolters. You can kill... You can get in the side arc of, like, rhinos. Like, rhinos are only armor 11. You can glance down uh, light vehicles or just use it to kill um, infantry. I mean, five heavy bolters, like against Mechanicum or something that they take Thalax or Solar Ox or something like that. You'll chew them up pretty good, and then it's just like weight of fire. Like if you need to finish off, like you, they come in with the Terminator squad, and you can maybe get it whittled down to two or three guys. It's something you can finish them off with, stuff like that. Yeah. I dig it. Cool list. So, pretty straightforward, but I mean, like I said, the main thing was that I wanted to use all the models. Uh, that he had where he didn't have to run out and buy a bunch of crap. At least he started out with some pretty decent models. So starting out with yeah. a whirlwind Scorpius and a fire Raptor on the way, that's a pretty good start. So, all right, there you go, Benjamin. Oh man, I actually sent this to him in Facebook already. So, uh, he seems to really like it. He said it was kind of what he was running anyway. It's a good list. Start out right. Yeah. All right. So next guy up is going to be... <clears throat> the title is Some List Help for an Australian Emperor's Children Player. And this comes from Luke. Luke says, Hey, Ryan. 
first up, just want to say a big thanks to you and Michael for the podcast. Been listening religiously to you guys since you started RFI. I've noticed that you don't get many, if any, emails about Emperor's Children lists, so I couldn't just go black, go back and listen to our older episodes and listen to where you guys have covered them. But I know you said that you are super busy, so if you have time to get back to me, but if not, it's all good, dude. And seriously, I mean, if you're super busy with those black shields, don't stress about this list. So on to my issue. I've been collection, collecting and painting an Emperor's Children Army for a while now, but I've been struggling to write a list I'm happy with. I have no idea what right of war to run, if any, and what I should to add my collection next. What I should add to my collection next. I'm trying to build a 3,000-point army. Currently, I have the following assembled and painted. He has a Praetor Tribune, Tribune five Phoenix Terminators, one Chaplain with Phoenix Spear, two 10-man tax squads with just bolters, one 10-man plasma support squad one five-man last cannon heavy support squad one dual carries contemptor mortis one 10-man meltavet squad eight combi meltas two meltaguns hang on right there what's it hide that fucking tribune from michael or he'll fucking take that sword from you just want to throw that out there (laughs) keep that hidden don't let him see that thing you damn right that's a blade of perdition i've ever seen one (laughs) <laughs> also unassembled i have four five-man cacophony squads one storm eagle one xiphon one lightning one glaive five more phoenix terminators 20 calf marines still on sprue one calf contemptor one calf chaplain uh as you can see i really have a hard-on for flyers just because i think they look cool and i want to paint them up the pilot of my Zyphon to have the same helmet as Maverick from Top Gun. Nice. And then play Danger Zone whenever it flies on the board. <laughs> so I'd really like to keep them in the list if possible, but I'm really not super fussed about it, what you put in and what you leave out, and I'm not adamant about which right of war you pick either. Thanks again for taking the time to read this and hopefully get me a list, and big thank you from me and the rest of the Wasteland Australia for producing a great show. Luke, sent from mail for Windows 10. Oh, okay. So, uh, you kept that Zyphon in there, right? Yes, I did, 100%. What? Cool. Okay, go ahead. Explain, explain right. your reasoning. So, I, I really <laughs> like this list. This was probably my favorite list that I made this week. I don't know. I like the Salamander one a lot, too. Um, but this one probably ended up being my overall favorite. So, you call them all, you all call them all your favorite. No, I said to this week. I have a favorite of every week. <laughs> they're all your favorite. Um, they're like my children. They're like my babies. I put them into the world and like to watch. Anyway. So <laughs> they're all, they're all, they're all, they're like mama Baldwin. She loves all her Baldwin, but there's only one Alec. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck that Billy one. Anyway. Uh, so for an HQ, I took a Praetor in uh, Tartaros Terminator armor and he has a Chain Fist Iron Halo Grenade Harness and Sonic Shrieker so we'll get to why I gave him this loadout oh he also has an Iron Halo so that makes his Tartaros armor essentially cataphractic but allows him to sweeping advance Yeah. Like um, so then for the second HQ choice oh I took Right of War 3rd Company Elite so this is a 3rd Company Elite list ooh okay so uh, for the second HQ, I took a chaplain in artificer armor with a Phoenix spear and melt bombs. Cause he said he already had this guy. Um, then for troops, you have to take a cacophony because it's third company elite. So I took two 
Well, we'll just start. So I took a 10 man because he's got 20 cacophony. He said two five man squads. I just combined them in the 10 man squads. So I got a 10 man cacophony squad and the sergeant has artificer armor, Phoenix power spear and melt bombs. And then I took another troop choice. That's that identical squad. So another full 10 man cacophony squad with artificer armor, Phoenix power spear and melt bombs. And then this right of war, not only does it make these guys troops, but it gives them relentless. Badass. Which is cool. So then for his first elite choice, I took seven Phoenix Terminators. Um, so the plan is to put the Chaplain and the Praetor with the seven Phoenix Terminators. Um, for his uh, second elite choice, I took ten veteran tactical Marines. So ten ve- uh, tactical veterans. Uh, it's his machines killer squad, exactly how he has it armed. So seven combi meltas on normal guys, two melta guns on normal guys, and then the sergeant with a combi melta. So th- that squad. <clears throat> For his third elite choice, I took a 10-man marksman vet squad that's just 10 bolter guys with no upgrades, including the sergeant. Just 10 naked bolter guys. And they're in a rhino with pinnel-mounted multi-melta. So I'm using his two 10-man tack squads with just bolters that he said he has. For the fourth and final leech choice, I took another 10-man veteran tactical squad with marksmen with just 10 bolter guys, no upgrades even on the sergeant, and they're also in a rhino with penal mount and combi melta. So that takes up his other squad. For fast attack, I took two Anvilus Dreadclaws. So the uh, Cacophony can go in these uh, Anvilus Dreadclaws or one Cacophony and the Meltavet squad. You can choose because they're not dedicated. Okay. So you can choose which ones to use there. For the third fast attack slot, I took a Xiphon with ground tracking auguries so he can play his danger zone. <laughs> For heavy support, I took a Charybdis Assault Claw and the uh, seven Phoenix Terminators, the Chaplain, and the Praetor go in the Assault Claw. So he's going to have yeah. three So he's going to have three drop pods. So he's either going to have two Cacophony squads and the Phoenix Terminators in claws or he'll have one Meltavet squad uh, one cacophony squad uh, and the melt vets in them. And then uh, his second heavy support slot, I took a Land Raider Phobos that's not dedicated with Dozer Blade and Armored Ceramite. So either the second cacophony squad or the melt vet squad, whichever one he doesn't put in the Dreadclaw, he can put in this Land Raider. And then for his third and final heavy support slot, I took a Sicker Inventor Tank Destroyer to give him some good anti-tank. Hmm. Okay. So he's got a sicker. So what'll start on the table is a sicker inventor, a land raider with either cacophony or melt vets in it. Uh, and then the two veteran squads with rhinos can start on the board or outflank. And then on turn one, he'll get his Charybdis with, uh, his big termy squad with the two characters. And then either the second, either, and then one of the cacophony squads for sure. And then either, and then in reserve, he'll ha- either have the other cacophony squad and the melt vets, depending on what he puts in the land raider and then the flyer. And then whether or not he puts the machine killer vets in reserve. So it gives him a well-rounded list with a lot of things he can hold in reserve and either outflank deep strike, whatever, which kind of gives you that Mariscara feel the original right of war. But while you're also using the third company elite, Right of War, and then this list ha- also has both Emperor's Children special units in it. Um, I put Sonic Shriekers on the Terminators, 
the sergeants all have Phoenix spears. Uh, he's got the Zyphon in there for like a flyer. Like, I feel like this is super fluffy, but it's also going to be very effective. I just don't, the only thing that I don't get is the Sicker Inventor. It kind of stands out as like a, like how many points is that Sicker Inventor? 190. It's just a fast, because he doesn't have any like heavy anti-tank that starts on the, that starts he doesn't on have the any, well, and he doesn't even, because he's not, he's not taking like a, a lightning or anything. He's taking a Zyphon. So well, that's, it's that's not. That's what I was wondering. Like, could you swap out the Venator for a lightning? Because that's pretty. Well, the lightning is the lightning is like two hundred and thirty-five points with Krakens. Hmm. That's the problem; is it's just real expensive. Okay. I was trying to fit something in sub two hundred points that had heavy armor killing capability, so I went with the Venator because at three thousand points, he's going to run into a lot of other people running super heavies. Yeah. So I, I feel like the Venator punches above its weight, and if you can get some, you know, get a penetrate on a super heavy, it at least shuts it off for a turn. Yeah. Okay, I see your reasoning behind that now. Yeah. Because if you look at his list, he doesn't really have any heavy anti-armor. That's also why I gave the Praetor the Chain Fist, because he's already going in a squad of those Phoenix Terminators. So he's already got a ton of like low-strength AP2 at initiative that's really high to kill all like if squads of guys or whatever, but he doesn't have something if that unit runs into armor. He doesn't have anything to for anti-tank, so that's why I gave the Praetor a Chain Fist. That makes sense? So it, so it gives him a shitload of chain fist attacks in that unit, and then also the chaplain's in there to give all that shit rerolls, and then the chaplain has a melt bomb so he can clamp one melt bomb on and then have a bunch of chain fist attacks to give that unit some anti-tank. And then he also has the machine killer vets to try to take out their super heavy. So depending on what they're running, like if they have like that big juicy target, he can put those machine killer vets in the dread claw and drop it in on them. Um, if they don't really have a good target for that, he he might, you know consider putting them in the land raider or whatever you know what i mean there's just lots of options because a lot of the stuff isn't dedicated yeah but so i basically used all the infantry he owns like he owns all the infantry in this list it's really just vehicles um so he'd need to get i think he's did he say he had a dread claw maybe he didn't i don't remember uh no he doesn't have a dread claw okay so I added the two Dreadclaws and the Charybdis and the Sycorin and the Land Raider. Because he didn't really own any vehicles. It's almost all infantry. He says he's wanting to buy more stuff. So I felt like he had enough infantry. He just needs to get some more things to carry him in. Yeah, just like a Glaive, a Storm Eagle. It's just nothing really like... Right, not common stuff. So I feel like him getting a couple Rhinos and a Land Raider, and some Claws, that'll give him, like, going forward, he'll be able to build a much wider variety of lists and change things up. Fuck yeah. So, hopefully this helps you out, Luke. Uh, I really like this list. Um, if you if you decide to go this route, send us some pictures and let us know how it plays. Um, I think it'll actually work pretty well. Definitely send us a video of you playing Danger Zone. So, and if he if he needs to drop this down to 2500, you could really just ditch the Xiphon and the Sakaran Venator and that's like going to get you most of the way there and it doesn't really take away anything from the list. Not a whole lot. No. So. All right. Next up on the list is a 2000 point salamander list. This is an hilarious email, by the way. 
it says list question is the title working on salamander list have the following 10 man tactical squad 10 man tactical squad five man melted tactical support squad one calth praetor looking at 2000 point list what would be best way to work flamers into list or troops or vehicles predator and furnace would work well Looking for really something that will work well. Mostly infantry and limited vehicle meta. Regards, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty sure Keith is RoboCop. <laughs> Make list. Models here. <laughs> 2,000 points. It's, ro- Thank it's you. Robo Keith. <laughs> now, I talked to Keith a little bit on Facebook. Um, I just thought it was funny uh, that how straightforward the, the email was. So Here, list. You make list. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It just says regards. It even say thank you. <laughs> regards. <laughs> nah, it's funny. I think he thanked me later because I've already sent him this list and he said he liked it. So this one's also very, very themey. Um, once again, I just went with Pride of the Legion because this is very basic. Like he didn't own any of the special units or anything like that, and I just felt like he had like essentially calf box stuff. So that's we've always talked about that on here when you have a very basic list. Usually, Pride of the Legion is the way you want to go to really make the most out of your tactical Marines and Terminators that come in that for sure. box. So, for his Praetor, because he has the Calf Praetor, I uh, took that Praetor. So, it's Cataphracty Terminator armor, uh, Combi Melta, Chain Fist, that's Mastercrafted, because Salamanders get a Mastercrafted for five points, uh, Digital Lasers, and Mantle of the Elder Drake. And that guy's 197 points, and that's his HQ. And that guy's taking Ride of the War, Pride of the Legion. So he has that exact model. Um, for his first troop choice, I took an eight-man tactical support. Or, sorry, I have to go to the veterans first. So for his first troop choice, I took a 10-man veteran squad. It's just a, a 10-man sniper vet or a, a marksman vet squad. Two of the guys have guns. The sergeant has artificer armor, and they're in a rhino with penal-mounted multi-melta. And then I took another squad that's identical to that, so it's another 10-man squad. Two of the guys have melta guns. Sergeant has artificer armor in a rhino with multi-melta. Uh, and then I took a third squad that is 10 uh, marksman vets. Uh, nine of the guys have combi flame, or yeah, nine of the guys have combi flamers, and the sergeant has a combi flamer in artificer armor. And they're in a rhino with penal mount and multi melta. He said he wanted a bunch of flamers, so I just put ten marksman vets in a rhino with combi meltas or with combi flamers, Fuck yeah. so he could jump out and basically have like his uh, salamander Mordathan squad essentially. His fucking roast. His roast. And then for, for the fourth troop choice, I took uh, eight man tactical support squad. So that's just that's just going to be eight guys with flamers because I didn't upgrade them. So it's eight flamer marines, and the sergeant has artificer armor. Uh, power axe, melt the bombs, and ma- and the power uh, axe is mastercrafted. So he keeps his flamer as well because I bought these tactical support marines the extra close combat weapon. So it's going to be eight dudes that all have bolt pistol, chainsword, flamer, and then the sergeant has power axe, mastercrafted power axe instead of the chainsword, melt the bombs, and artificer armor. Okay. Uh, so then for elites, I took a dreadnought. Uh, with a box dread with flamestorm cannon and chain fist with a melt gun built into the chain fist. And it's in a dreadnought drop pod. There it is for heavy support. I took a land Raider Phobos with dozer blade and armored ceramite. 
So the eight tactical support Marines with the extra close combat weapon and all flamers and the Praetor will go in this land raider. So they'll be able to jump out, flame the shit out of something and then assault. Um, and then for the second heavy support slot, I took a predator with turret mounted flamestorm cannon, dozer blade and machine spirit. So it'll be able to move 12 inches and still shoot its flamestorm cannon. So it makes it like a fast tank essentially. And it can't be stunned. So if you stun it, it still gets to shoot its template weapon because of machine spirit. Just pissed um, off. Yeah. And then uh, for the third heavy support slot, I took another Predator with a turret-mounted Magna Melta Cannon with Dozer Blade and Machine Spirit. So it's kind of the same thing with the Melta Cannon. So with this list, I got the Melta Predator, the Flamer Predator with the Flamestorm, the Phobos with the, that's full of Flamer guys with a Chain Fist wielding Praetor, a Dreadnought with Flamestorm Cannon, a Chain Fist and Melta Gun, a veteran tactical squad of nothing but combi flamers that have Sniper, two 10-man uh, sniper squads with uh, two melted guns in each squad, and then the, the flamer squad. So it's like all flamers and melta, basically. That is so much flamers in that fucking list. That it's mostly infantry-limited vehicles. So I figure with the uh, four melta guns in the veteran squads... And then the Dreadnought with a Melta gun there, plus the Chain Fist, uh, plus the Melta Cannon Predator, plus the Laz Cannons on the Land Raider, plus the Chain Fist on the Praetor. If it's a limited vehicle, that should be enough anti-tank. And then everything else is basically Flamers and Sniper Bolters, which should work well. Damn. And that's that's a 1,993 point list. I love the, the box shred in there. <laughs> That's what I told him. I was like, some people shit on the box dread, but it's actually pretty cool with the Flamestorm Cannon and it really fits your theme. Um, but the cost of it with the drop pod is 265 points, so it's super expensive. So if he wanted something more competitive, he could just straight drop that and for just swap it for a Fire Raptor so it puts some <sighs> anti-air some anti uh, air in his list and also gives him a solid unit and it'll give him 30 more points that he can spend on some war gear as well. Fuck yeah. So if he doesn't want to do that box dread, just swap it for a fire raptor and keep the list the same. I like the box dread. I do, I think it fits the theme of the army. John, I'm sure John Carlo will agree with all his box dreads, the salamander yeah. box dreads. All right. One more to go. going to put the crown jewel on this fucking 13 hour podcast or however long we've been doing this. <laughs> Last one, this is going to be the Dark Angels Legion. The, the title, it says, Dark Angels, not dick pics. And so the, the history behind that is uh, on our Facebook page, Chris actually just straight up, like, not intentionally, accidentally, just sent us a list, like, bam, list. Like, just as a message, never messaged us before, just boom, list. And the, I put in there, I said, receiving a list with no context is what I feel like it must be like to feel like to get a dick pic. Like just bam. You like that? You like that list? It's like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my. So, uh, but he was cool. He said it was like, he didn't mean it like that. And, uh, so he's, he wrote a full email. He says, uh, greetings from New Jersey. Hey guys, love the podcast. Keep up the awesome work. It's really inspiring. Listening to you guys. When I paint, uh, the heresy scene in New Jersey is small, but we are slowly growing. 
I started playing Heresy when Calth dropped and haven't looked back since. Things are starting to pick up here in New Jersey, and I'm ready to make a new army within the year. Uh, so I'm looking at starting my second Legion. I already have an Orbital Assault Sons of Horus army, and I wanted to try something new. I really like the idea of Dreadwing, badass, but since we don't have any rules for that yet, I'd like to build something that I could eventually mold into that. My idea is to make a Dark Angels army made of mostly Terrans and very little influence from Caliban. So lots of Mark III, no Castly Knight shenanigans. Uh, I imagine something that has come out of the Unification Wars should have lots of nasty old tech and armor. I really want to use all of the cool toys in 30K to really give it that feel of some ancient technology. Rule of Cool is number one. I think this list has that fluffy feel with the Land Raider Proteuses and Volkite, but I feel it could be better. I think quad launchers with Phosphex would be fluffy, but I didn't really know how to work it in and seems kind of played out. I'm pretty much open to any changing. Uh, I haven't found anything for it, really. I haven't bought anything for it, really. I just have a bunch of Mark III from uh, Burning of Prospero that I don't know what to do with. I figure 2,000 points is a good place to start. If you guys could let me know what you think, it would be much appreciated. Chris Holmes. Like, dude, like, th like that explanation, like, could you imagine the difference between, like, just like seeing this list and just writing like a list to help it out versus like explaining that he wants to have like this like post unification wars like army. Oh, I would have like, well, I would have changed like I, I would have first thing I would have done is gotten rid of the Proteuses and put Phoboses in. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like, you know, like like I would have totally butchered it and totally like changed his theme, like because I wouldn't have known the direction he was going in and wanted to do. I love the idea of like a Dreadwing list though. Like, just, like, ancient technology, just, like, fucking everything's Volkite, just fucking... Right. Oh, just and, and before you get into this list, his list perfectly fits the theme that he wants to do. Yeah. So this was this was almost a list that we I almost did the looks good to. Like, <laughs> it was, it's solid the way it is. Like, it really doesn't need any changes. So go ahead and read it out, and I'll tell you what I did in writing him a list. And I guess what I'm saying is I don't really know if the list I wrote him is any better or he'll like it better, it's just different just to give him some different ideas of maybe what he can do. But I don't know that it's better than what he already wrote. <clears throat> so he may want to stick with what he wrote, but I didn't want, I still wanted to do something for him to give him some other ideas. For sure. So the first thing he has HQ wise, he got Legion Centurion and Artificer Armor. He's got a Refractor Field and a Tyrannic Greatsword. Uh, it's just a Delegatus. So that's how he's getting his uh, Red of War. Oh, taking the you take land raiders is uh dedicated transports armored bra armored spearhead that's armored what he's spearhead. taking okay it says it at the end of the list then he took a contemptor dreadnought talon uh that's got a dreadnought close combat weapon with the bolter inside of it with molecular uh, twin link bolter molecular acid shells and a twin linked heavy bolter on the other arm so yep base cost uh legion tactical squad which is 10 man tactical squad uh they took additional chainsaws and combat blades, a Legion Vexilla. Uh, they're in a Land Raider Proteus with Armored Ceramite and a Dozer Blade. The Tactical Sergeant has an Artificer Armor and a Calibanite War Blade and Melt Bombs. Uh, he took that unit twice. So, oh, three times. Yeah, so he has th that unit three times. Oh, the third one's different. Oh, the it's third unit is in a... Okay, I'll just read that off. So he took yep. it twice. So he's got two Proteus with just the Tactical Squad with Artificer Armor and Calibite and Award Blade 
on the tactical sergeant, and his third unit is an eight-man tactical support squad uh, that took an additional close combat blade and chainsword. They all have Volkite chargers. They're in a land raider Phobos with armored ceramite and dozer blade, and the legion sergeant has artificer armor, bolt pistol, carbonite warblade, and melt bombs. Uh, in the heavy support slot, he has a legion Sakaran with uh, heavy bolter sponsons and a pedal mounted heavy bolter. And accelerated auto cannon. Yep. And then he has his Legion Vi- Vindicator Siege Tank as his second heavy support choice. And he took the Laser Destroyer Array with uh, just the Kami Bolter on it. Then he's got a Sakar Venator Tank Destroyer, just base. And his Rite of War is Armored Spearhead. Yep. What's the word, Ryan? What'd you change up? So that'll work. Like, this, this list is fine, and it fits his theme fine, and it does everything you need it to do. So... He mentioned something about working Phosphex in, but didn't want to like take quad mortars because he felt like it was played out. So I wanted to work because like you said, he wanted to do Dreadwing. So I wanted to work Phosphex in the list, but I didn't want to just take quad mortars. So I wanted to work an Achilles okay. in the list. So I, I, that was kind of the idea I started with was I wanted to keep the Proteuses, uh, but still taking Achilles and maybe, and basically try to make, cause he's got so many just like, basic tacticals in the list and he's already upgraded them to the extra close combat weapon i was thinking if i could make those guys veterans they're going to do the same thing only do a better job of it okay roughly the same points because when you take a normal squad it's 125 and you buy them the extra close combat weapon they're 145 if you can figure out 15 more points you get an extra attack plus a veteran ability worth it (laughs) so um I took a Delegatus, so basically the same guy he has there, uh, took Pride of the Legion right of war instead of Armored Spearhead. He has Artificer Armor, Bolt Pistol, Tyrannic Greatsword, Melt Bombs. For the second HQ choice, I took a Siege Breaker. The Siege Breaker has a single Phosphex Bomb, Artificer Armor, Power Fist Boarding Shield. I just thought that was a fluffy loadout for a Siege Breaker, and it works a little Phosphex in there. For the first Troops choice, I took a 8-man... marksman vet squad uh one of the guys in the squad has a melt-a-gun and the sergeant has artificer armor calibanite warblade um and the delegatus and siege breaker will go uh with those guys for the second troops choice i took a 10-man uh veteran tactical squad um two of the 10 guys have volkite chargers because he said he wanted volkite in the list so for the special weapons i put volkite in there the sergeant has artificer armor and calibanite warblade and then for the third troop choice, um, I took six tactical support marines. Um, the five normal guys have Volkite chargers. The sergeant has a Volkite charger, artificer armor, and melt-a-bombs. Um, for fast attack, I took seven uh, jet bikes. Um, and I upgraded them all to the molecular acid ammo. So it's just seven jet bikes with the acid ammo. And upgraded one to the sergeant. And the sergeant has a Calibanite warblade and melt-a-bombs. Uh, for heavy support, I took a Land Raider Achilles, and I upgraded the hull-mounted quad launcher to Foxfest Canada shot. So it holds six guys, so his six tactical support Volkite guys will go in there. Okay. Then for his second heavy support slot, I took um, two Land Raider Proteuses in a squadron. It's one of those things I didn't want to squadron them, but you only have three heavy support, so it is what it is. Um so they have dozer blades and armored ceramite, just like his other ones. And the 
Um, <clears throat> both of the veteran squads will go in there um, and those two land raiders. And then for his third heavy support slot, I took the Sicker Inventor Tank Destroyer. Nice. So basically, it's kind of the same as his list, but the tacticals are upgraded to veteran tacticals and have some Volkites in there. Um, I had to add in the Siege Breaker to get the Phosphex on the uh, Achilles. So the Proteus essentially became, or the Phobos essentially became an Achilles with Phosphex on it. And then I had to lose the Dreadnought and the Sakaran to make up points for that guy. But then with the leftover points, I bought the seven jet bikes with molecular acid rounds to kind of make up. Because if you look at the loadout on the Sakaran, it's got four heavy bolters on it and the autocannon, which is very anti-infantry. And then the Dreadnought is also set up with a heavy bolter or whatever. So I figured throwing in the jet bikes with all the acid rounds um, puts up down range about the most, you know, about the same anti-infantry firepower. But because it has the AP and the wound on two plus, it's actually a little bit better because you're getting more of the acid rounds. Fuck yeah. So uh, this list that I wrote for him is 1,981 points. So he still has 19 points. He can throw some war gear on or do whatever. Um you can actually mix and match land raiders in the squadron. So if, if he's fine with only one uh, Phobo or, or Proteus, it would actually work better if you upgraded one of these Proteuses to a Phobos to put the uh, the veteran squad with the characters in it, so they could assault out of it. Yeah, and still keep one Proteus. And he actually with the twenty points, he should have enough points to do that if he wants to. Um, you could even drop a single jet bike and go down to six jet bikes with we really wouldn't change a thing and when you buy them you buy them in threes anyway so what i would do is just drop one jet bike to go to six and then upgrade one of the proteuses to the phobos so you can assault out of it if he's more worried he said that he said that fluff and rule of cool was number one though so i didn't know if like the two proteuses or if one proteus would work or whatever so but that's an option you can drop a single jet bike and then upgrade to a phobos with armored ceramite and dozer blade and put those guys in to assault out of it and it would actually be pretty cool because then you'd have one of each lander. You'd have a Achilles, a Proteus, and a Phobos all in one list. I like it. I like everything about it. I mean, even the jet bikes come down to like being fucking super old shit. Like, right. And he said he wanted 30k stuff. So this is all like you have an Achilles, a Sicker Inventor, the two Proteus Land Raiders, or Proteus Phobos. If you do the Phobos, make sure you get a Mark II B. Um, and then you got, like you said, the jet bikes and then all that other stuff. So I feel like this is very 30K. It's still got about the same amount of armor that he had. Um, the Achilles is actually pretty damn hard to kill. Damn, dude. You know it would look super cool? If it's pretty, I would never recommend this to anybody, but like it just really seems like it's going to fit in his army really well. Instead of going with the MK2B. Have you ever seen the uh, Chapter House Miniatures MK2B, basically? The Phobos with the... Oh, man, it's so good. Sorry. Keep keep explaining this list. I'll pull this up. Oh, well, anyway, I was just like... I don't know. Like, it's it's pretty much his same list. The His list is a little... The one thing I like about his list is he went with the Rite of War where he got the Land Raiders as dedicated, so he doesn't have... To, to squadron them i have to squadron them in mine but mine has the vets instead of the normal tax which makes them way more useful and they're better at the role that he wanted to do anyway the other problem i had in his list he bought all those additional close combat weapons on guys but he put them all in proteuses which they can't assault out of 
So my list is the same, but because they're sniper vets, they're going to have better shooting. So on the turn you get out and have to stand around, they're going to be more effective at their job than the, his tactical Marines would have been. I gotcha. So anyway, I like it. I, I think it, I think it'll work well. This would be a pretty good list at 2000 points, trying to deal with three land Raiders and a sicker inventor, 2000 points. Yeah. Okay. That looks like plastic card. It's a, it's resin. It's resin pieces. It's from chapter house miniatures, but uh, like you see how it's got like that cowl over the top of it. And like, it yep. just kind of looks like an old fucking land Raider. They call it the ironclad land Raider kit. It's like very, like, it just makes me think like Mark three Marines would be coming out of that fucker. Versus like the the yeah that I- the MK two B like the, the actual Forge World one looks like uh kind of like what I would consider like Mark four armor that looks like some Mark three shit. Yeah, it, that, that's actually a really cool kit. It looks cool. It's got the same um, sponsons as the Mark two B, but the last cannons are side by side instead of over under like on the actual Forge World kit. This keeps the stock side by side last cannons. Yeah, and then like Michael said the. The center part of it looks more like a Land Raider armored Proteus where it's got like a flat cowling between the two race tracks and the gun is kind of recessed in the in there. It looks pretty rad. Yeah. It just takes fucking forever to get it. Yeah. That's, that's the one that took me eight months to get. <laughs> <laughs> How many do you got? Just one? I have I have two now, but cool. Like it's price it's price good too. It's not that expensive. Yeah, twenty five bucks you you supply the Land Raider. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's yep. all resin. So, but yeah, Pretty I slick. totally would love to see some pictures of that army. Yeah. So hopefully, Chris, you like that. Um, like I said, I mean, I don't, I can't sit here and tell you that the list that I wrote is drastically better or anything. It just, like I said, I worked the jet bikes in and I got your Phosphex in there. I got the Phosphex bomb on the Siege Breaker and the Achilles with the Phosphex. A lot of people think, oh, I want to put Phosphex in the list and, and what all that's in their mind, the only thing they they feel like they can take that on as the quad mortars. That's like the first thing that jumps in their mind. They, the Achilles usually gets forgotten that you can put it on there. Fuck. Yeah. And the Achilles screams Dreadwing, So <laughs> I think so. Yeah. It's got the multi melt sponsons. It's pretty rad. I like it. So that's it. That's it. We're done with lists. We're done with lists. Done, done with lists. Done with um, episode. Done with episode, done with reviewing uh, Space Wolves and Thousand Suns. Recorded a podcast within a podcast. Yeah, y'all don't know because hopefully y'all are waiting. Y'all probably want to listen to this episode first before you listen to the Break the Glass episode. But we recorded the Break the Glass episode in the middle of this episode, and y'all will never know. But yeah. did, well, you'll know why. You'll, you'll have to listen to the Break the Glass episode at some point, and you'll realize why we had to do that. So... But we've been podcasting. We started at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Michael's time. time. And it's now 11 a.m. Or 11 p.m. P.m. Yep. Like, so 13 hours of podcasting for you guys. Actually, yep. there was one hour or maybe two hours where we, we took off for a minute. I got yeah, some food. Went and, and got lunch. Yeah. So. I've eaten one meal today. I'm pretty fucking hungry. So I'm going to go upstairs. We got I think I got some steak and rice. We got to talk to Tim and Jake and Michael. And Michael. Yeah. Yep. Fun. Man, dude. So before we go, I just want to shout this out real quick. On the uh, 
on the TFL page, there was a Sigismund that got chewed up by a dog. I believe that you yep. saw that. We saw that in the Break the Glass episode. So Sigismund got eaten up by the dog, and the person felt, you know, of course, you know, you feel shitty because this is pro-painted Sigismund. Well, somebody came to the rescue and offered to paint it. Can you guess who okay. it was? David Sampson, if I had to guess. Nope. Close, though. His name is David. Perpet- per- per- perpetual Painting David. Perpetual Painting David. Yeah. So Perpetual David Painting. Nice. I'm pretty sure Mr. Samson would have also came to the rescue. But, yeah, Perpetual Painting David said uh, he will paint it. If they can get 100 likes before Adepticon, they will repaint a replacement Sigismund for free. Uh, so if y'all go to PerpetualPainting.com, give him a like, man. He's a super nice guy. He knows his fucking ancient pottery. He's part of he's part of my game. He's yeah, and he's part of my game club, and he's legit. He's a super nice dude. Him and his wife are great people. Uh, I see him on a weekly basis. He's a legit ass painter too. So yes, extremely good. So if you go knock him a like his way, guys, what are you doing? Look, look, look at this. Look at this. No, go back to what you're Michael's doing. talking about. His cat. She was chewing on my. Is she after your makeups? Tell her not to. She's eating my damn Phoenix Terminators over here. You're just see. You learn it from the internet. You were on Facebook today, weren't you? <laughs> All right. So let's close this out, guys. Y'all have a good one. I don't know what music. What music do I'm gonna put on, Ryan? I don't know. I gave you a big list several weeks ago. I'm not gonna go back and look for that. You just gotta. Off the top of your head, what do you want to hear? Oh, you're killing me here. Um, shit, I don't know. It, it's got to be uh, like easy listening, right? Easy listening, buddy. Hang on, I'm finding my list, and we're gonna pick something off the list. It's too far back. Surely it's here. It's not too far back. We I'm t- clinging to hope that I can find it. We talk a lot. People. <laughs> We talk a lot. We can just we can just talk. It's not it's not a big deal. I can find it. Hang on. Hold. Hold. They were talking in the other episode like they were talking in the the uh the podcast group that we should like have like a yep. uh, like a 5 hour long episode and then like after the music stops okay. and everything just silence for like 20 minutes, like 20 minutes of silence and like people are like, oh, "Okay, what's up with 20 minutes of silence?" and like jump back in with like some surprise shit like those old like CDs used to have remember they'd have that secret song just do do, it, just do another episode <laughs> just sneak it in there all right here we go um hmm let's do cheating at solitaire cheating at solitaire mike ness by Mike Ness. Done. Yep. All right. I'll let you go get some food, bro. I'm also going to get some food. You have a good one. And y'all, y'all listeners out there, y'all have an even better one. <laughs> Later, guys. Yep. You're going to be pumped on podcasts this week. We got Eye of Horrors coming back. Break the Glass. This episode, Covenant of Fire is coming out soon. You're going to just, just get banged right in your ear holes all week long. <laughs> Good luck. 
Good luck with that ear bang, boys. Later. Look for the one with the watery eyes I mean the 